Okay, Tim. So you're aware of the graviton imploder change, correct? What? Changes? Yeah, no, I know about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've been watching it. I've been watching it, watching it unfold. So you've seen the new uh, the FAQ that came out today that gave it 3D6 armor pin, right? Yes, and also AP1 now. Right? Yes. Yep. It's AP1. So it's still concussive. It still does all that. That. So now it's it's more geared, in my opinion, towards anti-armor than it is anti-infantry. So it just kind of changed its role, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Still 18 inches, right? Yes, still 18 inches. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, everybody that has it's relentless, so, I mean, you got effective 24-inch range. Because you move 6, shoot at 18. Yeah. Oh, most, most people are, yeah. Like, there's two, a couple of the units don't. Yeah. So... Like the auxilia, but I mean, like, fucking, other than me, I'm pretty sure there's no one who's ever taken the reductor auxilia and then set it, like, with, with the imploders. Well, not that I've seen on the internet, anyway. But yeah, anyway, continue. Okay, so, um, I have some strats for you for, <laughs> for Magoses, and I was wanting to, uh, just read them off and kind of tell you what I came up with and just get your natural reaction, because everybody's been poo-pooing this, like, it's a terrible change and all that, and... It's not playable and this and that. And I, I kind of wanted to throw a couple of these out there and just see what you thought. Right. So this is, this is like sexing, sexing it up, basically. Yes. Right? Okay. So, right. well, first off, we'll start off by if you, if you just look at it from a math perspective, because it's just straight three dykes armor pin, you know, you average a little over 10 when you roll. But you're getting four tries at it per graviton imploder because they shoot four times. So yeah. we crunch the numbers on it, and you're 26% of the time a single graviton imploder rolling, you know, because you roll four times, three dice. Yeah. A, a single one has a 26% chance of scoring 13 or higher once you roll it uh, four times. Oh, okay, so that's pretty good. And, and it, it is an armor penetration roll. It's not like AYR where you don't get tanked. Correct. Extra. So it is armor pin. All right, so... Um, keep this in mind, because it's important. So the very first thing I came up with was, so you take your, your Magos Prime, right? Yep. Then you make him an Arc Magos, which gives him Relentless. Yep. So now he and can move, five. now he can move and fire it, and he's BS5. Then you give him Ordinator, which gives it Armor Bane. <laughs> so it's at 46. 46 <laughs> AP1. <laughs> oh, shit, so... What's the average on that? That should be... A little over 13. Yeah, a little over 13. Holy fuck. All right. Okay. And then you can can attach him to uh, Thalax, which give him Tank Hunter. Yeah. The only only problem there being that you can't give him a jump pack. Oh, sorry, a jet pack and the Imploder. Right. It's in one of the... It's in the same slot. And that silly band, yeah, with the Machinator rate and the Jetpack, which are both, like, premium fucking clutch choices. So, yeah. Okay, cool. But but anyway, like, 46, just on his own, is fucking apeshit. Giving him Tank Hunter on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. Okay, so that's that's the Ordinator Techno Arcana. And he's also got his Bombardment then as well, right? Yep, yep, that's also Armor Bane. Oh, keep in mind that the Graviton Imploder is only a 25-point upgrade on this guy, so you're not even paying, like... Yeah. 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 
Okay, so the other one, now if you make him a Myrmidax, he gets yep. he can take two of them and fire both. Uh, can he take two? I think I don't, I don't think he can take two. Oh, it says you can take one can... of the following. Yeah, he only gets two choices from the other from the thruster. Ah, you know, that 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 column. I got gotcha. you. Like, I mean, imagine if you could if you could take two, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be yeah. Shit, but, but anyway, you can yeah. take you can still take a graviton imploder and a uh, photon thruster. Yeah, thruster or a melter gun or something. You know, like it's pretty fucking crazy close range choices. Yeah. So then I the mean, other the one. Are, are, oh, sorry. The is probably better with the. Um, oh, I guess the Mermidex also you would get you get precision shots on a five glass. But I mean, yeah, you. I think photon thrust is probably dual photon thruster for him is probably better in a in a shooty role. Or, but you are going to be trying to get close with your hatred, I guess. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, Not as crazy as the ordinator so far. No, but the other good one is your favorite, the Ordo Reductor. Yeah. Because he gains Sunder, which is automatically reroll, right? But it also adds plus one to the vehicle damage table, so it makes it effective AP zero. Yeah, yeah. So, what, plus three on the damage yes. table? Yes. So, so plus is just like, see, see you in hell on a four yeah. plus. So you roll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once again, you're rolling three dice, but then you get to re-roll it. So you're effectively getting to roll eight times to try to pin something, and then when you pin it, you just need a four and it blows up. Especially on, like, a reductor dude who's, like, super jacked in terms of stats and shit, you know, like, just give him a, give him an imploder arm. Although, then you're missing on the machinator away, once again, so you can't go top of six, but... Oh, wait, hold on. Does Master of Destruction, does that work on salvo weapons, or is it only heavy weapons and ordnance? Um, I believe... Hang on, let's see. I believe Master... Master! Master of Destruction! Oh, uh, let's see here. I think on him, it's all his attacks. I think if you pass it on to something else. Uh, okay. But let me look. Hang on, I'm trying to find it. Man, fucking... I'm just keep thinking about that ordinator now. Fucking 46 pen, AP1. That's so, probably Master bad. Destruction says all of a Magos Reductor's attacks count as having Sunder. And in addition... Oh, and in addition, rolls made uh, by their attacks on a vehicle damage or building damage table... Uh, where this is used, have a plus one bonus, which is cumulative with any bonus they receive for AP value. <laughs> Wait, can, it's, is that, if, the, if there's a way to give him Rekka as well, would that be an additional plus one? Imagine that, plus fucking four on the table against buildings. Um, I don't know if there's a way to give him Rekka, actually. Um, yeah, that's kind of a weird specialty rule. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that plus I love that plus one man. That um, Sunder, uh, like I, I like conversion beamers. Like conversion beamers are not fucking like one of the greatest things. But like in, when you're 42 inches or more and you've got that order reductor dude and he's giving that ability to a conversion beamer, so it's like fucking strength 10, AP one with plus three in the damage table and you're and you're sundering with that template. It's fucking so good. Like. Discouraging, especially like against super heavies, because you're always aiming for that destroyed result on super heavy, so you can just do an extra D three. Yeah. Like I found that really useful. So I mean, like if you can, 
Imagine if you just got like fucking three pens straight up. Like, uh, okay. Any of these are four plus. Your Spartan is going to hell. Yeah. Oh, and and by the way, because the gun has no strength, the flare shield doesn't work against it. Because the flare shield specifically says subtracts uh, from strength. Holy. So you just fire right uh, through flare shields. Yeah. Man, like that's so much better. Like I always used to use the. Like I've used them before, obviously, but. Like, every time I've ever tried to strip hull points off someone, just gone, yeah, I have fucking, you know, I've never rolled a six. So maybe I'm just unlucky, but, you know, like, I've just never managed to strip hull points, like, mass hull points with them. But now, you know, if you've got a, that's a 26% chance of getting a 13, what's what it, what's the percentage on a 14, though? Like, or 14 or more, or a 15? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to uh, re-add it up. You can look, if you just yeah. Google a dice odds program, you can find it, and then I just put in 3d6, and it literally gives you a table of front. Because you're rolling 3d6, your minimum is 3, and your max is 18. So it yeah. literally just lists a percent chance of what you'll roll each number. So all you do, um, if you wanted like what it what it is to roll 13 or higher, you just start at 13 and look at that percentage, and then add that to whatever a 14, a 15, a 16, a 17, and an 18 would be, and whatever that total is, that's your percentage yeah. out of 100 that you would have yeah. of rolling that or higher. So I yeah. think I think um, I think thirteen was nine percent, so I think you would subtract the nine percent out of the twenty six, so you would still be like sixteen percent, which is the same odds of rolling a six on a single D six. So it's really oh, okay. so it's the same against armor fourteen as far as getting a stripping a whole point as the old Graviton imploder, but it's vastly yeah. superior the lower the armor value is because the lower the armor value is. So like against like things that are still heavily armored, like I guess I imagine it being extremely good at super heavy killing now because they're usually super heavies, even like fell blades and shit have an armor 12 facing. Yeah. So if you can get on that armor 12 facing and, you know, fire it, fire into it. I mean, you you can, especially you can get several explodes results where before you were just doing whole points when you roll a six. Yeah, and you can like drop them. You can put six of them in an Arbor slider or five or whatever in an Arbor slider. They can deep strike down, jump out. They're fucking almost always going to be within eighteen inch range. So you just dump like twenty fucking shots into them or something. Like, uh, imagine rolling while he's out there twenty times three d six. Yeah, it it takes it takes a while. <laughs> it's it's going to be like shooting like blood angel salt cans or anything else like that, but. I guess the, the other weapons they have as well, like nothing, like the photon thrusters, lance. I mean, like you're always going to get a glance on a six, but the, the, that's not giving you a fucking AP one. There's no chance of the AP one pen. Right. Um, like the radiation engine can't do shit. Conversion beamer at close range can't do shit. So I mean, like what else? What the fuck well, here's the thing. Like? Now, looking at it objectively. And this is just going off math on paper, but I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, these are just facts. I mean, you guys can do the fucking science yourself if you want. It's the best anti-vehicle option that a Myrmidon has now. Yeah, unless you go back to a uh, haywire fucking heavy uh, secular unit. Yeah, I'm talking the heavy support ones. Yeah, destructors, yeah. I wish destructors could just take fucking a multi-melder, man. It'd be so much like easier. Everyone would be everyone would be totally happy with it. We've got a multi-melder now. There you go. <laughs> well, I guess my thing is it obviously saw a drop off in anti-infantry because it's effectively only strength three. 
Yeah. That being said, if you mix, if you do a mixed unit, um, so like if you did like three thrusters and three graviton imploders, because the imploders are so much. So before, with the old one, you had this weapon that was good at anti tank and good at anti infantry. So I, I guess my thought is now just mix the unit, throw in like three photon thrusters for really good heavy, uh, anti heavy infantry. And then three graviton imploders, which are still AP two. You're only gonna you're gonna average on four guys. You should probably average between four and five wounds, which is still four or five. Um, you know, saves invul saves are gonna have yeah. to make. And then you have the photon yeah. thrusters on top of it. So you're still gonna have really good with a mixed unit. You're you're gonna have enhanced anti armor capabilities and be still fairly close to the same anti-infantry capability, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I only ran, like, I've got five magnetized, and I only ran, I've got them magnetized with culverins, and I only usually ran them, so, that, like, if, if I knew I was playing against someone who was running a Primarch, like when the loaded dice dudes came up to Queensland, and, and we knew that they'd have a Primarch, so we're just like, fuck you, that's it, put you in the ground. Um, but usually I just ran in my five-man unit, I had four culverins and one imploder, and I just used that imploder to fucking just eliminate their sergeant or whatever fuck faces at the front with the two-plus save, and then just go like, and now, here, take like, you know, whatever, fucking 16 culverin saves kind of thing, so, you know, um, so, I mean, you could still chuck one in and try and use that to crush the sergeant, and then, but I mean, you got Lucas, uh, I don't know, it, it's... It's definitely going to change things around. We just need to fucking, like, play it out, see how it actually performs. I, I just, I really do think on the characters themselves, like on Amago's character, I think it's actually, if you, it's a different role, but I think it's technically better on those guys now. Yeah. Well, I'll soon find out, because I've got one of my Black Ramada dude with my Thrall army, and, uh, you know, I'm not fucking changing the model. Unless I say it's a thruster now, but, yeah, that's a bit... The thing is, it, it, uh, I think like I think it's good to see most people just change the thruster because you know like, the thrusters have like an additional thirty inch range. So if you just on a unit like that, if you're not gonna just do the close range fuck you, you might as well just sit those dudes back in some four plus cover and then just use well, thrusters to just shoot the fuck out of people. And I and, uh, I, I agree I agree with the unit. Like I I I, I think you're hundred percent right on the actual taking them in a unit of destructors, yeah. but. On a character, because that Archmagos is so good in close combat, you're going to want that guy close anyway. I think that this is yeah. now like the perfect weapon because it it yeah. gives you a way to can opener uh, open a Spartan up um, pretty easily yeah. from a fairly it's safe nice. range. And it's still wounding on fours against Sisters of Silence too. So if you need to eliminate those bitches, just like <laughs> welcome, welcome to the jungle. Oh, I, I got one more strat for you. you. Now that you play Marines, you can find, uh, go look and see if you're Sworn Brothers with uh, any Marine Legion. And you, yeah. you can take... Like Sons of Horus, I, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So you take a Sons of Horus Siegebreaker, which has Tank Hunter, and you can... Oh, they're a Salvo, though, aren't they? They're not heavy. Ah, boo. Okay, never mind. Failed strat. I was thinking they were heavy for... I was going to say you could throw him in there and give a whole unit of the the unit guy's tank hunter, but I guess you can't. Oh, yeah, the base shit. Oh, man, you're re-rolling. I wonder, like, on the... Back to the... 
been taking a thruster, so an ordinator with thruster. So the thruster, like, is strength 6, 2 shots, AP 2. Yep. But it's got lance, so you reduce the armor down to 12. And right. And then it's fucking, you know, a 6 plus 2d6 pen. Yep. Um, at AP 2. So I've been running that, like, with, um, and then, and then that means you can give it a jump pack as well. Right. I wonder if... I wonder which one will turn out to be better. I need to work it out. Maybe I think it. I think I once again it. It depends what you're doing. Um, yeah. I I think against a super heavy, I'm pretty sure the grav will be better because you're way more likely to hit explodes results and it's more shots. Yeah. Um, the only caveat being that that's that's within uh, demolisher cannon range. <laughs> so yeah. If you, can, if you can sit back with a unit of thalax, get tank hunter. Yeah, because you're getting tank hunter as well. So you've got armor bane. Strength 6, Lance, and Tank Cutter, like, all just com- compiled into the one fucking just ultimate weapon. I don't know. It's been pretty good. Like, I, I, it's been rare that I've one-shotted anything, but, you know, just the threat of that weapon just makes people fucking shit their pants. Yeah. have got a couple of other thrusters in the unit as well, just whipping all these fucking shots into people. It's pretty fun. You couldn't... You couldn't, uh... Do that strat and reductor though. So now this gives reductor yeah, yeah. a a good version of a shooting yeah. megos. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just got to give up that machinator array. It's hard to go past that fucking toughness six man. Fucking making you as tough as a like. Just meaning just the fact that you can't get like fucking. What's happened to my guy? Oh, getting shot by like <laughs> like a Benatar. Just like oh yeah, it's a strength ten beam. See you in hell. <laughs> oh shit, failed my three plus. Just got sent to the land of neutrons. So, let's see here. Can you... Uh... Yeah, so you can't... If you take the Graviton Imploder, you can't take a Conversion Beamer, Machinator Array, Servo Arm, or Rad Furnace. You have to give up one of those. Yeah. Oh, is Rad Furnace in that lot? Yeah. I Rad Furnace was in the second lot. That on the on a reductor, it's in that lot. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think okay. in the normal, yeah, in the normal one, you are correct. It's in the other slot, so you can combine a rad furnace with a graviton imploder, which makes him really good close combat. Um, yeah. But, yeah. See, I haven't taken a, I haven't taken an archmagus reductor for so long because my reductor army is basically my like twenty five hundred plus fucking slug it out with tank army army. And then having like a 300 point Archmagos just sitting in a tank directing a conversion demo is just like after a few games I realized like, oh yeah, this is fucking stupid. Just take the, the base bitch with a power fist and then just like he just sits in there and just yeah shoots all game and almost never gets hurt because he's in a flare shielded near Macroard. But you know, like in we're going to start playing some Mistban 3 so you know I want to bring out some reductor shit for that. So I might have to, I might have to build up an Archmagos, give him an imploder, see how it goes. So, around in the ruins. so what is what's Alpha Legion and Mechanicum? Do you know what they are on Allies? Have you ever looked? Uh, no idea. Sorry, I know I know Sense of Horus are because Horus, you know, and all these bros. Hang on, yeah. just a second. I can look because if Alpha Legion is um, you could take you could put an Alpha Legion character in and then give your guys Tank Hunter and then you could run a whole unit with Tank Hunter. Let's see here. <laughs> Strats on the fly. I wish they had some sort of 
Fosfex grenade launcher or something, that'd be sick. Just like an 18 inch range, small template Fosfex shot. I think every, I think most people are set on the Fox Fest, Fox Fit, Fosfix. I don't mind Fosfex, I just fucking, if people don't have templates to leave on the table, then fuck you. Like, I don't mind how much Fosfex you bring, but you have to have a template for every single shot that you can leave on the table. If you do that, you can play as much Fosfex as you want against me. Just so I can take photos and go, look how ridiculous this is. They are not Sworn Brothers. So Mechanicum are Sworn Brothers with Iron Warriors... Iron Hands, Sons of Horus, Salamanders, and Raven Guard. Raven Guard. But all you gotta do is come up with one Tank Hunter character and you can slip him in there. Uh, there might be one out yeah. there that I'm just overlooking. Haven't can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any. Oh, what about um fucking Castaman Oth? have to put him in a vehicle? Can he just run around on foot? Because he has tank... Oh, maybe he doesn't have it on himself. Only a vehicle that he's in. Yeah, I think he, he just confers it. he get any vehicle with him in it. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. Just cast him an off on foot. Just to, yeah, just to give you tank on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> fluffy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has to start in a vehicle, so you'd like just put him in the shittiest vehicle and then hope it dies just so you can... Yeah. Um, then t- have a 50-50 shot of him living so you can then <laughs> join. That's yeah. kind of a weird way to go. Shoot it yourself, and then he gets out, joins the unit. Um, but... Just a basic predator with no other weapons or upgrades. Yeah. You could uh, combo it with some psychic powers and hit any unit within Feeble from a psychic power, which lowers their strength and toughness by one. Yeah, but come on, man. Like, we all know a javelin should be more points. Like, that was one of those head-scratcher changes. Like, when I got that new Marine Red Book, the very first thing I did was switch. I went straight to the quad mortar because I was like, surely this thing is going to get nerfed. And then I was like, what? It has Phosphex now. Oh, go fuck yourself. Um, So that was... um, And then, you know, I was looking through the rest of the book, and then I saw javelins got way cheaper... And then started yeah. reading, and I'm like, oh, and then they gave him strafing run and fucking grab back. Like, what? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's right. They're only 55 now, aren't they? They used to be 70 or 75. They used to be 75 and didn't have strafing yeah. run or grab backwash. And then they lowered them yeah. to 55 and gave them two special oh, rules. Fuck. Yeah. So I think, yeah, okay. So it's the same price as a whirlwind. You could get one imploder. Amidon, or you could get a whirlwind or something like that. So that's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, definitely, definitely some of those changes in the Marine book were like, whoa, what are they doing? Like, but, yeah, just give Mermidon's, uh Destructor's Grav Backwash. There you go. Grav. Anyone with that weapon. Just give everyone, anyone with that weapon, give them 
crowd backwash because the closer you get to them, the more it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't think they're useless. I, I think on a character, they're going to be really good. Um, I think they're, they're good on that yeah. reductor character. And I think they're good with the, the four D six with the armor Bane guy. Yeah. The, the thing is like, you, the problem with nerfing something or just changing something like that in an army like Mechanicum is that we've got so many fucking awesome choices that it's like, okay, you change that now or what for the same points I could take this, which is just better, fucking way better now, you know, like, um, why, why the fuck would I, you know, it, it's not like that grab things, I guess it is better at vehicles, but then photon thrust is decent at vehicles and has massive range, so... It's, it's not a it's it's not like a it's not completely useless. And if you've already got those models built, you might as well try using them a few times and just see how they go. Like against a dreadnought or something like that. Like if you've got problems with leviathans, that might be a decent thing for just trying to get like getting explodes results in a leviathan. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, it, 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 the, the problem is, like I said, is that that huge mega unit which used to be like fucking whatever four hundred points, four three seventy five or whatever. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I think they're just different roles now. I think they're anti-tank now yeah. as opposed to um, yeah. anti-infantry. And like yeah, I said, I there's there's nothing the, there's nothing stopping you from mixing like the that. unit. Yeah, yeah, and there's always been a lack of ranged anti-tank, uh, other than obviously if you take fucking Sekitari with mass haywire or uh, you know your, your fucking um, Voltrax. Like the, the, there was always that big like ranged anti-tank issue with Mac. Um, especially, especially with uh, Legio Cybernetica. So I mean, they've they've kind of fixed that now. So having, but having that ex, having that extra sort of weapon, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna try it out. See how it goes. When I fucking crush a single like a sergeant or a or, or like just imagine killing like a you know like a praetor or something. Just like yeah, five plus. Yeah. Five plus you crush. I, I think you're gonna be more excited when you like. You know, somebody rocks up with a knight, and you're like, "Here's my armor bane, dude. Oh look, I get four pins. Oh look, here's three explodes results. Oh, you're dead." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because at, at range against that knight, you just use your bombardment the first turn, and then that's like D three side hits with armor bane. And yeah. And once it gets closer, it's like, oh fuck! Like, yeah, you you can put your shield in that direction at least against it, but yeah. One or two of those are going to get through. It's going to be nasty, especially only being AV three, about thirteen. Well, you can or, or twelve in the side. You could put him in a unit of uh, secutors with double haywire, or put him in with the, <laughs> and then just jump out and just like double haywire a bunch of shit on top of the imploder getting explodes <laughs> results. Yeah, what a fuckhead. Yeah, because you can. Uh, yeah, now because you can deep strike a hover aircraft. Yep skimmer mode and then disembark it's just fucking so good man yep like, since i figured since i found out you can do that i haven't tried it with myrmidons yet i've only done it with uh siege with my automata dude and he's got like a bs5 multi-melder and that just fucking is so good just landing next to like a squadron of artillery or whatever and you just blow one away first time and then they're sort of staring at this four wound motherfucker in their back line that's so good like dropping like <laughs> dropping myrmidons out of it or because it's capacity 12, so you could drop, like, fucking, you know, 12 
Sekitaria or whatever. Like, yeah, I could have tried that. I think you could uh, throw him in. You could throw him in with a unit of Sons of Horus vets and give him marksmen and just outflank with him and just come in and just shoot somebody in side armor with one of those crazy yeah. imploder weapons. Anyway, I wanted to I, I wanted to make you feel a little bit better about it. I don't think it's the fucking world's ending like people think. Yeah, nah, it's not the world ending. It's just annoying having like having like something that was really good and that you knew that could solve problems. Like if I, if someone if I knew that there was going to be like a Primark heavy meta, I would take those things because I knew that I would be able to fuck a Primark up now. But now, like. I don't have anything now. Like, mass vote on thrusters, yeah, but you're still only winning on fours against the Primark. There's nothing as good as hitting on two, three rolling ones, winning on two, three rolling ones. Okay, your Primark has to take 20 fucking yeah, but pluses or whatever. I think that's a problem. That's what I'm getting at. Like, it's like, I guess what I'm getting at is is when it comes time for the Marines' turn and Phosphex and Quad Mortars and um, shit like that goes back under the microscope, like, don't be whining, motherfuckers, when that shit becomes, like, quad mortar phosphex becomes one use only, or it's, like, 50 yeah. fucking points a gun, or a siege breaker yeah. only unlocks for a single weapon, not army-wide. Like, because... Yeah, that, that phosphex should be one... I reckon that canister round should be one shot only, so they only carry, like, one box full of phosphex rounds or whatever. Like, one pelican case full of them. And then once they fire them, then it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Switch back to just, you know, splinter shells or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I could almost see, I think that quad mortar battery should be like a separate entry. Like it used to be, remember when it first came out just on a, in a book on its own? And it was its own separate entry? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it should be like a separate entry that's zero to one or something, you know? like. But, that, or, uh, that, that or make it like heavy. I've always said just make it heavy support. Yeah, 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 true. Yep, heavy support. Yep, yeah, chuck it in there. That's a good spot for it, actually. Seems it is essentially, like, it is weird that some of those rapiers are, <laughs> like, uh, that, that they're elite's choices. I don't mind that. Like, quite heavy boulders. Pretty, yeah, pretty uh, an elite's choice. Yeah. Fuck, rapiers are my nemesis, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> Rapiers in 4-plus cover. It's just like, okay, cool, so we're just going to fucking be the total pain oh, I, to dig out. I played Scott the other day, and Scott had three Castellacs with a Pravian, a uh, three-iron circle with a fucking, like, uh, with a whatever they're, the Iron Warriors fucking uh, Praetor guy's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, God damn it. Uh, Warsmith. Warsmith. And then he had two units of fucking quad mortar. So it was like trying to shoot it. And, then, and they're all getting all these fucking saves. So trying to kill that much fucking toughness seven was unbelievably hard. And and my in an in a, uh, entire game, my hashtag lazy heresy sniper vets did two wounds. So I just want to throw that out there. They're super effective. Of course, you know, everybody knows I don't know how to play heresy. So I'm sure it was player skill related. Yeah. <laughs> fucking yeah. Hashtag. Uh, what's yeah? Search. Look up that fucking YouTube clip of Scott saying that saying some crazy shit. Yeah, it's pretty funny. One of our patrons made that. Uh... Hilarious. All right. Oh, shit. All right, dude. Fucking. What's the temperature there? Mine's thirty-five degrees Celsius. 
It was minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit this morning, which is 40, well, I, I don't know what to tell you on, like, what that, I think that's, like, minus 25 Celsius or something like that. Oh, yeah, so it's not like, it's not like fucking uh, outskirts of Moscow, Russian front, but it is, like, pretty, pretty fucking. Oh, that's without wind chill. I think with wind chill, it's, like, minus 30, which is basically minus 30 Celsius. Getting close. So, like do you, have you heard of have you heard of Mount Washington, uh, New Hampshire? Uh, no. When you when you get a chance, Google Mount Washington, New Hampshire, or get on YouTube and watch videos. So it's notorious for having the worst weather on the face of the planet. Um, it has the highest recorded wind. It has the highest recorded wind speeds of anywhere in the world. Um, and it, it averages wind speeds of like seventy five miles an hour, like just all the time, but Right now, that's where we got this, like, uh, all this cold front and shit moving in. I think they said today or yesterday they had, like, 105-mile-an-hour winds. And uh, with the wind chill, chill, it was uh, minus 90 or 95 degrees Fahrenheit. They said if you went out in it with exposed skin, you would get frostbite in roughly a minute. But there's video, because there's a big research center there, there's a video of these scientists putting on these big, like these, uh, like a full snowsuit and going out in it, and they literally like lean forward with their arms spread and it blows them backwards with their heels locked, like with their knees locked. They're just sliding backwards across the roof of this building where the wind's blowing so hard. Holy fuck. In the full over in the shadow. Yeah, so anyway, check that out, Mount Washington. Yeah, look it up. The, the highest recorded wind speed there, I think, was 237 miles per hour. And keep in mind, that's uh, that's, that, like, that's a straight line wind. That's not a tornado or a hurricane. That's just fucking straight yeah. line wind. That's like 320 k's an hour or something. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking insanity. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't think anyone lives there. I think they just got some fucking research station with some scientists up there. Just, just a whole bunch of squatch living there. Could probably live in anything. Yeah. All right, dude. All right, we'll take it easy, Tim. Yeah, man. I'll look for this next episode. I still haven't listened to the rulebook episode. I've uh, got a whole huge backlog of uh, 30k stuff, but no, I'm looking forward to hearing all the, the the little changes and shit. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a good episode. I think you'll like it. Everybody seems to have enjoyed it. Um, the yeah, you went through like the whole thing line by line, right? Who'd you, who'd you did it that with? Uh, Alistair. Was... Yeah, oh, okay. Al we did it on Skype. I did it with Skype. Uh, Alistair from Legion of Lies. Holy fuck! How long did it take you to read the whole thing? Uh, like five and a half hours or six hours, something like that. <laughs> 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 Nah, I wrote it down in my really shitty second grade handwriting on a piece of notebook paper that's sitting on my desk. Oh, okay, right. And then since then, so just just quickly, that errata, they basically, at the open day, no, it was 
is it open day? Yeah, something, some, some kind of fucking open day. They seem to have an open day there every couple months now. But this open day, they went around and handed out a piece of paper with like like a single sheet of errata changes, which included the imploder and the you know the charger and the grenade launcher. Being, yeah. Not being single shot, which is fucking crazy. I was so sure that was a fucking mistype, but yeah no i mean if you think about it it, we talk about it on the the rule book one a volkite charger is only seven points so why in the fuck would you pay 10 points for a combi version that shoots one time uh just because you can't yeah yeah that's true that is that's definitely true uh but you know like something like a seeker squad where you're gonna land you're gonna get that one turn of like uh preferred enemy shooting that could be worth it i guess but then you know why not just take fucking plasma? Right. Okay. Same point. So I think it's actually a good change because it actually makes them a valid option now. Yeah, being able to shoot it every turn, like, just the grenade launcher option is fucking madness too. Just 24-inch fucking strength 6 AP4 grenades. Well, here, here you go, Tim. I know you're into vets and Sons of Horus, so do a full 10-man Volkite combi squad, throw them in a land raider with melt bombs, you jump out... You double tap with the Volkite with Sniper, um, then they get all the deflagrate wounds, and then because it's assault, you still get to assault afterwards and clamp a bunch of melt bombs on something or just punch it in the face yeah. with your four attacks per guy on the charge. Yeah. Tempting. Tempting. <laughs> since, since, yeah, since I sent you that list there, I've changed my mind on gun picks, and I'm just going like, like you were saying, uh, why bother taking vets when, blah, you know, like, why take... Like, you can take Armored Assault, and then you don't need to take Pride of the Legion. So since then, I've been, I was thinking, like, fuck, man, he's probably right. I should just take all just basic bitches. So I'm just taking, like, the basic two troops choice guys, you know, the basic, whatever they're called, tacticals. Yeah. Whatever the gun picks are called. Um, and then I'm just going to max out on fucking special and heavy weapons then. And then just, like, yeah, fucking, what up, guys? Put them all in Land Raiders with, with zero upgrades. Maybe multiple. So you're, you're, you're saying Armored Spearhead, not Armored Breakthrough. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm a, I'm a spearhead. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, and I love fucking tank-shocking people, too, so the neg one leadership on that would be fucking glorious. Yeah, and you can still run vets. You you just do, you know, your two basic yeah. tacticals. Too expensive. Too expensive, man. You can just take plasma, mass plasma teams. Oh, there you go. Whoa, that whoa, works, whoa. too. <laughs> mass plasma and heavy flamers. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, dude. All right. See later. later, Tim. All right. See, see you, listeners. Bye. This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 86 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. My name's Michael. I got my co-host Scott here. Go say what's going on, Scott. Uh, and I also got my other co-host, rude as Ryan Kimmel. Go say what's going on, Ryan. I want to talk about have with washing her hands after peeing that me and Michael were talking about before the show. Just lay it on us. Hi, on us. hi everyone. Oh, okay. Ryan, me too. 
Is you want me to tell you my like? It's cleaner. I think it's weird. His hands. Yeah. Yeah. Get up in the morning, right? At least I do. And got back, and he said, "Oh, that was really quick." And I was like, "Yeah, because I didn't wash my hands because I've decided today that that's weird." And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, "Well, I take a shower, I scrub down there, make sure it's really clean." Basically, factory seal it in a pair of also like newly washed, clean, fresh underwear. And it's like, you know, hold it in its own little habitat. Nothing's touching it, whatever. It's doing its own thing. My dirty ass cell phone, touch my dirty ass money, my dirty ass truck keys, go to work, parts, touch other dirty people's hands and all that. And pee, but then immediately wash my hands like, or something. It doesn't make any sense. My dick's obviously way cleaner than my hands are at that point. Trigger that I need to wash my hands. So ideally... I think it's because people shit in that room and like shit particles float around in the air and then you Yeah, have but that's to... in the air. That means it's on your whole body. My face and... You don't <laughs> suck on your toes, but you might Whatever. you know put your fingers in your mouth to eat something and it keeps the... from getting in your mouth. Your mouth. I teleport. It's not like I wash my hands and then immediately just whoop, whoop, like nightcrawler out of the fucking room. You're on something, man. I don't know. Bathroom doors always open in, so you have to grab the nasty ass fucking door handle. I feel like that should be against fire code. Yeah, I don't know. Horace Harris podcast that likes to talk about. Dude, what's funnier is this is the. So, so guys, this is the introduction to 30K episode, and I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so this is kind of a special episode because we wanted to uh, take a moment to break down some Horace Heresy resources, some some uh, different things you can do to get into the heresy. And it just starts out with, you just got a little, we, just, we opened up Ryan's brain and just looked in there for a minute and... I liked what I saw, but you know. What's the number one about horse heresy, kids? If you stare into the abyss long enough, it begins to look right back at you. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, welcome, guys. Uh, let me go ahead and break this down for you. So, so a lot of you might be looking at this episode for the first time, uh, and might be you know brand new to the heresy. You might be brand new to thirty k, and I guess somehow got pointed in our direction on how you should get into the heresy. And then that's what this episode is strictly for. We get asked all the time uh, from different people, you know, like, Hey, how can I, uh, how can I start playing 30 K? What do I need to play 30 K? And uh, you know, what, like what, what should I expect at events? What should I, you know, what Facebook pages can help me out? What resources do you guys have? And so this episode is just to summarize all that basically. Um, and so, now that we have the new Horus Heresy version one with FAQs, same day, um, we not all the FAQs, but it, they should be out soon. From what we're hearing, yeah, like, well, we know, yeah, yeah, the, the FAQ for the rule book that we w that was dropped. But we'll talk some more about that here in a little bit. But I mean, hands down, like just just for for out of the gate, you know. Now that we have this new FAQ, it's like we're starting. It's like we're turning over a new leaf. Like this is a brand new edition. This is. Even though it's pretty much the same old edition, 
still works fine. But now that we have solid rules, we have a solid rule set. Uh, it's it's. I, I feel like we're gonna be seeing a lot more people turn over to the heresy, and a lot, of, a lot. We're gonna get a lot of people coming into the heresy. There's like a uh, almost like a, a age of uh, of darkness is now passed, and we're kind of going into like a a, a whole new whole that's new what age. It's called. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's what this episode's for, guys. Uh, and so I guess uh, I give you a breakdown of some of the questions that we're gonna answer. Uh, just in case uh, you guys want to know. So first things first, uh, we're going to go over uh, where you can find models and gaming resources for it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and try and dispel some rumors that we think you might be hearing about 30K and Horus Heresy. Uh, we're going to go over some general factions and, and backstory. And we're going to kind of point you in the direction of where you can get uh, some some information on all the factions out there. Uh, we're going to give you some ideas of some resources you need to get started. Um, we're going to give you some advice on how to get started and some of the pros and cons of starting certain factions. Um, we're going to talk about Facebook groups and podcasts and discords and things like that and different YouTube channels. That way you can uh, get an idea of... Uh, not necessarily, you know, who who we listen to, but it definitely does help where we, you can get some inspiration and things like that. Um, we're also going to go over how to get some inspiration for an army and things like that. Uh, we're going to talk about what's the most economic way to start. And so that's, uh, you know, especially for you people who think, you know, it's kind of expensive or anything like that. That's going to be a good section to listen into there. Um we're going to be talking about the most common game modes and point values so you know how to build your list generally as far as events and things go like that you know you'll it'll make you understand what you need to work towards when you're building your list for the first time and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that we're going to help you guys and we're going to instruct you on how we recruit people and start good local gaming groups and we'll give you some ideas on how you can recruit people uh, we're going to talk about goals and what you should do for your collection and things like that. Do's and don'ts. Uh, we're going to talk about how to improve your hobby skills. We're going to work on that. Uh, also, we're going to talk about some heresy events and what to expect if you go to a heresy event. We're going to talk about some of the larger, more popular events. We're going to tell you how to find events. Then we're going to talk about terrain, good places to get terrain, things like that. And then we're going to go over a bunch of the uh, third-party companies where uh, it, it might be fiscally viable to get, you know, some things that aren't offered yet and, and you know, at a decent price and all that instead of having, you know, custom converted and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's what's on the agenda for tonight. Uh, so if you're interested in any of that or if you have any anything like that, Pause the podcast right now and go get you a pen and paper and maybe a notepad or something like that so you can write some of this stuff down because we're going to be throwing a lot of information for at you. It's just going to be coming at you hard. So write it down as you hear it or anything like that or you know mark on your, on your paper what time in the podcast you heard it because it's coming out quick. So as well, guys, we also have our... Uh, powerful powerful patreon subscribers watching this live uh so they will keep us in check and let us know uh different things as far as like questions that we didn't think to ask and so so they'll be 
chiming in with their uh, with their knowledge and with with their opinions as well, and we'll be reading them off. So so of course you have you know us three co-hosts on the chat, but on the actual podcast in your ear. But we'll be referring out to our uh, to our patron subscribers as well, and we'll we'll be calling them out as they as they shout at us in their in their text boxes down there. So appreciate you, Patreon guys. Thank you for thank you for being there for us and with us. So. Uh, but first things first, before we go into all of that, as part of this normal podcast and our part of our normal podcast episodes, we're going to go ahead and ask each other and find and check in, check in with everybody. So let's hear some hobby progress. Scott, what you been up to, man? How's everything going with you? I've been pretty busy, as a matter of fact. Um, been getting ready for LVO, so I threw up some pictures of my old display board in my Iron Warriors Army that I'm going to be running there on our Facebook page if anybody wants to check that out. So all that's packed and ready to go. I got like down into like my carry on luggage and check bags. Like I can put my display board and it, it pulls apart. It's the old battle foam X board. You can throw that in your, uh, that good to go. It won't break. Obviously it's just one piece. And then, um, got my army in a, KR backpack two, so I have like two KR shoe boxes, and I'm going to carry that on. And if it doesn't fit in the overhead, I'll just take one shoe box out, slide it underneath the seat, and then put it in the overhead, and it'll be fine. Other than that, all all good to go. I talked to AJ a little bit on Facebook, who one of the guys from the Boys of the Golden Throne. So look forward to seeing them soon. I'm a real big fan of what they're doing. Sounds like a very fun, laid back event in a pretty cool venue. I've never been to Vegas, so I'm gonna by this um also got some what i'm calling them sarum pattern land raiders painted up and i posted those on our facebook page as well for my my escalation league if you don't know what an escalation league is and you're a newer player we're probably going to talk a little bit about it you know on this podcast but it's something i'm doing right now so i'm growing a new army like a steady rate um, those are two additions I'm doing. Uh, I thought they came out pretty well. I used the uh, oppressor pattern tracks, like uh, the same Sagittarius kit Ryan uses with his mod, just a different type of track. I thought those came out pretty well. Pretty happy with uh, how that army's painting up. Then I played a game with Mr. Powerful Ryan Kimmel our last game night. I got fucking murked, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I was working on. You're good. But uh, yeah, man, that's what I've been doing. So, I'm going pretty good, man. I'm really liking, you know, my World Eaters project. I'm working on. Uh, I kind of got the inspiration for it out of a uh, book six, the color plates from the guys on Bot. Uh, everything's kind of coming out the way I visualized it for a change. So that's nice. And in my list for LVO is a lot of big robots, a lot of big, cool-looking stuff, you know. It's easier to transport, A, eh? and it's probably the more attractive models. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that, and I'll see you when I get there. Hell yeah, dude. That's fucking badass. Uh, Dave said Scott is an army grower and an army shower. So... <laughs> So you get the best of both worlds there. So what about you, Ryan, man? What you been working on, buddy? Uh, I finished my Death Guard Praetor. And I started on a single uh, Grave Warden. 
one. And I get I got it like completion before we started recording this. And then um I spent almost all my other hobby time breakdowns, uh writing prep for this show and doing lists for this show. What a champ. And then guys, especially if you're a first time listener or anything like that. Uh, we do a number of list reviews on the show. Usually it's at the end of the show. We'll do some list reviews uh, that powerful Ryan Kimmel went over and, and reviewed and gave his his opinion, which is a very, very powerful and noteworthy opinion on whatever list he gets. And Usually he... Michael's sucking me off. I'm just <laughs> another dude on the internet. Don't yeah. buy into all that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just stay humble, Ryan. You don't you don't go big time just yet, boy. <laughs> um, still just working on my my death guard. I think if I know that I did other. Oh, I worked on some. Uh, I forgot about that. My uh, that industrial board that I've been slowly working on for a while. I had like uh, eight new box sets of GW train the. And then some Mantic stuff, and I clipped all of that off the sprue and cleaned all the flash on the baggies, which, believe it or not, about 12 hours. 12 hours of clipping sprues, man. That That is a... Boy, that sounds like a real fun Saturday night to me. Right. <laughs> it wasn't great, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I finished. I got basically three Death Guard models done. Um, I got a Power Armor guy, my Praetor done. The Grave Warden will be done tonight, and I'll finish it. I'm going to do a Death Shroud Urgent next, and after I get those, I'll have one of each model done. Start batch painting, you know, and ha I have an example of what it's needing to look like when they're done. Hell yeah. That's powerful. That's the I, I posted the Power Armored Guy and the Praetor book people want to see it hell yeah guys. rest of the army i finished a ton of vehicles for the army if this is the first time you've listened to it facebook if you want to see i got six and raiders done for it and then two rows and and a vindicator so i got a, quite a few tanks painted up for it absolutely guys if you want to go check us out on radio for Istvan on our facebook page uh, you should be able to see all of Ryan's work in progress. He posted them all up. Your your Praetor is looking damn sexy, and your Power Armor guys are looking good too, and especially all of your ridiculous amounts of Land Raiders and stuff like that if y'all want to go check out those vehicles as well. Um, it, William did mention to uh, on the in the chat there that we need to bring up. Guys, if you are a new listener, I know I had mentioned that Ryan does you know review lists and things like that. Uh, if you go to Scribed, that's S-C-R-I-B-D, uh, and look up Radio Free Istvan, uh, I would say 90% of the lists that Ryan have gone has gone over. Uh, we actually had one of our listeners, Powerful William, uh, convert all those lists into PDF for you if you need some ideas on how to... Uh, on how to start an army or anything like that. They're all sorted by points as well as the Legion. And uh, you can just go go snag you a list on there. Of course, you can go back at any of the episodes and listen to uh, to to us ramble and, and try and you know find your list and find a list for you. But uh, that, that's going to be a good place to start. So, yeah, check out old Pubgate if you're a new episode, new, new listener too. 
Yeah, I need to change that. I think it's episode forty-two. I need to change that up yeah. over to just Puppy Gate because that was a whole that was a whole thing. Live infamy. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic, fantastic, boys. Uh, me yeah. as for myself, as far as a hobby po- hobby progress goes, uh, I got the last of, of the acquisitors that I play. It was four Inquisitors altogether for the Sisters of Silence. I got them to like, mm, I don't know, seventy percent painted. I guess is what it, is it good? Thing? Like I, I didn't detail out all the lenses or the doors and all that jazz. And so there's still stuff that needs to be done. But I got them to like a playable standard by by my by my means. And I also in one day got. 10 sister grenade launcher sisters built up glued painted matte varnished and based all over the course of like i don't know 12 hours or something like that something ridiculous <laughs> to make to be playable the next day and uh so yeah that that happened on friday night got off of work at like six o'clock came home started working on that and by Nine o'clock the next morning, they're ready to go and on bases and ready to be on the table, and actually did fucking fantastic in my second game at the uh, Lone Star Legions event that I went to on Saturday. So, was it just two rounds? Just two rounds, yeah, two rounds. Yep. Uh, twenty five hundred points or three thousand. You could pick whichever one you wanted to do. I only had twenty five hundred points, uh, but. But uh, speaking of, you know, Scott, you had mentioned earlier that you you were going for a lot of big beasties, so it was, like, easy for you to transport everything. Yes, so, sir. So six Inquisitors and 54 uh, Sisters of Silence is a very, very... Oh, well, the Avengers were, were a little harder to transport as well. But anyway, just, yeah. like, the Sister Core army only took, like... Dude, planes are always bad to get around because planes aren't very expensive. Like a, you know, a, a lightning's what base like one thirty five or something. Yeah, but it's big as fuck and it has a flyer base. So you have like, oh god. Yeah, the, that man. I hate having to fucking. <laughs> the Avenger gets its own like six six inch tray, and it's like there nothing else can fucking fit in that tray Five either. Point like shit, man. I'm not just gonna have one. <laughs> oh, like, oh, man, this this is fucking only 145 points. Better only take one of these. Come on, <laughs> down. Yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for the Avengers, I could fit the entire Sisters of Silence force in uh, eight inches of foam. Like that's all yep. it would take up for the entire force. But because I have the Avengers, it takes three up. Avengers on their own will take. It'd be two three inch trays. You could get them in maybe two and a half. So probably two two and a half inch trays, and then you'd need one four inch tray to hold one Avenger in the three bases. That's what I got mine in. You could make them smaller, but then you have to do what the fuck I'm doing right now. And let me tell you, there's nothing fun about this magnetizing. Well, the, the thing is, the drop pods. <laughs> the the base, no matter how you turn the base, if you lay the base on its side, the oval part of the base is still four inches tall. Yeah. Now. You need so what I did is made one Avenger tray that was four inches deep. Just fit around one Avenger trays that were 
Avenger with two Rhino cutouts on each side. And I think I made those trays three inches just so I could put, you know, Rhino hold tanks in there as well. Three inch trays and a four inch tray. And it fits all three Avengers plus some extra shit. Yeah, that's pretty much the standard kit you could order right now if you just went to go order just the one pre-cut out for the Avengers. That's the that's the kit that they offer. It's got the well is what? No, that there's offers the two one Avenger and two Rhinos. Or one Avenger and two two uh uh flyer bases. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway. But yeah, that's what I did. Played some games, it was a good time. No complaints. Okay, so let's just jump into this uh these questions so uh first things first what is a horse heresy and where can i find the models and gaming resources for it uh, so answer the first part first so what is the horse heresy so the horse heresy is based in the 31st millennium uh it's actually a historical science fiction game if that makes sense so this is um within the actual Horus Heresy, there's a, a large narrative that is defined by Black Library Books. That's uh, a publisher out there who writes books for Games Workshop and Forge World. And within these books, they've drawn out a, a canon, a narrative canon, to where there's a storyline that happens. And the storyline is still going. The storyline is far from completed. We only have large and major events, and they're filling it in as they're going along. And within that storyline, they've based a game around this storyline for miniature wargaming. Uh, you may have seen uh, Warhammer 40K already, which has, I mean, the, the storylines interconnect for canon-wise, except they're so far apart in years, and the storyline that we focus on within, <laughs> within Horus Heresy is a very critical civil war that happened uh, within this same universe. Uh so it's, it's basically what started the 40k universe. Without the heresy, the 40k universe wouldn't be anything that it is. Exactly. So it's like the very, very beginning of the universe. 100. Uh, percent Like I had mentioned, guys, there is an entire series of books that you can start if you're, if you're just planning on getting Horus Heresy. You're just planning on jumping into the game for the first time. You're planning on getting here new. Uh, if you've not picked up any of the Black Library. Horus Heresy novel series, uh, I would suggest that would be the first place to start. The first book is the book Horus Rising. Um, and if you haven't read or listened to it yet, you're in luck. We actually have a uh, we have a sponsorship from audible.com. Uh, if you go to rfibook.com, they'll get you any free book you want, and it just so happens that they carry the book Horus Rising. So you can go get that book download it for free, listen to it. You'll have it for 30 days as part of your free trial there, and you can get started. And I guarantee once you listen to that first book and once you get the first Horus Rising book through, uh, then you will be pretty much stuck in deep uh, with with that entire series. It's a great series. It's it's uh, the, the authors are fantastic. Um, but that's just a start, guys. So, I mean, that's just that's just... I mean, I guess you, you could start playing without having any knowledge of the Horus Heresy background. It just wouldn't... There's a lot of things you'd miss out on. It would definitely benefit you the other way around to make sure you are listening. Uh, or, or reading, really. But uh, So that's what the Horus Heresy is. 
Uh, it's a civil war that takes place in 30,000 years, and it's a historical wargaming game for science fiction. Uh, yep. So if you like if you like the way historicals play, and you like doing the research on units and uh, you know paying up models that match a certain history, but you want something more open ended that's not like you know World War Two or whatever where the, the you they can still create new things. Um, it's it's kind of the perfect mix of those two genres, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, the second part of the question was where can they find resources for it? Okay, so you so for the models you can get them. So they have a few plastic kits at just the standard Games Workshop web store. So you can just it's I think it's just GamesWorkshop.com, right? But I mean, I well, I guess it really depends on where you're at in the world. So just Google Google Games Workshop, it'll come up. It'll be the first result. Um, uh, and then once you get there, you should be able to search, you know, Horace Heresy or whatever, and get the uh, the results you want. Um, the main place you'll get your models is from uh, Forge World, and the website is forgeworld.co.uk. Um, they're they're out of the United Kingdom, uh, and they're they're kind of like uh, Games Workshop's like high end line. Uh, the the resin models from there are usually a little more expensive than the standard uh, Games Workshop kits, but they, you know, are usually a little, you know, for the most part, look nicer, have more, you know, resources stuff poured into them or whatever, and uh, they're kind of specialty kits. And that's also where you'll find all the rules and rulebook resources for the heresies. So you're pretty much going to have to start with Forge World's website, uh, to get your rule book and army list and all that. That's that's who the only people who sell that. And then as Michael brought up, um, if you want to get into any of the novels, you're going to have to go to the Black Library uh, webpage and get your novels from there. So yeah, absolutely. Get acquainted with that Forge World website, guys. Uh, if you do get into the game and you do start playing it, uh, you are definitely going to be well acquainted with that website, guarantee it. And um, we were the other thing is Michael was talking about the novels. Um, and we'll get into them a little bit more when we get to podcast. But the other thing is, if you really the novels are like a big part to get into the fluff and everything. And if you want a breakdown of the novels, like what novels to read for what and all that, there's another podcast called the Age of Darkness podcast. That's a dedicated 30k podcast that mainly focuses on uh the novel portion and and all that and um i think michael brought up they have a book club and they have all kinds of things that revolve around the novels so definitely if if you're you're really wanting to get into the that aspect of the hobby that's the podcast to go listen to absolutely scott you have any suggestions or anything or do we nail it all no, I think that's a pretty good start, man. Like I said, if if you're coming to this and you're familiar with the Warhammer 40k universe and you've read your main rulebook, you understand that something happened in the past called the Horus Heresy that created all your Chaos Space Marines. This is an in-depth look at how that happened and all the factors that go into play with what made the universe what it is in the 41st millennium. And it's really detailed and uh, it seems very expansive from the outside looking in, but if you're someone who enjoys the details and enjoys kind of getting immersed in something and learning something, 
uh, this is a great thing. And it does have that unique characteristic of, of they're still capable of adding new things to the setting of the Horus Heresy, even though it's really treated as historic. So I think that's a really unique characteristic. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, as well, it is also very uh, customizable. Nothing is going to be like, if you're thinking of this like, Oh, you know, this is why I don't play. Uh, this is why I don't play bolt action because all the guys, you know, th- there's a lot of it that that go. There is a lot of customization in this. Uh, there's not any true historical, like you know, th- like th- there's not. There's You're not, not gonna deal with all the rivet, the rivet counting that yeah. you do in other historical games. One hundred percent, guys. Uh, it is a sci-fi game. Uh, there are things because you have an entire galaxy that was enveloped in the Civil War. There's nothing that you could dream up that somebody could tell you there's no way that could have happened. Like it's 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 a very Oh no, oh, hey, hey, let's not go that far. There are some <laughs> there are a few broad general guidelines that we would all prefer you to stick to. Uh but for the most part you have the freedom to do a you know a lot of stuff. Exactly. It's a big universe, people. It's a big galaxy. Some shit could happen, all right? Whole planets could get blown up. We, you know, crazier things have happened. So, anyway, next question was, why should you play it, and what are the bullshit rumors you you will hear? (laughs) So, which, uh, why should you play Horus Heresy? Um, well, for me, I... I don't know of another game that's left that's like a giant mass battle game uh, in this scale, like in the 28 millimeter scale where you play with the large quantity of miniatures that you will play with in Heresy and the the size of the armies and stuff that you're capable of playing with in a single day. I don't think there's any other game system currently that you can do that in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, um, I, I personally play, I mean, I enjoy the, the tactical aspects of actually running this game as far as, um, you do put a lot of time and effort into building your army. Uh, however, actually playing that army and trying to adjust your tactics and getting, probably getting shit on, uh, definitely does make you feel <laughs> like a, a, a general. I mean, you, you are, uh, moving little toy soldiers around and, and that whole that whole aspect of the hobby just has got me sold. I could do that with any game. Uh, however, in the Heresy, I enjoy it so much strictly because of some of the historical guidelines that people follow, and it, it's more of a pure game. And you know, not shitting on the the forty k Big Brother variant of the game, uh, but there's a lot of fuckery that goes on in forty k that that when I when I look at these certain things, I think to myself that doesn't fucking make sense like well how does how is that even possible how is that happening can't deal with that 30k actually makes me makes me feel that way i mean there's rarely uh a an army or loadout that i see that i think to myself you know that would not happen it's a it's i really enjoy that part of the game um also the just the the rich history and background like we talked about before it's so immersive. There are so many resources to draw on, read about the game and all that. And then, uh, once you start playing, if you go to events and start looking on Pinterest and stuff, the level of hobby skill and paint skill, uh, that a lot of people bring to heresy is so phenomenal. I mean, you can sit, you can sit on Instagram or 
Pinterest or Facebook or whatever and just go through images, you know, for hours on end and just look at cool things that people have built and painted. Um, and I really think the, the heresy community in itself is, is pretty top notch. I mean, it's, uh, I always say like when, when I play a game, I want it to be a three legged stool, you know, hobby, you know, fluff, and then actual like tabletop playing it. And I feel like heresy has all three. So that's, that's my main reason for playing. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. The biggest thing for me is the community, the people, you know, I spend time with and I'm getting something back in my investments for the events I go in and the amount of time I put into my army. So the big thing for me, you know, I take a lot of pride in presenting my army on the table, you know, well in a unique fashion. I want it to look good. I want it to impress people. Um, but also, you know, I want to take those armies. I want to. I want to play the game with people who value those things and put that same attention to detail into their products. Because once you bring those people together, they make a greater product overall as a community. And uh, you really find that in the heresy community. I think one big advantage is we're relatively small. We're a niche hobby of a niche miniature war game. So it's a very concentrated community. But um, in that, you get really, really uh, invested individuals contributing to the community like brian or like mark over at the grain legion uh michael and you guys down there in texas people who who take a lot of pride in the events they're putting on and try to really put out a great product you know without uh pandering to the masses so much they just try to do what they they feel is right and put together the best possible event and percussions from that if you like miniature war gaming you get great terrain uh, engaging missions cool event great Price support uh the heresy community does a lot of charity work and things like that so it's um for me the biggest thing i value is the community and the people i get to hang out with because it uh it's definitely a very unique subset and um i think that's a good thing i think you really something about the amount of investment like personal not monetary investment but like your time your effort draws really great people to this hobby and uh it shows and it pays off and that's what keeps me around anyhow. Good good job, Scott. <laughs> very, very well said, Scott. Absolutely. Um I guess the second part of the question is uh what are some of the bullshit rumors you hear? And we actually have a list of bullshit rumors. Uh the first one is, is it's too expensive compared to forty K. Um just I guess I'll I'll tackle this one first. Just out the gate, guys. Uh, when you're looking at wargaming in general, um, you are. I mean, they don't call 40k re- like they don't they don't call it crack for nothing. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people out there call it resin crack or anything like that. They compare it to drugs. Uh, 40k and wargaming in general is going to be a it's not a cheap hobby. You know, there is going to be certain things out there that are kind of expensive. Uh, so, I mean, if you're just looking at getting into the game now, uh, there is going to be some initial investment that's going to be involved. Um, however, I think, I think one of the best ways to put it is the amount of time that you get back from this hobby is, is over and above the, I mean, the, the ROI of, of, uh, of this hobby is insane. When you start looking at how much hobby time that you put into a model, 
uh, how much game time you put into a model. I mean, you're looking at you take that investment and, you know, certain models can take, you you know, four or five hours to get painted and stuff like that. Then you're getting, you know, each game generally lasts you two hours. I mean, once you start breaking everything out and you start realizing that, uh, yeah, I could do this or I could be, you know, drinking, slamming beers at a a bar or something like that. I mean, there's there's just so much return on investment uh, inside the models themselves. I mean. Uh, it's just, there's, there's, I mean, relatively speaking, this war game and just this hobby in general, uh, is gonna, it's absolutely going to, to fold back your money on you a lot quick, very quickly. Uh, if you're concerned, like, man, dude, like I really don't want to spend, uh, 50 bucks on a box of just general dudes. Well, I mean, when you start breaking things down on what $50 could do for you and what, what you could expect that to return back as far as like how much hobby time that you're going to put into that, how much actual investment is going into to you sitting down and having something to do is let's say 10 guys, you know, that's something that that's less than, I mean, if you have 10 guys, you're putting five out, $5 into or five hours at each of those guys. I mean, that's like a dollar an hour of investment you've put into hobby time. It's just, it's, it all comes back. But that's right? if you choose to do it. That's a personal choice thing. Now, most people who play Heresy do choose to do that, and that's what makes it different from other game systems that I've seen. Yeah. So you you basically you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yep. One hundred percent. I mean, and that's uh, um, and that's just that's just war general wargaming in, in general. I mean, when you start yeah. comparing, you know. 40k to heresy you know if you're a 40k player coming over to heresy right now and you're thinking man heresy is much more expensive than than 40k ryan you want to take that one i mean there's yeah i I just don't think that that's true that's all depends on list builds and and i mean that from both games i mean there are model kits that are plastic model kits that games workshop puts out that uh for u.s pricing you get like three you know medium-sized models on 60 millimeter bases that may be, you know, a 200 to 300 point unit in the game that costs you $110 for three guys. Um, so it, it's, it's really not, it really just depends on the list you build. So for example, for heresy, um, you can go get a calf box, which comes with 30 power armored guys, five terminators, a dreadnought and two characters. And that box set alone puts you over a thousand points. So when you figure that, the average heresy game that I've played is about 2,500, but people, everybody's going to be more than willing to, you know, play you at a, you know, 2000 points, 2000 points is kind of like, in my opinion, kind of the starter level for a real heresy game. Cause that's when you can start, you know, including a Lord of war or whatever. And most people, if they want like a, a standard heresy game, most people don't want to play, uh, below that points mark in, in my experience. There are subsets of the game, which we'll get into when we talk about game modes, that you play lower points. But in a, in a standard, open battlefield, you know, normal game, 2,000 points pretty much going to be the minimum. Um, so in 40K, you know, the, that's that's pretty high points for 40K. Most 40K games are going to be, that's going to be the high end. So, but when you're looking at apples to apples, 2,000 points, you get that calf box. Um, you can still use the, the same plastic... Uh, drop pod kit, the same plastic rhino kit, the same plastic land raider kit, the same plastic box kit, the same plastic land speeder kit. Um, 
with you'll want to swap some torsos and stuff around, but those are easy to get bits um, on the the land speeder crew. The same thing with the attack bike, the plastic attack bike. All those kits are they work for both games. And what I'm getting at is I can take those kits plus a calf box and easily build a 2,000 to 2,500 point army. So for somebody to sit here and say 40k is cheaper, it's just false because I don't know of a Space Marine box set for 40k that's as cost efficient as calf is. Yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure sh- I'm pretty sure calf is the new- most is the most uh, like efficient real life money wise box that games workshops ever put out if you're just wanting space marines yep and if you're a new player and you go to games workshops website that's betrayal at calf the box of it said and that's calf spelled c-a-l-t-h and uh burning of prospero is another one so you can look there are two box sets that were made to standalone games but the miniatures inside of them transfer perfectly to be used in 28 mil scale 28 you know millimeter scale heresies yeah, and I can't speak for the Prospero game because I've played it, but the Calf game itself, like the actual game, is actually pretty fun because it, it plays as a board game. Um, I've played through all the missions in it, and I actually enjoy uh, the board game itself. So if you're just getting in and you you want to try to get into Heresy, uh, I mean, my first recommendations of buying stuff is going to be the, the new rule book that just came out and... Uh, the Space Marine Army List book and Betrayal Calf. Like that's pretty much what I'm going to tell. Like that's where you need to start. Which we'll get into that, you know, a little later. But um, it, it, I just, I, I just don't buy into the. It's more expensive than 40k. I mean, it can be. Like if you if you run the Jet Bike Ride or the Sky Hunter Phalanx and you go out and buy, you know, where the the resin jet bikes are like 120 dollars for three or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. But, I mean, the same thing is true of 40K. There are these highly specialized armies you can build for 40K where, you know, three models are that much money. Um, And some direct comparison stuff, the 40K Primarchs are more money than the 30K Primarchs. Just straight up. So, it, it just really all depends on the army list that you're trying to build more than it's just generally more expensive. Um the red books that you need that are all the rule resources are $50. They're bigger, they're nicer, they're hardback, they're on fancier paper, and there's more gaming resource in them than any codex that 40K has ever had. And the 40K codexes cost the same amount of money. So, I mean, almost in everything you can make a direct comparison to, like a true direct comparison, like Primarchs, uh, Starter Boxes, and books, 30K is cheaper. I mean, it, it, it's not even a debate. Like, I can just show you the numbers. It's it's cheaper. And then it's going on from that when you get more specialized into it. it like I said, it, it really depends on the list you build or, or building towards more than it's just generally more expensive or whatever. That's just, a, you'll see a lot of people say that, oh, it's so expensive, I can't play. Those people have literally done zero to you know almost no research and and hasn't obviously hasn't tried to ask someone and and another good thing is all these publications that they put their rules forth in those black books and the red books those are going to hold their value a very long time because they do not update at the same rate that other games workshop game systems do so 
that content in those books is going to maintain its relevance over a longer period of time. Well, and they're just nicer books. Yeah, yeah. Besides, besides that, yeah, obviously, much nicer. So yeah, easy enough. Uh, the next rumor that we wanted to dispel, especially, I mean, a lot of these rumors that we're talking about are going to be rumors that you're going to hear from uh, if you're coming from a 40k side of things. Uh, so if you if you if this is a rumor you haven't heard, just kind of ignore it. You know, and then whenever it does come up, well, which eventually it will, uh, <laughs> just you know. I've just seen people post on Facebook, "Hey, I'm considering you know getting back into Games Workshop games. Should I play 30k or 40k? Or I'm looking at starting 30k. What are your recommendations?" And inevitably, you always get people that will post this, like, "Oh, it's too expensive. You can't play it. You should play this instead." And it's like. That's not true, man. It's literally just not true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Absolutely. Uh, the, the next rumor that that is usually brought up, and especially you know, like Ryan just said, in the case of somebody going, "Hey, I want to start 40k," or "I want to start Horus Heresy." Uh, nine times out of ten, the first thing you're going to see is, "Oh, well, bro, it's just Marines versus Marines." So, so just just for starters, guys, this is the civil war that amongst marines so i mean amongst primarchs so generally yes it's legions versus legions uh however you have to understand within that legions versus legions which is space marine versus space marine there's a lot of different uh militia armies which are you know actual your, your normal human auxiliary uh there's you know solar auxilla armies which is going to be more imperial army involved in that uh there's you know sisters of silence which are a you know anti psyker I mean just without it, I'm, I'm sure that as a brand new player a lot of this doesn't make sense to you especially if you don't know the book or anything like that I mean but there's tons of different different factions out there that are not just Marines on Marines and you see them all the time yes when you compare it to something like 40k 40k has a number of different alien races and things like that uh, but when you're looking at it at the 31st millennia a lot of those races hadn't been discovered yet or things like that you know a lot of the uh, the coming out hadn't happened there was so much focus on the civil war that was going on uh so i mean there is a lot of marines versus marines that is that is that is true but it is not just marines versus marines uh you want to back me up on this one um yeah i mean i'm just doing a quick count here we'll see if we get it right i believe there's nine if I'm counting right, um, there's Tau, Eldar, Dark Eldar, Chaos, Marines, Imperial Guard, Nids, Orcs, Necrons, Mechanicum. Uh, I know I'm missing something for 40k. I got 10. Right. I already said them. Yeah. Grey Knights, if you want to, I mean, yeah. Grey Knights and Custodes, because they just added Custodes, so 12. Yeah. Um, so heresy, you got marines, militia, demons. Well, we'll say loyalists and traitor marines because you got chaos marines. So loyalist marines, traitor marines, militia, solar Gila, sisters of silence, custodes, demons, mechanicum, knights. I guess knights are in 40k too, but I'm up to nine for heresy. So, like so you're, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's not really that much of a difference. And then when you factor in that the fact that 
the loyalist like there's 18 legions and they all play uh in a more distinct separate manner than the chapters uh do in 40k so like um for example i i come from a 40k background so like when you had like salamanders and ultramarines they were pretty super similar they had just a few rules that were different whereas in 30k uh, you have access to uh, far more special characters uh, for each legion, and you also have access to far more special rules that and special units that make that legion feel different from another legion. Um, and then also, you know, even though I just named Mechanicum and all this, which I know the kind of the same thing in 40k, they've split a lot of things in these little sub-factions or whatever, but like when I say Mechanicum, there's really three versions of Mechanicum. And when you factor in, there's three versions of the Mechanicum, and then there's also Loyalist and Traitor. You can almost say there's six. And then with the way Militia works, with the Providences, you can build you know, a ton of different combinations of Providences to make your Militia guys you know, play different uh, and things like that. So there's just as much variety in 30K or close to as much as there is in 40K. I mean, I, I've played both games. Um I played 40k from 1993 up until like whenever sixth edition, about halfway through sixth edition. So I don't know what was that like five years ago, six years ago, something like that. Um, so, so anyway, uh, yeah, there, it's it's very equivalent. There's a ton of factions for the game, and when you look at other miniatures games, um, th- there's a ton of factions in Heresy. There, there's there's a lot of variety, and, and they're unique they're, units and things like that as well. You know that I mean that you don't see that in a lot of historical games in general. I mean, absolutely unique units to them per per faction. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's once again, it's just not true. There's just as much variety. Yeah. Oh, I've, I even forgot. There's shattered legions and there's black shields. I forgot about those. I think a big thing is they don't they don't you're not pigeonholed for you're not pigeonholed to only playing things they produce as models. So they will write rules for things they don't necessarily produce as models, such as, you know, the warp cults militia lists that are in a uh, book five Tempest. Those are not there's no standard cookie cutter way those militia have to look. You can kind of let your imagination run with that and use third party bits and stuff to comp to, you know, convert up a force that represents exactly what you have in your mind's eye of what you want to play. And, uh, I think that's really cool too. And that, I think that, that, you know, will really appeal to the more, you know, seasoned war gamer who kind of wants to put their own personal touch with their own hobby skills on their force. Yep. And then also the people are like, well, I don't want to play any of these 18 legions. Well, for one, you can just play black shields, which is the faction that I forgot to mention, which are still Marines, but it's a way for you to play Marines and totally invent your own color scheme basically and write your own fluff. Um, they have a list of rot by wars that you can choose from, which is fairly extensive. Um, there's probably close to 10 when you factor in chimeras, three different ones. Uh, and using that and being able to make your own color scheme or whatever, you can really build a unique army, even though it's you're using the Space Marine army list for the most part. 
100%. So, once again, it's people who say that haven't done any research, probably hasn't played the game, or hasn't talked to anybody about it, and isn't willing to listen to what they have to say. They're just spouting some bullshit. <laughs> it's just popping off. So, uh, The next rumor we want to dispel is heresy players are elitist. Uh, well, th- this is uh, either true or untrue, depending on how you... Look at the word elitist. I'm not really. I guess I have a different definition. Like, I don't really think putting effort in and wanting other people to put effort in is elitist. Like, I don't look at it that way. Like, the thing about heresy is, um, the entire community kind of holds itself to a, a higher standard, and that doesn't mean we're not willing to let new people in or whatever. It's just that. Heresy, like Scott explained before, a lot of people put a lot of effort into their their stuff. Like, you're not going to go to a heresy event and see unpainted shit. And when you go to a heresy event, the terrain is... Every event I've ever went to is nice. It's nicer uh, than any, you know... When I went to 40K events in the past, every heresy event has surpassed any 40K event that I've ever went to, as far as terrain and whatever. Um, and it seems like people put more time and thought uh, when you go to an event into missions and things like that uh, than you see with a lot of other game systems. So it's not that we don't welcome new people or won't help new people. That's the furthest from the truth. This community is super helpful. If you post online, hey, I need this one bit, you're going to get a ton of responses. And most people are, you know, if you're like, oh, well, what do you want for it? They're usually just like, hey, nothing, man. You know, pay me postage, I'll mail it to you. I don't care. Um, I can't tell you how many times um, I've needed something and I've just posted, hey, I needed this, and people just mailed it to me, and vice versa. People will be like, hey, I'm shy, three combi flamers or whatever, and I'll be like, hey, man, I got a ton of them. Give me your address. You know, I'll send it to you. Uh, If you live out of the country, if you kick me some money for shipping, I'll still send them. If you live in the U.S., I can throw them in an envelope. It's a couple bucks. I'm not worried about it. Um, I, I just, I don't really... I think that they try to make heresy players out. They, it's The people who say that heresy players are elitist, in my opinion, and this is going to sound negative, but it is what it is, is how I think of them. A lot of those people are people that don't want to put the time in. They want to go buy some shit, throw it together in the most bullshit of ways where there's glue everywhere, not clean mold lines, whatever. Either not paint it or barely paint it or put no effort into painting it. Um, and just like build the most optimized net list and, you know, go to a tournament that you play the fucking super standardized mission and just roll dice and, you know, try to win the most games or whatever. Um, so because that won't fit and that bullshit doesn't fly in the heresy community, um, in order to, you know, not in order to justify it in their head <laughs> that what they're doing is the right way to do it. They have to say something bad about heresy players. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, just touching back on what Ryan said, as far as the community being willing to help you out, um, if you're brand new and looking into Heresy right now, uh, I would suggest going online and looking at, you know, Heresy 30K is is a good source as far as a a forum or anything like that. And just go, I mean, you can go through just the the general comments of, like, how, how people are supportive of each other, you know, for trying new lists, for trying new techniques, 
on their hobby. I mean, just, just everything far and above, you know, conversions, things like that. I mean, as far as elitist goes, like Orion said, we do hold ourselves to a mm-hmm. higher standard. And that's not something I, I guarantee you're never going to feel pressure from somebody that's trying to hold you to a higher standard. But being part of the community, because you are going to be amongst your peers who are holding themselves to a higher standard, uh, it will force you to evolve that way as well. Um, and that's really how it is. I mean, it's it, if you're looking from the outside in, if you're looking from a, a, a 40K perspective, if you're looking from, you know, uh, and that, that's really where a lot of that opinion does stem from when, when somebody does say, oh, well, those 30K players, they're elitist, that generally that opinion will come from 40K players uh, who who do not have the, the, the push or drive to have a fully painted army or to have a, you know, a fully, uh, a fully clean and assembled army, historically correct army, anything like that. It, it really is the wild, wild west as far as uh, getting anything like that accomplished it's not it's not a necessity it's not something it's not a part of the hobby so when when you start looking in you know it it really i mean with with every sport you find whenever or any 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 hobby you find if there is a a class of individuals within that hobby that that totally rel- focus on keeping their stuff clean and looking good you're always going to be told well those are the elitist and in reality, they they're not requiring you to do that. They're just you know, just what they prefer. They're holding themselves to a higher standard, and they're trying to push the community forward in as positive way as they can and set a good example. I don't think that that's elitist. That's just me personally. Maybe some people do. I mean, yeah. well, it it's like this. I mean, we we have traits in this community that set it apart and make it special. You know, if you're coming to this podcast and you and you uh. You know, you're, you're, you've been, you know, really inspired by, you know, the high quality models Forge World puts out or, or the books from Black Library or whatever. Maybe you've, you know, you've listened to other podcasts like us or seen stuff on Instagram. If those things inspire you and you're looking at these events and there's something you just really want to be a part of, you have to understand that there's a certain amount of community integrity we have to hold each other to, to maintain that environment. We allow that integrity, but to become compromised by backsliding on things like that, the community is going to stop being special. It's going to stop being a special place, and it's going to become like everything else. You know what we do well is miniature hobby. We paint well, put on great narrative events. All right, we're all pretty welcoming. We try to make our our events quality and a destination. If you backslide on those in light of a more utilitarian approach to just try to please every single person that walks through the door at least five percent instead of pleasing the right person 95 percent you know then then you lose the identity of this community altogether so it's i don't think this community is elitist at all but at the end of the day every society has rules that makes it function and you kind of have to cop to those in some way and if you can't do that, then it's not the place for you. But if you are willing to do it and approach it like you should anything as a critical thinker with an open mind, you know, I think you, you can find a lot of great things that a lot of very passionate people have to offer in this community. Exactly, dude. Very well said. There's nothing wrong, fellas. There's nothing wrong with Sandlot Baseball, okay? Everybody loves Sandlot Baseball. But every once in a while, you want to put some uniforms on and you want to go play on a nice 
clean field, okay? Go win some fucking big league chew, <laughs> put some fucking pine tar on that bat, and play like the big boys. That's what you wanted to do. Exactly. Are we going to stop you Sandlot fellas from coming over to the big league? Of course not. You're more than welcome. Just, you know, get your game on. Anyway. Well said. Well said. So the next rumor that uh, that we get a lot is seventh edition sucked and heresy is seventh. <laughs> oh my! Um, once again, okay. So if you if you really wanted to go through it rule by rule, heresy is far closer to sixth edition than it is seventh edition. It basically, it, and if you look at the two editions. 7th edition is basically just a fact version of 6th that they added in what I consider bullshit, which was detachments and formations, uh, making everything scoring, uh, shit like that. Basically, Heresy adopted the FAQ part of 7th to 6th, but then left out all the shit that 7th added in to 6th. So Heresy is, in my opinion, and I've played it since fucking second and played a lot of other games from a technical game writing standpoint, if I were to recreate it um, from from scratch, you would go more to the 6th edition book than you would to the 7th edition book. That's and then it. on top of that, on top of that, they've just released this week, or last week, or whenever the hell it was, over Christmas, um, a a brand new heresy rule book, the first edition heresy rule book. That's now it's completely own thing. Now, like I said, if you want to say which edition of 40 K is this most like it's most like sixth than any other edition. Um, people like to say it's seventh because it, the, the books made you use the seventh edition book, but heresy started with late fifth, early sixth edition. And that's when the game was designed for. And then because the two games were, tied together at that time when games workshop moved to seventh edition the forge world team didn't really want to go full seventh so they basically then included a section in the next black book to be released that kept all the shit from sixth that made heresy good and different from seventh and then kept going from there so it was kind of weird so you use the seventh edition book technically but then you had a heresy book that adapted it basically sent it back to sixth edition and now it has its own book. So when you hear that it's 7th edition shit, just ignore it. It's not. It used to kind of use half of the 7th edition rulebook. Only because the 6th edition rulebook wasn't still in print. Even I think even if you just take the core of that argument that this, this is a very complicated game. If you take any other miniature war game of this scale and the amount of actual physical models you're going to put on the table, they all have varying degrees of complexity. You know, you can, as long as you're looking at this like a critical thinker and, and like, well, this might, this particular rule set might be complicated by my perception, but somebody else might understand it better than me. You know, it's not necessarily always a fault with the rule set. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I don't think complicated is necessarily, necessarily terrible. I like being mentally challenged. Like when you're, when you're playing a game on a tabletop, you like to have, you know, 
something that requires an, a certain amount of like mental investment. So I don't think I don't think complexity of the rules are necessarily a drawback. I think they're a good thing. And uh, they're really not that complicated, in my opinion. I've just re I just sat and read the rule book word for word like three times in the past week, and it and it's really not that complicated. It's just not. Yeah, and, and on top of that, I mean, one of the rumors that you'll also see is that a uh, eighth is eighth edition, which is which the main forty k went to. Uh, the, the a lot of the the people out there will tell you that eighth edition is an easier game to get into. It's easier to understand. And that's really because they they watered down a lot of the rules that you see now and kind of watered down a lot of the things that make. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't. Let's just not go there. We don't need to talk about. We don't care. It, it moved on. Yeah. They have their game. We have ours. It's it's different. I'm not going to sit here and say it's better, it's worse, whatever. I have my opinion on that, but it is what it is. It's different. It, it is different. It is different. And and, the, and 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 people will say that it is easier to get into. I mean, that is one of the, the primary arguments that is brought up. I mean, it's, well, it's that's that's their opinion. I have my opinion yeah. on that. That's their opinion. They yeah. can have it. Yeah, but it, it's important to understand that that's not like an objective statement from anyone. That's like saying someone saying, "Well, I like this piece of art more than that piece of art." Like, it's just an object. It's not. It's not objective. You know, it's like that's just how they perceive it and understand it. All I'm saying is, I think it's important for any new player coming to any game system to sit down and see how they physically understand the rules by reading them, putting forth that good faith effort as opposed to taking someone else's word for it because if you do that your whole life you're going to miss out on a lot of great shit yeah don't sell yourself short you can you can figure it out yeah, don't let anyone don't let anyone tell you how smart you are. like figure it out for yourself I've, I've seen the people that are capable of playing seventh edition in general and i know that you're yeah, better it's than not that. <laughs> the bar is not high I mean, I'm fucking like I'm on a podcast for this. Fuck's sake! Do I sound intelligent? Oh, God, no, man. <laughs> so, uh, the next one is resin is hard to work with. It's just once again, it's just different to work with. I wouldn't say that it's harder. I mean, maybe it is a little, but I mean, it's not like it's drastically harder it's not like you're going from you know i don't know i'm trying to think it's it's not what's a good comparison i mean really i guess if if you're coming from any other hobby i mean it's hard it's hard it's it's hard to say like you know because if you were looking at horace heresy just as like a, a just a straight game you'd probably look at like 60% of your models that you'll be dealing with are going to be resin and not plastic. Uh, I mean, your, your core mainline troops. Yeah, but a lot of other games, like I played Dark Age, which is another miniature game, and every fucking miniature is resin or metal. Um, if you play Battletech, it's all metal. If you play War Machine, it's resin or metal or a resin plastic mixture. Um, so, I mean, it's like... The fucking combination of resin and metal combined, Christ kill myself trying to do that <laughs> but but anyway it's just it's just a different material to work with people are always really intimidated by it and i don't really understand it like they're like oh well, this is warped it's like well you just shoot it with a hairdryer and bend it back straight or put it in the microwave in 10 second increments until it gets hot and bend it back straight it's not 
It's not fucking rocket surgery. It's pretty easy. Just, you know, don't, don't be super intimidated by it. And if you're having problems with the kid or whatever, um, if, you know, as long as you're not like the, the lone warrior, the, the guy that like lives in a town where you're the only dude and you got to drive two hours for a game, you know, and even if you're that guy, you can probably get somebody to help you over Skype. But I know like, our game club, because we have a, a decent amount of people around that play or whether they play this game or not, you know, like I said, if I only played dark age, I still work with resin. So if I had, you know, a, a friend that came over with a heresy model, I would still know how to work with resin. I mean, if you're wanting to play any miniature war game, you're pretty much going to have to know how to do that. And then even if you're coming from 40 K where the vast majority of the models are plastic, you still have fine cast. And a lot of 40k armies are still using Forge World models, so you're still, you know, if you're buying Forge World models, you're still going to use resin. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with resin. Um, as far as, you know, does is resin hard to work with? Absolutely not. I mean, just just dispel that rumor immediately. It's not difficult to work with. You know, there's thousands of people that work with resin, and thousands and thousands of game systems that use resin. This is not something that they're going to come into and and just be the first person. There's so much different literature there's so many different youtube videos out there on how to manipulate resin how to work with resin there is certain things you have to know you know you do have to wash the resin to get some of the the release agent off of it uh models do get bent that you have to warm up and all that but i mean that's just all part of the hobby i mean it's it's absolutely nothing that you should i mean do not at like if if anybody out there feels that resin is stopping them from getting into this game let me know. Like I will absolutely talk you out of it. I will go one on one with you to get you to get you in and, and get you whatever you need on how to work with resin. It's no big deal at all. Yeah. It's an easy one. Uh the next one was I'm not capable of the horse heresy hobby standard. Um, once again, we we all have to start somewhere. Um, there's a section further down that we haven't got to yet about, you know, how to up your hobby standard. This kind of ties into that. So I'll just say, um, up until, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I started playing in 1993 and I wouldn't say my painting was anything special until I, because I didn't take any classes or anything like that. It was all self-taught until I kind of hit a critical mass where I started, talking to other people on how they did shit and you know learning kind of basically standing on someone else's shoulders to get a further view if that makes any sense um it basically allows you to cut in line and get better it, it, even if you have zero hobby skill if this is the very first war game you've ever started playing and you have nowhere no idea where to start there are so many resources that will put you years ahead of where i started um, I, I joke when I took that MKA class that, or or the CK Studios class, which are both airbrush classes. If if you want to learn to airbrush, you need to take an airbrush class. Like you will literally start two years. It, I basically wasted two years of my life trying to learn it on my own. <laughs> if I would have the first twenty minutes of their class put me further ahead than I had gotten on my own in two years. So that's kind of what I'm using as an example. It's. It's not hard. I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I mean, there, there's nothing special. I, I wasn't born with unique hobby talent or whatever. Uh, I can show you. My first miniatures were spray-painted red, and I took a Sharpie like this one and colored the knee pads and the trim around the side, 
and put Blood Angel decals on the fucking shoulder and painted the bases bright green. That's what they were. Goblin green, were. man. The, yep. the trot intruder. Yep, it was, it was bright red Rustoleum high gloss spray paint with a magic marker drawn on it with a bright green base. That was my first model. And then you can get on Facebook and look at my Praetor and Death Guard Marine and see where I'm at now. That's my latest stuff I've painted. So it it's really it's really not hard. And then also keep in mind that Death Guard Marine and Praetor Marine you can go look at. If you really want to get technical about it, that's only that's basically I learned to paint that way last November because it's a totally different painting style the way I painted before. So I almost none of my old skills, um, other than I guess like muscle control in your hand to use your paintbrush, transferred over uh, to that model. So it's almost like from November to now I've learned to paint at the level that you see those things on Facebook at. And I mean that's I mean pretty much the truth. Because I, I wasn't painting any models in that style before then. I'm using all new techniques and all new methods just because I took a class that, that taught me how to do that. And there we'll get into that section on how to like jumpstart that later on. But the, anybody's capable of doing it as long as you're willing to invest the time and effort and <clears throat> seek out help to, to get you on that road. Yeah, and I want to be... I wouldn't be intimidated and sell yourself short by looking at other people's stuff and being like, man, I can't do that. Or this is not achievable. Like, like you said, everybody has to start somewhere and you're only going to get there by learning from and seeing other people who are better than you. Like I would equate it to like boxing is my other hobby. So for me to get better at doing that, I have to spar with people who are better than me to beat the shit out of me because I'll learn from, them. you know, I'm learning how they operate at their level and that, you know, I in some way absorbed those intangibles. I think this hobby in a way is sort of similar to that. So you will get better by learning from people who are better than you at doing certain things. So coming in at a low point and not understanding how to do certain pain techniques, that's not a problem. Because luckily this community, if it if nothing else, is very good at communication. And, you know, people will be able to get you to the right place and the right resources get you where you want to be all you have to do is have the motivation to pursue those things well and it's it's funny too you'll you'll look at other people's stuff and see a technique they're using like a like weathering like i was so scared of weathering i went and took that mka class and it's actually it's like super easy it's like duh like why wasn't i doing this before like i literally learned to do this in an afternoon and i sat and fretted over it and didn't try it or try to learn it for two years because i was so intimidated with how it looked when you really look at how easy the process is to do it, it's almost like a magic trick. It looks impossible, but it's honestly actually pretty easy once you know how to do it. Yep. Yeah, guys. And, and if you've been ever considering getting into the hobby, into the hobby before now, there a lot of this like rumor as far as like, oh man, well those are hard to paint like that and stuff like that. And you know, th that's that's a hard way to paint and, and different things. Like this is like the hobby renaissance, like within the past like two years, uh, with with just the information, uh, you know, with with technology getting the way it is, where you have uh, live streamers, you have people who are who are willing to uh, stream their painting and stuff like that over YouTube and Twitch, or uh, stream it over a Google Hangout personally with you. I mean, there's a number of painters out there who are sharing their knowledge onto the internet and sharing how to to get in there, and a lot of these things will jumpstart you 
and get a lot of that knowledge out there. It's not going to be as informative as a class unless you get, unless you get some one-on-one training with, you know, somebody like Little Legend Studios like Miles or, you know, in, or, or David Sampson over at Black Label Painting who will actually have one-on-ones with you and run you through classes with them. Uh, but, I mean, just, you know, YouTube and, and a lot of the different techniques, they're out there now. And you're going to be getting a higher quality than, than when I started the hobby. It was, you know, I'm waiting for the latest White Dwarf and then I'm looking at you know these these different books that are telling me different uh, techniques and they're not giving me the full breakdown of all the the items that they're using and stuff like that and so it was always kind of like an unattainable standard because i needed all this specialist shit to try and get stuff done whereas now you've got you know amazon youtube and just the helpfulness of the community on your side and it's just it's like it's such a great time to get into the hobby i mean i would say these past you know two or three years I have hands down seen the best painters that I have ever seen and and some of the best painted models that I've ever seen just at normal hobby events. Just at, you know, some of the best painted models I've ever seen just at normal events that you go to. It's wild. It's it's a good time to be in the game. And these are just normal dudes like you. Yep. Or girls or gals. Or gals. Or gals like you. Barnary folks, animal people. Whatever, man. Whatever you're into. Take different strokes for different folks. That's what I say. Yep. So you're 100% capable, guys. Uh, next thing is... The next rumor is Heresy is dying. <laughs> <laughs> this is one that just popped up recently that's actually pretty fucking funny because it... I think it came out like a couple days after the rulebook launch and the the rulebook the brand new heresy rulebook which is the first time heresy has had its standalone rulebook they sneak launched it on christmas with like no fanfare they literally just put it on the website without like really like advertising it the week before or whatever and the amount of traffic that their server received was so great that it crashed the server and it sold out and they had to immediately send the book back to printing So if that gives you any indication on how many books sold, I mean, just hands down. I mean, that's that's how many people were rushing to get to it. Um, there's oh, good. Oh, I was gonna say also, you know, people will tell you that when Eighth Edition, you know, forty k came out, it killed a lot of the heresy. And a lot of people left and all that. I mean, I can we can only speak to like what we've seen. Um, our Facebook page at the time had, I think, 2,000 likes, and I think now it has almost 5,000, so it's more than doubled. Um, I have Horace uh, Facebook page. This is another big Facebook page has grown. Uh, our patron is more than doubled uh, for our amount of uh, patron subscribers, and we literally get emails in every week um, at, at the same rate or a higher rate of, hey, I'm new to heresy, hey, I'm starting heresy, whatever. Um, several different heresy pages have done polls. Michael's done several polls asking people, you know, did you leave? Have you started all that? Every single one of them is pointed to it's still growing. Um, all of the events that are events that have happened once and then rehappen. So like if, uh, if, if it's not just a brand new event, if it's like the Michigan GT, we had it one year and then the next year you had it, those have all grown. Um, every single one of them that I, I've personally been to. I know Nova got bigger this year. Depticon got bigger this year. Michigan GT got bigger. Um, all of my event, local events got bigger. 
So people who say that it's dying, maybe it dried up in their local community, whatever, I don't know. But overall, worldwide, that is, I just, there's no evidence that points to that at all. Yeah, no, I mean, just, uh, it, it, I think the, the day that they are comparing it to when they say that they think it died is kind of when they did the 8th edition swap. And so we compared that and we ran the polls on, we ran to the polls on that. And we've actually gotten about three times as many players that started since that happened than that have actually left the game. And so, I mean, really, we're not seeing that. I mean, definitely, it's, it, it, it the activity now, I mean, and, and it's just, it may, there may have been a time of a little bit of stagnant just because we were kind of in this waiting period between the rules and getting a new set of rules because we knew new rules were on the way. And so a lot of people, you know, were, were kind of holding out as far as creating their armies and stuff like that. But, I mean, just hands down, now that the rule set is out, it's 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 there's so much activity going on. It's crazy. It's hey, been a crazy bottom line. Oh, sorry. Bottom line, if someone... if. If this is something you as a listener come to us and you're interested in this community and this is something you want to do, don't take anyone else's word for it on whether this is worth your time or not. Because this is an incredibly niche hobby at the surface level of just or gaming in general. And then you take it down five layers to where you get to us and it's even more niche. So it's going to be very regionally dependent on how live your community is or not. I have to drive about two hours to meet with my game club. Right? I don't mind that because I enjoy it because it's worth my time. And I would only know that if I hadn't tuned out everybody else and figured it out on my own objectively whether this was a worthwhile investment or not. And I think anyone else should do the same thing. Don't let any talking heads on the internet convince you of something they, are, uh, they equate to already know or whatever. Figure it out on your own. Be an objective thinker. And, you know, if it's something you want to do, don't let someone else talk you out of it because you don't know where their, you know, agenda is, where their agenda lies. Well, and the other thing, Scott, you know, you started driving up here because, you know, you participate in our game club up here. But since then, and since 8th edition has dropped, you've started your own little community in Kentucky. and, And all of that has happened since 8th edition. Yeah, we're oddly enough, and that is a insane coincidence. But I, I didn't have any heresy players in Kentucky that I knew. Maybe Jack and Duncan in Lexington, and that's yep. an hour and a half away from me. And now I have, I know for personally, very, very good friends of mine, six or seven, that have hovering around the lowest anyone has in any single army is about three thousand points. And that's in six months, you know. Yep. So there, there's got to be something to that. I don't know. Not a fucking doctor, but it's got to be something to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, just uh, not that there aren't events in my area that I could go to because, I mean, we've got a pretty sweet set of guys just in my local area immediately to me. Uh, we have awesome dudes only a couple hours away from me. I mean, I'm, sur- I'm pretty much surrounded by people who play right now, but, I mean, I'm willing to drive six hours to an event like i mean i did that yesterday that like in the hair i mean the community in dallas is so booming right now it's ridiculous there's so many people that went to that event and that were just local but i mean like that's how much fun you know it is i I saw your picture the entire the room i don't know how big the room is because it's hard to judge by the picture but it was full every table was full yeah 
a lot of fucking bearded rednecks in there. Oh yeah, Texas baby, North Texas. Texas. <laughs> That's how we do. Yeah, I mean every event that's held. I mean either you know locally or you know I mean you 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 look at these massive events that sell out. You look at these smaller events, they sell out. I mean people get waitlisted all the time. I mean <laughs> there's no way the Heresy's dead. I mean I cannot think of a time where I've ever said, "Hey man, I want a pickup game," and nobody's responded and be like, yeah, "I'll play you." I mean I can't. I in it just doesn't happen. I mean I've Ryan, have you well, ever thought of an also Nah, if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy too. If you're in your own little local game club and all you guys want to be Debbie Downers and go, oh, it's dead, blah blah blah, and I'm not going to play it anymore because whatever. Well, yeah, you just killed it because you've killed it. You just actively killed it. If you didn't, if you chose not to do that, it wouldn't be dead. Like it, it's just it's weird. And I think a lot of communities, you had what I would call dabblers, like people that played mainly 40k that dabbled a little bit in heresy and then got more and more into heresy as seventh edition 40 K became suckier and suckier. And then when eighth came out, they basically went back to their primary hobby that they wanted to play more than 30 K. Anyway, they just were, you know, on borrowed time and that's fine. You know, that's whatever. But I mean, people who like me or Scott or whatever that were like, nah, I don't really enjoy this anymore. I'm going to focus primarily on heresy. I don't know of any of those people that went away. No, not at all. So, it's it's just a, it just depends. And like I said, it's nothing wrong. Those people that you know, in you know, went back to eighth or think eighth's better and want to go play it, you know, more power to them. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't like we saw some mass exodus that I can tell. Yeah, don't just don't believe the hype. Figure it out for yourself. Like base yep. it off real evidence. You know. <laughs> And and by doing that, a great a great way to do that is get the fuck off the computer and go to your local game store and I meet actual real humans, dude. <laughs> then you can make friends with and start a community with. That's hey, that's a crucial part that's, of. That's later on in the show. Yeah, <laughs> we, we do have we do have more of that. Okay, that's it for rumors, guys. I mean, just if if you're not convinced now, there's not going to be really any other way to convince you if, if you're listening to those rumors. I mean. Think for yourself on this one, guys. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously somebody directed you to us. I mean, just go back to any of our episodes. You'll listen to just the community that we we get as far as, you know, people reaching out to us, not only for list help and things like that, but also, you know, a lot of the stories that get shared on this podcast, a lot of the, the voicemails that we get, I mean, you'll just be able to gauge the type of people that, that we deal with. And, you know, they're all there to have fun. They're all there to tell good stories. They're as far from elitist as you can imagine, and I mean, we just have a good time. I mean, you can look at listen to any po- any of our podcasts. I mean, you can listen to uh, any any. I mean, any of the podcasts that we mention on the show or any you know uh, anything like that. I mean, these are some of the best dudes that you can you can think out there. I mean, it's just it's such a good time to be in the heresy. But anyway, uh, the next thing that was going to get covered was uh, what resources do you need to get started into the heresy so in my opinion if you want to get started we kind of went over this i think that you'll want the rule book you have to have the rule book the new rule book it's it's i don't know what it is in other countries it's it's roughly 50 uh u.s dollars um 
like I said, for the quality of book and size of book compared to other war games, because I play several other war games, um, it's probably the thickest, biggest, highest print quality book at that price that um, I've ever gotten out of a war game um, for 50 bucks. It's it's pretty damn, you know, competitively priced compared to other games as far as the rule book. Um, the, the other thing you'll need is whatever army you choose to play, which we can go over the factions a little bit. You're basically going to, before you go out and just buy like all the red books or whatever, you'll probably want to get online, look at models, talk to people, um, all that, and get a rough idea of the army you want to play. And then once you get that down, you'll need one of four of these red books, which are also roughly 50. They're a little cheaper than the rule book. I think they're four pounds cheaper, which is like six bucks. They're like four, three or $44 American. I don't, like I said, other countries I can't speak to. Um, but um, like, if you want Mechanicum, you just need that. You'll need to the rule book and the Mechanicum book. That's it. Uh, if you want to play Militia, Solar Exilla, or Knights, uh, all you'll need is the rulebook and the, uh, I forget what that's called. I, I know the front of it. It's called like the... The Dogmata? The mechan- the... Nope, not the Mechanicum book. The one with Militia and Solar Ox and oh, all Crusade that. Crusade Imperial Alice. Uh, the... There you go. Yeah, yep. Crusade Imperial Alice book. Um, if you want to play Marines, because Marines are so extensive and there's so many legions, because you got to think like you're getting essentially 18 army lists in one book, it's actually two books. You'll need the Age of Darkness uh, Crusade Army list book, which is the general Space Marine Legions. It's kind of the core book. Um, and then you'll need the Space Marine uh, Age of Darkness Legions book. That said, you can just play generic Marines. You don't have to play... Uh, Legion special rules. There's actually rules for that in the rule book. So if you don't know exactly what Legion you want to play yet and you want to get a few games under your belt before you decide, you really only need the rule book and the Crusade Army list book to start out with because that's pretty much how the game originally began back when the, before all the Legions came out. So um, basically you're just going to have to buy the rule book and then your Army list book. And then you're going to need to start grabbing models. And, I, you know, that just depends on what, you know, army you're wanting to play. Um, which we'll get into the most economical choice is going to be Marines, and you're going to want to start. I don't know of any person in their right mind, unless you're wanting to play a super exotic right of war right out of the gate, you, you should basically run out and buy a Kalth box right off the bat. Like, that should be your first purchase for models if you're playing Marines. Yeah, absolutely. I would say resources wise, you know, Calf Box is a good way to start. Of course, the books. Uh, arm yourself with as much background and fluff as you can. I mean, if you're looking at uh, just just listening to any of the historical, uh, actual you know horse heresy novels or anything like that. Uh, as far as like resources to start, start looking into uh, different YouTube channels. There's a number of YouTube channels out there already that will explain your faction to you, will give you some lore on your faction, things like that. Uh, there's a number of Facebook groups out there. So, like, let's say you wanted to play any any army out there that's offered in 30K, there has been a Facebook group dedicated to that army. So you're looking at, you know, Blood Angels 30K group. There, It's out there. There's people that, you know, will go in there. You can ask questions to anybody. They're not going to give you any guff or anything like that. I mean, those are just resources that you just... Be aware of, you know, they're, they're out there. As far as like yeah. 
what you're going to be investing the rule books in, of course, you know, models. Yeah, you're basically going to going to be looking at roughly it, it, U.S. money, roughly a hundred dollars to get your army list book in the rule book, and then go from there. Absolutely. So basically, the same the same amount of investment it's going to take with any other system, you know. Yeah, for the most the part, same or less, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as, you know, to get started, you're going to be looking at the, the rule books, you're looking at the models, and there are going to be some basic hobby supplies that you, that you, that you are going to have to require, that, that you're going to have to acquire. Um, you know, obviously, this is a model game. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of, of models you have to put in. You have to have some, have, have to have some knowledge of putting together models. Therefore, you're going to need uh, a way to glue these models together. So super glue, you're going to need some super glue. Uh, you're going to need some hobby supplies, such as you know maybe an exacto knife, some clippers, things like that, to kind of kind of get those models off off the sprue. It's not necessary; it'll make your life a lot easier, though. Trust me. Um, yeah, you're going to need basically clippers, hobby knife, glue, um, a file, mm, some type yep. of file to sand things. Very happy. I mean, and a cutting board. I mean, that's you got a really... hair dryer. You got a fucking power drill that you would use to hang pictures. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's it. I mean, guys, I mean, it, you can start off for under you know twenty bucks as far as like your hobby supplies goes. It's not going to be something that's going to break the bank. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of the stuff's not necessary. I mean, if you were in a bind, if you just had like a pocket knife, you could do a lot of the stuff that you you need to get done with the models. But it will help you out in the long run. Um, yeah. Another thing to talk and about. All- Okay. And also, a lot of time when you get in, you're going to have friends. It's going to be very rare that you just come across on your own and just jump in on your own um, without any knowledge of you know modeling or miniature wargaming. I mean, it's possible, but it's unlikely. Most of the time, you're going to get into it with a friend or find a group of guys that already do it. And a lot of those guys, you can borrow their you know, use, use them as a, as a crutch to get you going. Like they'll be able to hook you up with some hobby stuff. Like this this is the glue I use. Here's an extra tube of it. I had, um, here's my books. If you want to borrow them to figure out what army you want to play, um, things like that. So it's, it's fairly easy to get started. You don't need a, a terrible amount of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess should, we should bring up paints. I mean, paints are going to be a big one on that one. Uh, that's all subjective. I mean, obviously, Games Workshop makes their own paints. Vallejo makes paint. There's so many paint companies out there. Um, I fucking hate paint pots, personally. I fucking hate them. So if you put your paint in a pot, lose my number. I don't want your shit. Uh, I like dropper bottles, so I pretty much you know, will only buy paint company paint that's in dropper bottles like Vallejo, Scale 75, something like that. If I absolutely have to have a color that's only available in a pot, I'll usually buy an empty dropper bottle and just transfer it. But that's just like a personal thing. So it's really, that's all just subjective on what you need. And then, man, that's, you could do a fucking two hour podcast on just paint. So, um, and don't think yeah. that you have to go out and buy all, you know, the fancy like chipping fluids or even the, you know, the most top of the line paint. Uh, I'm not sure if Ryan has forgotten his roots, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't. But Ryan, Ryan used to paint with those uh, those old Hobby Lobby bottles over there in the Walmart hey, Walmart bottles. Ryan still paints that. Sh- I got a whole rack of it. It's great. I use it all the time. <laughs> Ninety nine cent fucking folk art. Uh, those Death Guard models that are on Facebook. All the black on that is 
comes out of a tube that's about this tall, this fucking craft paint that was, I think, $1.99 for like a giant two liter size bottle of black paint. That's the black I use. It's just black paint. <laughs> ba ba boom. So, yeah, guys, if you're sitting there looking at that Citadel rack at the store going, my God, I need 18 different colors to make this one model look like it does in the Forge World book. Nah, not happening, guys. You know, there's a uh, there's cheaper methods out there to get paint onto a model. Uh, just don't use enamel paint. Stay away from enamel. If, if you're just getting in, just learn learn from learn from a start. Like, yeah, paint, paint with acrylic, water based acrylic paints. If just you, start if you, there. If you've done models before, you know you've done model cars and stuff like that. You know, and you've got that enamel, you know, testers lying around. Just go ahead and not not for this project, fellas. Just hear me out of that one. So, that's, I mean, that's good for starting out as far as what you need. Um, the next one is, what's good advice to get started? What are the pros and cons of starting certain factions? So, like, like I said, basically, so Marines and Militia, you can start fairly cheap because you can there's a lot of plastic out there um so that's the big pros and cons for those like marines are good because they're kind of like what the universe is centered around you can buy one kit and it'll work for you know any of the 18 legions plus tattered legions plus black shields so you're basically getting 20 factions out of one box whatever you buy and also they're the most prolific uh overall like marines as a whole is like almost everybody has at least a Marine army. So the, the bits are usually readily available. So if you lose a bolter or need an extra bolter or need a certain type of head or need a set of Mark three legs and you're in a hobby group or whatever, you're that's going to be far easier to find than some like weird fucking Mechanicum gun that you get one per pack of Myrmidons off the Forge World website. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it, like Ryan said, especially if you're getting started, uh, right, you know, Ryan said that you know a lot of people will have an, a Space Marine army. Uh, that's generally what people start out with when you're looking into it. They're they, as far as getting to learn their rules outright, because so many people play Marines and they play a Marine-based army. Learning the rules for your Marines works as like a double-edged. You know, it it goes both ways because not only are you learning your rules, you're also learning your opponent's rules. So it makes games quicker and easier for you to get in. Uh, so you can comparatively compare things like, okay, well, his, his my Marines do this, and his do the same thing. So I understand that portion of the game whenever it comes to you know shooting or close combat or things like that. Your very basic stuff. I mean, that yeah. being said, your different legions have different special, special rules, or whatever, rules, but your basic yeah. stats are going to be the same. Yeah. Just if you're if you're looking for advice on how you should get started, I mean, that is definitely the pros of getting getting in with a marine legion um as as far as you know as far as cons i really can't think of any cons to starting you know to starting a marine legion other than you know well i guess if you're one of those people that there are people who literally are like i don't like playing the thing that everybody else plays i want the most unique fucking thing yeah I mean that's gonna so be the only thing that, I can think of is is if somebody did if you're one of those people that doesn't want to have a overlapping army that somebody else has then then Marines would be a con for you. Uh, yeah. 
it, there is a, a higher learn like and truthfully I mean it, this is going to be solely my opinion I believe that uh, learning something like Imperial Militia or Mechanicum is more difficult than learning Marines because of all the special rules and there's a lot less people that can out off the top of their head spout out oh yeah that that does this or that does this they they have a steeper learning curve Absolutely. but i mean it's one of those things like if you really just love the mechanicum so like if you love mechanicum models the the, the downsides of them um to get started are many like michael said they ha they're going to have a fairly steep learning curve the models are pure resin and they're only from forge world so they are going to be more money um that being said, you can build a really low model count Mechanicum army because a lot of their stuff is expensive. So when you start factoring that in, it's not as expensive as it would first appear. Points-wise, um, not not actually you know monetarily yeah. expensive. Points-wise right. in the game. So, yeah. but as far as like you're you're going to be putting together fairly unique model kits that have you know a lot of the Mechanicum models have a shitload of fiddly bits. They're some of the harder models to build as a, overall. Um, Michael said like the. They have a little bit steeper learning curve on the rules. Uh, there's still quite a few Mechanicum players. I would say outside of Marines, this is an overall general whole faction. They're probably the second most played faction if you're lumping them into like Marines, Mechanicum, Militia, whatever. I'd say that they're probably second place as far as the number of people who do play them. Um, but, but, I mean, you just got to know that, you know, going in, like what the, what the drawbacks and, and pros would be. Um, I think the pros for Mechanicum is they have a very unique model line, like compared to other game systems, like their models are very cool and unique. Um, they're very visually rewarding on the, the tabletop. And once you learn to play a Mechanicum army, they're a very powerful faction if you're into that. So just a, a real quick summary. We got pros for Marines is you're going to have a bits availability. You're going to have model availability. You're going to have, uh, it's 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 a lower learning curve. Mechanicum pros. You're gonna have it's also the cheapest learning. starting point with the calf box. Yeah, cheapest Let's starting be honest. point. It's the cheapest way. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at Mechanicum army, some of the pros are the very unique models, uh, low model count. Uh, so there's going to be a lot less, you know, monetary investment as far as as that goes. I mean, it's still going to be a little bit steep, but uh, yeah. And. Not a lot of players play it, so if you're wanting that unique army, then that is something to look at. Uh, cons are a little bit steeper learning curve. Um, it is a higher hobby standard you should expect you know, from from uh, from dealing with those models just because of the the type of bits they are and things like that. Um, what else? Let's. I think so you got militia. The cool thing about militia is there's no models for militia. Like. They're like the models for militia or whatever fucking models you want to use. Yeah. So if you're really into like building your own stuff or using something else, like you can literally, you know, there are tons of companies out there that just make generic sci-fi tanks. Generic. So if you can find human. something that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if if you could go to Victor like go to Victoria Miniatures for an example, they have a lot like, you know, product line upon product line of basic humans with different uniforms and guns and loadouts or whatever all that stuff will work for militia you can make it work and then games workshop themselves they sell all the plastic cadians and the uh tempesta scions i think you can still order some of the classic kits like valhallans and shit like that you can maybe find old collections on 
uh, eBay. If you have an Imperial Guard army for 40k, almost all you know all your basic infantry, almost all that will you know move directly over. Um, the Krieg line from Forge World uh, will move almost all that moves directly over. Um, it's it, it's a really cool army. Um, it's one of those because you could play like a lot of levies, which are literally two points a guy, and you can run three hundred of them. You know, if you try to buy 300 individual models of anything, that's going to be expensive. Um, on the flip side of that, you could get you some plastic Ogrens and, you know, run the Ogren models and uh, build your own Gorgons out of, you know, something or whatever and have, you know, a fairly cheap army to start off with. And the militia army as a whole probably has the least amount of units in it. Like the unit selection, they, they don't have a ton of of different units to choose from. What gives them their uniqueness is their providence rule, which doesn't have anything to do with unit entries. So militia is another, it's a fairly easy army to learn how to play rules wise on your own. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. I mean, that is the pro on it. I, I think one of the bigger pros of militia itself, like Ryan had mentioned is there's so many different options for units that you can play. And I know right now you're probably looking at it like thinking like, Oh man, you know I want standard space marine like I want standard space human man like from you know what I imagine from uh, Storm. Uh, what's that movie called? The Troopers, uh, Star Trek Troopers. Troopers, and uh, it, yeah. it's like guys when you really sit down, you start looking at we you know of course we mentioned the books a while back. Going into that, you start looking at all the different types of military that are possible, and when you start thinking about this massive galaxy and all the different world subsets and all the different types of environments and things like that. They all have specialist uh, units and forces of just normal humans that fight in this. And you think of all the different possibilities that of armies that we just have on our own earth. Now, you know, equate that to now thousands and thousands of planets, possibly millions of planets that you can now take individual armies from i mean really anything you could imagine possible there's probably an army for that and as far as bits goes right now to make those armies as far as models goes to make that make that army it's probably possible to do what you want i mean you have you want bits casters out there cyber barbarians cyber barbarians it is you want goat men space goat men done fucking make some space men. Yeah, absolutely guys <laughs> i mean there's so many there's so many different uh and like although space marines are kind of the the standard the standard way to go uh as odd as that is there are probably 10 times as many bits casters and bits makers out there for standard 28 millimeter humans and so when you start looking at that i mean you've got companies like mad robot miniatures you have companies like victoria miniatures you have companies like uh uh, Spellcrow, I mean, all these different companies—they make their own unique 28 millimeter human army lines that you can go get, and you can create any type of militia, anything that you can imagine. If it's an old video game you like, like you know, you want a bunch of uh, Metal Gear Solid, you know, snakes running around, you can make that happen. I mean, that's just that's what it comes down to. It's 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 bonkers, man. I mean, it's anything yeah. you can imagine that can be militia. They're the, probably the most customizable army that's out there. Hands yep. Absolutely. Um, and the, the, and once again, it's the price of that army really just depends on what you want to use bits wise. You can it can be the most expensive army, 
or it could be one of the cheaper armies, depending on how you build your army list and how exotic you want to get on bits to build it. I challenge you. I challenge you to send me an army idea that you have, and I won't find you some fucking bat- bits for it. I challenge you. Michael at Warhammer30k.com. Shoot me that email. I challenge you. I will find you the bits to make whatever you want. The price might be a little crazy, but I'll find it for you. Don't worry about that. Um, so then the, the next army is kind of an odd one. It's Questorus Knights. So the advantage to Knights is it's far and away the lowest model count army I think you can build. Um, and you can build it all in plastic and all from Games Workshop. So... Once again, if like for people you know that equate price and 40k and 30k, like a knight army in 40k is going to be the same models at the same price as it is in in 30k um, until you get to the Forge World knights, which once again are going to be the same price. They're not the same price as the GW plastic ones, but they're the same price depending you know regardless of what game system you play them in. Um, the drawback to knights is the individual models are expensive, but once again, you're only going to need maybe five or six of them. Uh, so when you figure that in, there it's really no more expensive than most other armies to build. Uh, I'd say the drawback to it is it's going to always play kind of the same way. You're like your different knights. It's like this knight has this different gun. This knight has this different gun. But they they all have pretty much the same stats and because you only have five or six models a lot of them feel fairly samey same and a lot of the games that you play will feel samey same um and they also kind of have a stigma certain people don't like playing against it because you're playing an army of all super heavies and it's just like six powerful models it's what i consider more of a definitely a secondary army i would not personally i would not recommend this be like your first and only 30k army unless that you're moving unless you're moving over for 40k and it's the only army you have you know to get started and then i would just use it to get your foot in the door play until you get around to building you know a different uh force um they're definitely like a valid army they're they're cool i've seen a lot of neat looking knight armies i don't mind playing against them a lot of events will uh limit whether you can play them or not and then, like I said, a lot of players kind of get intimidated by them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the next faction would be Talons of the Emperor, which uh, it's both uh, Adeptus Custodes and uh, Sisters of Silence. It's kind of a weird one right now because Games Workshop is releasing all these plastic kits. So once again, uh, the majority of this army model line is just standard GW plastic kit. So once again, it throws the whole 40K cheaper under the bus because you're buying the exact same fucking models and just used them for the other game. So the price is the same. Um, They're a very elite army, so you don't need very many models. So they're relatively cheap to start. And they're also um, about a third of the army list or about a third of the army box that you get if you buy the Battle for Prospero box you get a full set of the basic custodies. I think you get six of them in there, right? Six custodies in the. I I'm not sure. Five or six. I, I want to say I want to say you get the you get the models to make like an HQ and stuff. Yeah, and then you also get some sisters of uh, silence in there. 
but then GW has just released the plastic jet bikes, and then Forge World makes their own resin jet bikes. But either would work. Um, then you know they they have a they have a pretty extensive model line now, and um, it's a fairly cheap army to build just because it's so low model count because it's uh, uh, pricey. I'd say the main drawback for this army, the rules only exist in book seven. So when we talked about buying those uh, red books that are like the cheaper books, you you can't buy one of those. That army list isn't in those books. You're going to have to jump right into a black book, which is like a $100 investment on its own. So you're going to end up with your rule book and then that. So your, your starting rules are going to be more. And also, I'd say this particular army has the worst reputation in the game as far as like, it's like the one outlier army that most people, I'd say 99.9% of the community agrees it's pretty goddamn overpowered and not ex- super enjoyable to play against. It's so if you're tough. coming from 40k, that's your 7th Ed Eldar right there. In a nutshell. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say about it that like that. I, I, I can't imagine it sticking around in the form that it is in now. Um, I can't imagine not seeing drastic changes... Uh, when it does get red booked eventually, um, I mean, I, the the vast, vast, vast majority of the community does not like the current state that this army list is in. Um, just the way it performs is it's pretty. Um, yeah, it's just it's extremely overpowered compared to all the other factions in the game. Which is saying something, though. I mean, when you when you factor in that you have an outlier that that's far that that is that far out, I mean, hands down, it shows and proves that like, how balanced the game is as a whole. So, I mean, it really is. Yeah, you know. this this problem didn't exist until Book Seven came out, and and this army hit, and there's a few other like Thousand Suns, but Thousand Suns, I'm not gonna get that specific on it, but th- those can easily be built where they just play like any other Space Marine Legion. Custodes you can't do that with. They're pretty much always going to be, regardless of what you take. They're pretty bananas. Um, that being said, the Sisters of Silence, which are still part of the uh, Talons of the Emperor army list, you can build an entire sister army with no Custodes in it if you want, or you can build an army that's a mix of Custodes and Sisters, or you can build an army that's all Custodes. It all falls underneath the same header. Nobody has any problems with Sisters of Silence. Um, that's what what Michael was talking about in the hobby prior section of what he plays, pretty much everybody agrees that they're fine. They fit right into the game. Uh, no problem. Nobody has any issues with them. So don't, what I said about uh, the army list being overpowered and people don't really like it. I, I was specifically talking about the custodes portion of the army, nothing to do with the sisters of silence. Absolutely. But don't let what I'm saying, like if you really love the models, if you just absolutely just, are totally in love with the models and the love of the fluff. I mean, don't listen to me. I mean, play them. I mean, and just tell people, look, this is why I played it, and um, or this is why I picked this army. And then you're just gonna have to be a really nice person <laughs> when you play. Take a uh, joke paint book really well. in your back pocket. Yeah, uh, paint, yeah, paint, paint those fuckers. And just yeah, paint it extremely well. That takes the sting off a lot of stuff. Like if you pay the hobby tax on it, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. Um, and just be thoughtful of your opponent when you build your army list. Once you start getting games under your belt and you realize that certain things do whatever, you know, if, if something is like a supremely optimum choice in a Custodes army, it means it's going to be like extreme ultra god tier compared to anything else in the game. You know, maybe limit yourself, you know, to 
one of that thing or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, once you start actually getting into the hobby a little bit more, there's a there's going to be real. You'll realize there's not much benefit from just shitting all over your opponent with your army. Like it's not. It's yeah. not going to pay off in the end. You know, it's not going to. You're yeah. not very, very rarely are you going to be awarded for like battle points or anything like that because that's not really the values our community, you know, puts the biggest price point on. It's more like sportsmanship, painting, things like that. So. Right. So then the, the very last like overall faction, I believe. Um, well, I guess there's demons. We can talk about them just a little bit, but then the, the like 30 K specific faction, uh, it would be Solar Exilla. Um, I don't, I think Solar Exilla is a very cool army, but I think this army has probably more drawbacks than any other army to start with for Heresy. Would you agree with that, Scott? When you consider price and uniqueness of models, very, very expensive. Yes, and it is very. The models for it are very specific. So a Solar Auxilia Laz Rifleman is a very specific looking model that is only available available through Forge World. And for instance, a group of twenty of those, which is a hundred points in the game, costs about a hundred US dollars yep. after shipping and everything. So it is very cost prohibitive if that's consideration. So yeah, it's 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 the most expensive army to start with out of the gate. Down. I mean um, I built several lists when I, when they first dropped the models and then just looked at it, and all of them came out to about a dollar, a U.S. dollar per point. Yep. <laughs> so, 2,500 points. Do the math, boys and girls. Yeah, it's it's an ex- Daddy's fucking refi hits at his house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's extremely cost prohibitive uh, to to play uh, SolarZilla. I don't know how else to put it. Um, now, if, if you're, you know, if you're financially well off, this is, you know, whatever you have expendable income and you don't mind spending it, you know, whatever, more power to you. I mean, it's a very, very, very cool looking army on the tabletop. Scott has a Solar Ox army. He gets compliments on it all the time. You don't see it around a lot, probably because it is so cost prohibitive. So it is uh, very unique and cool to see. And it's also a very, it's a very good army on the tabletop. It holds its own against uh, most other armies. Um, the only thing I would say, uh, the other drawback wise, it's the worst army uh, for assault. So in the yeah. assault phase, it's it's just the worst army. I don't know how else to put it. Um, it has little to no fucking anything uh, in the assault phase. So if if you're if it's basically a shooting army. So if you're not into like you know kind of forming a gun line, kind of trying to stay away from your opponent, and just trying to kill him in the shooting phase. It's not really for you. Or if you want an army that you can uh, buy models and kind of rearrange shit and make that army a shooting army and then keep the same stuff and rearrange it and make that army an assault army, Solar Ox really isn't for you. It's going to always basically be a shooting army. It's it's an it's an army for your, your standard customary treadhead. So someone who likes tanks, who likes... Man- you know, it, it is a more maneuverable army than you first realize because they're allowed to take heavy support choices and different slots and all that and those are they, they're allowed to take super heavies in different you know support slots so that's pretty cool those move really fast but uh you know you gotta inject logic into it okay so you're a basic human and you're a, you're a you're a badass basic human you're like a fucking 
Green Beret basic human in a fucking spacesuit with a spaceman gun. It didn't matter when you go up against a fucking eight foot tall steroid monster in a nuclear powered fucking suit. He's going to take your goddamn head off if you get into a this fight with that guy every time. I don't care who you are. That's yeah. just the way it is. So keep that thought in the back of your mind if you're like, I'm going to charge with these solar rocks. I mean, hey, man, I'm right there with you in spirit, but I'm going to be back here. <laughs> Let me know how it works out for you. I mean, your your most elite fucking unit, which is Ogren's, with your most elite fucking HQ, which is your Lord Marshal, is like, there. that would essentially be a mid-tier assault unit, yeah. in my opinion, in like a Marine <laughs> Army. Really fighting uphill. Let me tell you. <laughs> Don't fucking... Hey, man, life is cheap in the Imperium. Keep that in mind with Solar Ox, okay? You fucking got to use... Yeah, your your currency is the lives of those soldiers, and they should be spent protecting your tanks. Yeah. Um. So then the last faction, which is kind of a weird one right now. I if you wanted to play these guys, they're definitely they're they right now they they might actually be the easiest cheap army to start because all the rules for them are essentially in the core rulebook, just chaos demons. Um. And then I guess you would just use the old seventh edition book. It's kind of a weird wonky army. I wouldn't, I wouldn't start it Which you'd get right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the advantages to this, when they do get their rules will be almost, this is the one army that almost the entire model line is in plastic because they're all just plastic games workshop kits. So, uh, it's going to be, you know, no more expensive than the 40 K version of the army. Um, and you can get it all in plastic the models I build a lot of them. The models are pretty easy to build and fairly easy to paint because they're like, like a blood letter is basically a naked red dude with black horns, a black sword and a loincloth. It's pretty fucking easy to paint. Um, but they're not, they're not really due to get their army book with all their rules until, uh, late this year, 2018. So around it's sketch, which, you know, that could, the date could change. Um, but, I wouldn't start them right now just solely because of that. Once that book drops and they have their cool their core army list in that book, I mean they're going to be just as valid of an option of any other army and and actually have a lot of upside. Yeah, because right now there's no real way to play them, is there? I mean, you can't just hop in. Um, I mean, technically you could. No, nah, I mean, nah, let's just not say yes because of beginning players. I mean, if you're a veteran player and had a bunch of other armies. And you know whatever, and you want to do a demon army and get real specialized and use the old book, and you had an established game club. Yes, you could probably do that. But if somebody just new coming into the game, it's it's probably the least recommended option just because of where they're at right now with rules. Yeah, as a veteran player, I don't think I'd even know where to start without asking some people on how to how to just play yeah. demons. It, not so. not until they get their not until they get their book, which you know will happen relatively soon. Yeah. But when it does happen, that will be absolutely the cheapest way to get into it, hands down. Yeah, it'll it'll be a really cheap option. Um, I think that's it. Are there any other factions? I mean, I guess Titans are a faction, but not really. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, those are. I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it. I mean, pros and cons out there. I mean, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Besides, unless you want to touch on Black Shields, I mean... Nah, that's just another Marine faction. Okay. I mean, in order to play Black Shields, they have their own special 
uh, you're going to have to have the the uh, the core Space Marine list, which is the Age of Darkness Army list, and then you're also going to have to have Book Six, which has the spe- the Black Shield specific stuff in it. Um, so most everything is in the red books, which are cheaper, which are just the rules. Um, and we never did really explain that um, what the difference in the red and the black books are. Um, we can kind of talk about it, I guess, in this section since we're talking about factions. So the black books, so when things first come out, they come out in a black book, which is mainly story. It'll have a shitload of story and background and color plates and all that in it. And then that will have a section in the back with usually newer units that have come out. And then after a certain time period when enough of that stuff has come out, they feel like they can put it in a collection book, that stuff gets what's called red booked, is what veteran players are call it. And it's where they take just the rules part of the black books and cram it all together in a single red book and then sell that at a at a discounted price just to get the rules out there. Yeah, just to get the rules in the hands of the players who aren't so much interested in the story or anything like that. And well, it's, 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 easier, that. it's, just, it's easier to carry around as well. Yeah, you don't want to beat up your really nice black books and all that. So the, the armies that are black book exclusive right now are Black Shields, Shattered Legions, um, Space Wolves and Thousand Sons and Custodes or sorry Talons of the Emperor that's it that's the only five armies that you would have to have black books for everything else you can find in red books absolutely dude and great breakdown of all the different factions and books you need for them um, with that said man moving on to the next topic uh, why should you join Facebook groups and listen to podcasts and Discord and watch YouTube channels? Well, I guess for starters, guys, the Facebook groups. I can't stress how important the Facebook groups is. Even if you're one of those like social islands and you don't want anybody to know what you're doing or anything like that, definitely find you a Facebook group that's either in your area or is you know that pertains to your army of choice or anything like that. And you will get so much valuable information out of that, whether it's events that are being run, whether it's campaigns that are moving, uh, whether it's, you know, topic discussions for your army or anything like that. Facebook is a just wealth of knowledge and uh, trading secrets going on uh, amongst amongst individuals, man. It's it's when I say it's like a renaissance of Warhammer, it's really what I it's really Facebook is just leading it because I don't think that we would have met half the people or actually, I don't think we probably would have met you know five sixths the people that we know now had it not been for Facebook. I mean, is it really? It really does connect everybody. And there's so many groups out there now. Uh, lists have been made. I think if you go to the uh, North America Facebook group, I think powerful, powerful uh, Douglas has pulled together all the Facebook groups in America. And of course, there's you know UK Facebook groups, there's Australia Facebook groups, there's Canadian Facebook groups. Um, there's Swedish Facebook groups, and all of them have kind of like local states and provinces and stuff like that that'll actually, you know, pertain to your area for finding dudes who want to game and dudes who want to play. Um, anything? I mean, um, what do you? So, so Ben Ben Porter started one in the UK called the UK 30K Events Group or 30K UK Events Group. Um, so, if you're in the UK, you can check that one out. Um, then uh, I believe it was Andrew Legio and Andrew Hollis from Loaded Dice just started one 
that's like a 30k in Australia. I'll tell you what it is. I just uh, I think it's Australia 30k. Yeah, Australia 30k Heresy Community. Um, he just started that one up, so that's supposed to be all of Australia. And then obviously the Eye of Horus Facebook group. It's kind of a worldwide group, but obviously they're based out of Australia, and it's a super popular. Uh, 30k Facebook page super so. popular 30k Facebook page I mean I have Horus guys they have everything that you could imagine I mean they have events announcements on there uh, they have campaign talk on there they have work in progress pictures I mean it's just a good I mean if you if you need something to keep your you know your your hobby going or you need some sort of inspiration that's the I mean all those Facebook groups are the way to go hands down I mean, they're really an asset, guys. Don't overlook them. Don't overlook social media things like uh, Instagram. I mean, there's a ton of Instagrammers out there that have a number of beautifully painted armies and beautiful pictures that they post up of their work in progresses and different things. I mean, it's... I, I really... I, if you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you probably have a Facebook or some sort of social media platform. And if you haven't realized or haven't looked yet, I mean, there's a number of different groups... Like, I think that if you type your army name, 30K, at the end of it, there is a group dedicated to your army, guaranteed. I think I'm a member of all of them, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, the other important thing is if you don't have a local group, like if you're if you're new to the game, uh, um, you should have a local group or something close to it. Like whether, if you're in the U.S., it would be your state. If you're in Canada, I guess they have, what, Provi- they call them Providences. Yep. Uh, uh, then, you know, in the UK, they have their little areas like Wales, Scotland, uh, Britain, all that. Um, then Australia, they have their states. And then obviously uh, Sweden and all that, they have their countries. I'm sure they have, you know, subdivided somehow. Uh, forgive <laughs> my geography skills. I'm not I super no familiar idea. with all that. <laughs> but anyway, you, you, uh, you punch in your local area in 30k and you should be able to find, you know, a, a local group, like search for your immediate area and then search for what be the equivalent of like a state in the U S like a big regional area. If you can't find that, then just look for your country overall. Um, but if you don't have one, that's like a, a local, like within an hour of you or maybe a couple hours of you, uh, start one and try to get, you know, people to sign up or whatever. Um, to uh you know start a local group and then maybe start a little facebook chat and put everybody in it where you can coordinate games and everything like that that's what we've done for our local group we call our like right around the annapolis area circle city heresy and we have a facebook chat that goes all the time and all the local guys are in it and we have like a little email chain where we all communicate put games together say hey you know we're going to game preserve south on you know whatever night or we're going to meet at Ryan's house on this night or whatever where people can get games in. So that's super important. Yeah, guys, there's there's groups out there, guarantee it. I mean, especially if you're in the United States, I think the only places that there were kind of a, a I think there was openings for groups was all the northeastern states. Uh, but I mean, for the most part you're going to find a group that's within a couple hour drive of you. Um, and if you need help, I mean, 
don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, another another part of this question was why should you listen to podcasts and and discords and YouTube channels? I mean, guys, we're we're willing to help. Every there's not a single podcast out there that's not willing to help you find a local club or somebody at least that you can get to. Uh, it's all of I mean, every single podcast that, that I know of and we we pretty much talked to all of them. I think there's maybe one or two that we're not on a daily conversation with. Uh, but every single podcast is going to be willing to get you connected with other guys that want to play heresy. Uh, all these people out there that say, Oh, heresy's dead in my area. I can't find anybody to play. If you need help, man, just let us know. We'll be gladly help and find you somebody that is willing to play you in your area. If we got to start rebuilding the community in your area, we will. I mean, that's, that's just, that's just what it's going to take. Well, and that's, that's the thing. These people that say that, you have to go out and play. Like if nobody knows, if you're just sitting in your fucking basement or house or whatever alone, uh, saying on Facebook, I don't have anybody to play with, but you're not saying where you're at. You're not getting on groups and you're not going out to local stores and taking your army and getting games in where people see the game being played. It's not like people know to ring your doorbell and ask you to play a game. So, um, I can only, I mean, I built my 30 K community from scratch. I was the first one with models um everybody else played 40k so i originally just bought 30k models and then used them in 40k just because that's what i had to do but then i just kept telling people hey look at these cool models um we i can use these models in 30k you could still use them in 40k if you want um you should try it out i have extra stuff if you want to try it out you know get a game in whatever and then before long they all started playing 30k and then it was just like once two or three people started playing, then more people wanted to play, and then more people wanted to play, and it started getting more and more exposure. And I know this isn't 30K, but I did the exact same thing with Dark Age. So, I mean, it's not hard to build a community for a game. I mean, Dark Age is a much smaller game with way less exposure, and we bought it at Adepticon and brought it back, and it was me and one other guy, and we started paint. We painted our models real nice and started playing it, and people started seeing those nicely painted models on nice terrain, and they started asking about it, and the next thing you know, you get more people jumping in. So the key is to put yourself in a position where you, you're out there, like put yourself out there so other people know you're playing. Post, like Try to get your stuff painted as nice as you can and get it out there because that's a good representation of the, the hobby, and it gets other people pumped and wanting to get in on it as well. Absolutely, man. At least that's what I found. I thought, like honestly, I thought, like, okay, I'm in... You know, I'm in my part of Texas. I really follow all of the army posts that come in the South Texas uh, uh, 30K group. And then, you know, we, uh, powerful Lone Star Legion, host a gaming event in North Texas in Dallas. And I think, oh, I know all those guys up there. I'm going to go see them. And I just get sideswiped by all these people that I've never seen in my life. And I'm just like, how are there so many people that I don't know about? And I thought, like, I had a pretty good, like, idea of the people that are playing in my area and here's like you know six or seven new guys I've never met before, and it's just like wow, like it, they're out there. I mean, you're gonna get surprised about how many people are actually out there in your area, and he's got to look for him. He's got to find him. Yeah, I mean, and, and guys, right now, you know, we we talk about podcast discords and YouTube channels. I mean, for podcasts hands down listening to to podcasts you're going to hear events you're going to hear about different things going on uh you're going to hear about different experiences and different different murmurs in the community uh the talk around the traps is what some people say um and then as well you know there's also 
Discord, you know, and that's just a fluid, constant conversation. Uh, Radio for Istvan has a Discord, uh, and that's just a constant chat that's going on. It's just, you know, constant 30K. Uh, there's a work in progress section. Uh, there's a, a general section. There's a, uh, a list help section. I mean, the, all that's there is a number of people. That, that chat goes on all the time. And, I mean, generally you'll find that for Eye of Horus has their own. Um, I believe the Vring and Heresy just started their own Discord. Uh, I mean, it, it's just finding those groups. I mean, I'm not saying, like, forums are dead, but, like, pretty much this time, it, their forums are just a little too slow for for the way technology has put us in. And, uh, and unless you're, you know, you're, you're blogging your, your army build up. But, I mean, really, guys, at this point in time, it's just... If you have a question, you can probably get it answered within 15 minutes. So there's no reason for you to to get stuck on anything or you know lose interest or lose a, or, or get frustrated. Honestly, yeah. Well, and also podcasts will keep you. Most of them will keep you up to date with new releases that have come out, new rules or rules that have changed, um, events around the world or events in your area, uh, different painting classes. Uh, just different experiences that those guys have had that maybe you know enrich en- enrich their personal hobby. Uh, they'll talk about other podcasts you can listen to, novels they've read. I mean, all that stuff like uh, hobby tips, uh, terrain. Hey, I found this here, and all that stuff can help you guys and help you guys build a community and all that. And it's just extra free knowledge that's out there. I mean, it's just it's silly not to take advantage of it. You know, you can throw your headphones in or whatever you know, while you're painting models or, you know, while you're working out, doing whatever. Um, and, you know, just, it's like straight, you know, free information to your brain. The thing with the YouTube channels, you can watch a lot of battle reports and you can learn a lot about different armies that people take and, you know, maybe learn the basic rules of the game. Uh, the two big ones are the 30K channel and um, Emperor's Path. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. So those are the two, like, they only do basically 30K, if I'm thinking right. Yep. They're only 30K. And um, they're, mean, they're, you, can, you can watch them without playing games and get a general idea of what's going down, especially especially Emperor's Path. They really break down on what's happening in front of you with the rules and things like that. I mean, it's... Don't let your, don't let your wife watch it. Sam likes stealing wives. We gave him a hard time. Wife stealing yeah. Sam. That's his nickname. Mr. Studio Girl. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely check but. that out, guys. Uh, use technology to your advantage. It's out there. Everybody's on it. Everybody's sharing their, their... And even if you're just looking at, you know, picking up stuff, there's a number of trade groups out there on Facebook that you can also look at and pick up some stuff for cheap that people are unloading. Everybody's always starting a new army. Yep. So, anyway. Uh, next topic was, how do I get inspiration for my army? Okay. So, the first the first sub-point of this is the novels and the black books. Uh, I know we've, we've actually yep, mentioned we it quite a few... Yeah, we've mentioned it quite a few times in this podcast. Uh, the novels and the black books are absolutely the place to get your information. Uh, once again, the Horus Heresy series, if you haven't started rating that get on it. I know we've stressed it many times in this episode, but definitely get on that. Uh, the black books, which are from Forge World, the rule books, the main black books, they have that that bunch of fluff in there as well. That's going to have 
pretty much events that you won't find too much in the horse heresy novels. It's almost as if, you know, they, they do intertwine a little bit with the characters and, and what's going on, but they're, are full-fledged stories inside the black books that you can find that you're not going to find inside the novels. So definitely yep. both worth a pickup. And of um, course, you know, we obviously just talked about. Oh, sorry, we obviously just talked about you know YouTube channels. You can watch battle reports and see how like units that people have in their armies and maybe how their army plays and go. Oh, I really, you know, this guy with these jet bikes. I really like how he's playing with these and how it interacts with these other models on the table. That looks cool. I want to do something like that or going, going to events, like actually physically going to an event and seeing other people's armies, other people's display boards. I mean, that's huge. I mean, people, you see such cool shit when you go to an event and it sparks new ideas. I know it does for me. It sparks a lot of ideas in my head when I see other people's stuff, um, in person. Um, and then like we just said, listening to the podcast here and talking about like on every episode of this show, right at the beginning, we always talk about our hobby progress and then we always post pictures of it up on Facebook where you guys can follow along. Um, Instagram is huge. Um, I know that uh, one of my favorite people to follow is Kieran. Um, he's one of our patron guys now, but even before he was, like, I just, he was in the Eye of Horus group and I, like, uh, fanboy stalked him just because his fucking painting was amazing. I loved his uh, Emperor's Children and he, would, like, did a thing where he, like, painted a bunch of just like where he just did one Marine from each Legion, you know, just to do like paint schemes and battle damage. And I actually reached out to him and he helped me with my black shields army. Um, that's kind of how we met. I just messaged him on Facebook. was like, Hey man, uh, how do you do this battle damage? And he kind of talked me through it, you know, and we traded hobby ideas and stuff like that, which is really cool. And then since that, my other buddy also in Australia, uh, Ryan, he was like, hey, man, uh, what do you know about Emperor's Children? And I'm like, well, I know that Kieran fucking paints him awesome, and he's in Australia too. Why don't you just message him like I did? <laughs> <laughs> and um, Kieran uh, ended up, you know, taking care of him on that too. So it's kind of like a web. You know what I mean? You you learn some stuff, and you share it with somebody else, and then they share it, and, you know, it passes through the community. It's a really cool community. Um but yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much inspiration out there. Like we said, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube channels, podcast, novels, uh, black books. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of. I mean, even you know, just just whatever you know, playing games, watching other people play games, just bullshitting online with friends, all that stuff. And I guarantee, guys, if you have an idea for an army of something that you think is cool and just like you're just like feeling the waters like you're just like man i'd kind of like to start a black shields ultramarine army you know with just a bunch of red helmets running around uh that are trying to prove their worth would that work guys and you throw that to the community the community wants to see that army they don't care like if you, they're, they're not going to steal your idea or anything they want to see that army so they're going to explain to you and help you the best way they can and build your fluff for you. I guarantee it. It's happened every single army that I've put together that's kind of like, I want to know how I could build fluff up for it. There's so many knowledgeable people out there that know the Horus Heresy background and Horus Heresy stories, and you find, you know, super, super knowledgeable people looking at you, Barth, and they just completely break down 
everything that they know about the heresy and they'll fit you in a storyline and they'll fit you into some fluff and they'll let you know about, you know, certain books that they've read and things like that. It just, I mean, it's another thing that comes down to the community. If you need inspiration, just ask them like, Hey, I want to start an army that would do this. How would this work? And I've never come across somebody who's like, well, that really wouldn't work for that army. They'll find a way they'll, they'll, they'll find something. And that's just, that's just the community. So, so, uh, so the other bullet points on here was Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. We've talked about that already. Uh, blogs and Google Images. Uh, right now, the Heresy 30K blog is probably the biggest uh, Horus Heresy specific forum blog kind of thing. Uh, there's if you're looking at Raven Guard, Pete Delafloro has a Pete Happens blog. He's really really in depth on it on his Raven Guard talk that he goes into. I'm um, trying to think what other blogs are out there. Um, anyway, you can just Google Horace Heresy blog, and I'm pretty sure something will come up. Uh, that's just the ones I know off the top of my head. I, I hang around Facebook a lot, so you know I'm not really trolling the internet looking for, for anything specific. Um, and then, of course, the art in the black books. I mean, you're going to get so much inspiration once you start finding images of your army Everything from heraldry to different vehicle paint schemes and things like that. Alternative paint schemes. That's probably one of my favorite things to find in the books. And uh, just you look, just looking for a good time. But that's the best way to find inspiration, guys. All, all those things. Um, so the next point was, what's the most economic way to start? Okay, so if you're if you're wanting to really get into heresy and you're not super picky about the army that you're playing, like you want to play, uh, you just really want to play heresy. The the best, I mean, just my opinion, the best way to get in is Marines. Um, they're what the story in heresy basically revolves around. And even though you're playing quote unquote Marines, that opens up all eighteen legions for you and Black Shields. And then you could even do multiple legions in one army and something called a shattered legion. Um, so if you decide to go that route and you're just wanting in cheap, you can basically buy a calf box, which will give you three 10 man squads of either veterans or tacticals or, you know, uh, tactical support squads. If you just buy a cheap weapon upgrade or, um, a, a tactical or a heavy support squad, which is guys with all heavy weapons. Once again, if you just buy a cheap weapon upgrade, so you're basically going to get 30 infantry guys that you can load out to make almost basically any power armored unit, um, in the core Marine army list. Um, you also get five, uh, cataphractic terminators, which are, are really good. Um, they're, they're one are probably my favorite, unit in the game like generic unit is just cataphractic terminators um i i love them i include include terminators i try to put them in almost every one of my list unless it's like you know like my blood angel army is very like fast vehicle skimmer jet bikes uh normal bikes things like that i don't, I don't really have any in there um just because you know fluff reasons in my own head but uh you get that you get a Contemptor Dreadnought, which is a Dreadnought specific uh, to Heresy, or at least it was. And then 40K, <laughs> like they do with a lot of things, uh, take it and write their rules for it. 
Uh, you also get two characters. You get a Praetor and Terminator armor, and you get a Chaplain. And the the Chaplain is my favorite, what's called a console. You have these things called consoles, which are like secondary HQs, and that's where you're like, uh, your librarians, your chaplains, your chap, or your uh, chapter champion, all that stuff are in there. Um, so, so you get you get those two characters, and I mean that is a really strong starting point. So basically, from there, you can add in like you can take orbital assault and add in a bunch of plastic drop pods, and then buy like an anvilus for the terminators or a cryptus or whatever you want, and you can um, like that's going to be fairly cheap. That's going to be cheaper than a 40 K army. Cause you're essentially getting it all, you know, plastic from GW main, but that there it's, I don't know that there's a 40 K specific box. That's as good of a value as that calf box. I don't think that there is. I think you get yeah. more in that calf box and more points than you can in any standard, uh, space Marine box for 40 K. So you can go that route or you can go, and get like a plastic Phobos Land Raider to throw those Terminators in, and a bunch of Rhinos uh, to to throw all the infantry in, and make you know build like a, a, a tank force that drives across the board. Um, so I mean, you can start really cheap with just plastic kits, and then like we said earlier, um, box dreads are in the game, normal land speeders are in the game, attack bikes are in the game. Um, and all that stuff, you just use the standard 40k plastic kit, and then you can you just basically do a torso, shoulder pad, and head swaps, you know, to make it look more 30k. Which you can get that stuff. You can get, you can get like a just a loose you know loose couple of marines, like two loose marines on eBay, or you know just buy like an extra box of ten. If you want to convert up like you know three attack bikes and a couple of land speeders, that'd give you enough you know bits to do all that. And then you just buy the standard plastic kit and swap your bits around. So that's pretty much the cheapest way. And we actually did a, uh, I have a calf box. What now episode that's still on our podcast chart. And that's still like, uh, a valid thing to go back and listen to. So Absolutely. you guys can go back and, and check it out. And I basically built two 2000 point list that one. They're basically one was a drop list for legions that that's like, maybe more fluffy for or like uh raven guard blood angels uh things like that and then i built more of like a tank here's some rhinos and land raiders type thing list and both of those lists are going to be good list you basically just buy a calf box um buy some upgrades um i've written a calf box list for uh, iron warriors where it's like you get some bits and you turn the cataphracty into siege tyrants and you get some missile launchers and you turn the, you know, 10 dudes into iron havocs, which are both Legion specific units. You can easily convert up. And then the other two units are just, you know, guys and rhinos and you get some quad mortars and you're good to go. Like, and that's the other thing. If you guys want to get in and you, you are on limited resources and you're on a budget, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can email us. Uh, at at the show, uh, my email is uh, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, and I mean that's what we do. We do do you know half a dozen lists a week, um, yep. and a lot of you know people give us guidelines like I only have this much money. Uh, these are the resources I have. These are the models I have available. What what can I make out of this? That's you know that's a valid list. 
Um, here's the fluff I'm trying to stick to. Here's the Legion I want to play. Can you help me out? And we'll do the best we can, you know, to, to save you money, to, to build you something and not go outside of the parameters that uh, you give us that, you know, most people seem to be pretty happy with it. Yeah, guys, and don't uh, don't be shy when it comes to, uh, I guess, 40K models. I mean, if you have somebody that's getting rid of some, you know, a Space Marine Army, which I'm pretty sure you're going to find some 40k player out there with space marine bits or space marine space marine army that they're not playing anymore because generally that's the first army they get and the first army they drop i mean don't hesitate to pick up that those any of those you know mars pattern vehicles any of the dreadnoughts i mean and honestly even some of the the power armored guys i mean it, it it's a good way to get started in it's a good way to get going and up and running the the armor variant is there's nothing to worry about. Um, um I, I don't know. I really like seeing Mark Seven. A lot of people don't really like seeing yeah. Mark Seven. Um, but I mean, there are like, you like Blood Angels, for example. Like there, there's a lot of like artificer like things that can be passed off for artificer armor in a Blood Angel army. Yeah. Um, you can use. Um, and then there's obviously certain kits actually have different marks of armor now. Some of the newer kits. Unfortunately, it's like you buy a box box of stern guard which is like 40 50 bucks or whatever it is and like one dude is in mark three so it's not like an economical way to get it and now that they've made the different marks of armor um in plastic like they made mark four and they made mark three in plastic i don't there's really not an excuse for mark seven i mean you can get mark three for same price i mean like i know what michael's saying is you get it used but i mean you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to get it used cheaper than you can just buy a couch box for with the amount of shit you get in it. So, I mean, that's my thing, is the infantry is so cheap in a couch box, you're really just more worried about, like, vehicles and stuff. But what, what he's saying is valid there. Like, you can use a Mars Pattern Vindicator, which is the plastic Vindicator kit. You can use Mars Pattern Rhinos. Like, there are color plates in the actual Forge World Black Books of those Mars Pattern vehicles. Um... I can't remember what book it's in. We've actually talked about it on the show and put a picture up because people uh, earlier on were like, oh, these people always want to run this shit. Like, this wasn't around in the heresy. And it's like, well, there's fucking color plates of it. And we actually gave a page number, what book it was in, and, you know, had pictures up on our Facebook page of, here you go, here's the color plate in the Fortress book with fluff, you know, about these Mars pattern vehicles. So, um, yeah. Don't don't worry about using that stuff if if you're on a a budget. And then and there's all guys, kinds of conversion kits that actually that make it look more heresy. Like um, what was the one that uh, somebody just released? Is it Pop Goes the Monkey that just released one that makes your normal Mars look like a Demios? Who was that? Yeah, that's Pop Goes the Monkey. That swaps yep. out the doors and the front plate. And then like. Blo- yeah, and it makes it look like a Demio. So it's like uh it looks like a half Mars, half Demio, so it's pretty cool. It looks pretty heresy. And then um Blood and Skulls makes a Land Raider conversion kit that makes it look more in line with the thirty K one. So if you have an old Land Raider laying around that you can get the top off of, you could throw that conversion kit um on there and make it look very heresy. If you're starting from scratch by the time you uh buy that kit and buy a Mark II B um, or buy a Land Raider and buy that kit, um, you're already more expensive or as expensive as a Mark II B. Um, 
so that doesn't save you money. It does look fucking cool, but it, it doesn't. It's not really a money saver unless you just have you get some Land Raider chassis for cheap on the, you know, secondhand market or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as well, guys. I mean, nothing. I mean, right now, you know, we're talking about how to get you in the game. What what you need to look at as far as moving over to like a a twenty five hundred point large force. But I mean, really. There is zone mortalis, so if you're looking at stepping in, you know, it's like tiptoeing in, kind of testing the waters out. There are there is zone mortalis, which is much smaller games, much much smaller points games. You're not getting the full blast of heresy. You're not getting the full effect of heresy. But I mean, pretty much anybody you find is going to understand that you're just getting in and just starting. And I once again, I can't imagine anybody that wouldn't mind playing you at zone mortalis. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. When we when we get to game modes that we have a section on game modes, there's mm-hmm. there's zone mortalis, there's centurion, and there's a tactical strike, which are all smaller points, few model games to get you started. So even if you do have the money to buy all your stuff, you're obviously not going to be able to paint it all in like a weekend. So you could, but if you wanted to get playing right away, you could, you know, get your calf box or whatever and paint up like 15 models and start playing, you know, zone mortalis and tactical strike. As you, and then as you paint more guys, um, move into Centurion games, and then as you you know hit two thousand points, you can start playing like standard Age of Darkness games. Yeah, as you learn the rules. So that is the most economic way to start. Next point is what are the common game modes and point values? So right into that, <laughs> nice segue into that. Yeah. So, like we were just mentioning, guys, you know, you're going to have Zone Mortalis, which is uh, generally, you know, the game was kind of designed around boarding actions, but it's really the entire thing is going to be, you know, close quarters fighting, small points games, you know, within corridors and, you know, just really a smaller table in general. You don't have to play on a smaller table, yeah, you- but it, it's all it's all kind of a based around a smaller point game. Um, and... I mean that's that that's Zone Mortalis. I mean the rules are I, th- I think the rules are still free online. They're a little bit different than the actual Horus Heresy rules. I mean they're just tiny different. But if you can go to Forge World right now, type in Zone Mortalis in the download section, and you can download those Zone Mortalis rules. I mean that you can get yourself going today if you wanted to learn how to play that game set. Um, but I mean that that's I think just... the the actual Zone Mortalis rules are in Book One, and then they have an expansion in Book Two, right? Yeah, book one the, and two the, have the all the zone rules. The blood yeah, and the void is in book two. Yeah, there's special horse heresy editions in like add-ons in book two, specifically with all like yeah. the stratagems and stuff like that and the, all the cool stuff. But you can like you know just get general idea of how to play Zone Mortalis with free rules if you needed to. But uh, next up is what Centurion mode. Yep. This is actually a fan-made one. Tim over at Eye of Horus, Tim and Michael, created it. And it's basically for people that want to play games that kind of more reflect, like if you look at the covers of the model or of the novels where it's like the seas of Marines and there's not a lot of uh, vehicles, you know, maybe there's a dreadnought here and there. Um, They wanted something like that. Not that, I don't think tanks are you know, overpowered or like so much better than infantry or whatever. Like I I honestly think that in a standard game, you need a mixed force. If you have way too many tanks, you're going to just get assaulted by infantry and they're all going to die to infantry. 
and then it, vice versa in a standard game, if you just run all infantry and somebody else has a little bit of infantry to screen your infantry while they shoot you to death with all their tanks, that's going to be kind of bad too. So you need to run a little bit more of a balanced army. Um, Centurion allows you to run like an, basically an all infantry army and your opponent is forced into doing the same thing. So you're on footing and you're not going to like bring an all infantry army and then have to fight a bunch of knights or whatever. So it's like a, it's like a safe space for people who want to get the feel of playing more infantry and then just a few dreadnoughts and some, like a few small speeders and bikes or whatever. Absolutely. And I think you can actually get those rules. You can definitely send a message to the I force podcast, but you can post up in the group. I think it's pinned to onto the I force uh, I force podcast group. If you want to get those rules. And yeah. And play. I think it's pretty simple. I think you post it. If you go to their podcast, like their actual blog spot, the I force podcast blog spot in all their show notes, I believe they always post a link in the show notes as well. So it's easy to find there too. Um, the other game mode is, um, it's like the opposite of Centurion. Um, Freddy over at Varangian Heresy is made an all-tank game. It's like an armored warfare game. So if you're just like a total fucking treadhead and all you, you really like tanks, um, there's actually a right of war that allows you to play standard games, like a standard Age of Darkness game where you can play all tanks. It's called Armored Breakthrough. Um, once again, I love that right of war. I think it's strong but I don't think it works very well. If you just go pure tanks, I think you still need to mix infantry in and put them in transports and you know do like a mix of tanks and uh, mechanized infantry. Personally, I think that's the way it works best. But um, So what's cool, though, you could build an army for Freddy's Armored Warfare game and still play Age of Darkness games with it, just like you can build an all-infantry army and still play it in Centurion games in Age of Darkness. Um, but anyway, the all-tank all game is it's what what Centurion does for infantry, this tank game does for tanks. So it's like your opponent is going to have all tanks, you're going to have all tanks, and it's like a really quick... It's really quick because you got tanks shooting at other tanks, and it's like, uh, you know, just like a real cool like tank battle game. So if you're coming over from, like, Flames of War or anything like that, and you just like tank shooting at other tanks uh, on a, on a, with a much bigger scale, um, definitely look into that. I think that's really cool. Absolutely, man. Tanks on tanks or dudes on dudes or little point games. I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> the, then you got... Yeah, then you got Tactical Strike, which is the smallest points game. So that's actually in book two, um, which is a black book. What are you sh shaking yeah. your head at? Because I've tried Tactical Strike, dude. It's difficult. It's not... It's, it's But it, it's... It's fun. It's fun when you get it down. It's just, it's it's fun. It's yes. So so the thing with tactical strike is, it's very specialized, and you don't actually play with units. So like if you paint up a squad of five guys, when you play tactical strike, they all split into their own model. So everybody's loose running around. So it's like a skirmish level game using Horus Heresy miniatures. So you're probably gonna have like five to ten you know, minis like you can play a 500 point tactical strike game and your guys actually earn experience. They earn upgrades. You can run out of ammo. Uh, people die for good. There's injuries and all that. It's got like a little campaign to it. It's pretty cool. So, oh, yeah. um, if you, if, if you're into that and, and like you, you, you want to 
Um, you know, say you just got, like I said, if you just got your calf box and you only have, you know, maybe 10, 15 models painted up, give your friend seven or eight of them. And then you take the other seven or eight and, you know, play some tactical strike with your, you know, painted models or whatever, give that a try. And then you can grow that into zone mortalis, then grow that into centurion and then grow that into age of darkness. Like we said, but, um, it's definitely a game mode to, to check out. Um, a lot of the bigger events, like I know Adepticon, there are definitely tactical strike events there. I think they had some at Nova. Um, um, so it's pretty cool. And then a lot of people write their own variations of that since, uh, Armageddon came out for 40k. A lot of people kind of adapted that, like made a mesh of that and Tactical Strike. Um, I know the Grang Legion did a cool one uh, for that. They're the guys that run the Nova Open and run a lot of the Adepticon events. If you email them or get a hold of them on Facebook or whatever and ask them for the rules, I'm sure they'd send them to you. Um, Ty, the uh, Finn Cairo online, he he gave me two of the rules packets when I was at Nova to check out. I got them in there on my shelf. They're pretty cool. He, he made a really nice little pamphlet with the rules in it. Um, and then the other thing, it's not really a game mode, but it's a good way to start and get a community started and or grow a new army is what Scott was talking about earlier. It's called an escalation league. So the way escalation works, um, everybody will, you'll, you'll design a starting point and then you decide on growth levels and a time period that you need to hit growth levels. So, for example, you may say, well, we're going to start at 500 points. So everybody paints 500 points. And then every two weeks or every month or whatever you want to make it, we're going to increase by 250 points. So if you did this every month, you would say, well, I have my 500 points painted. So then all I need to do is paint 250 points in a month or buy, purchase, and paint 250 points, which isn't, you know, that's not a great deal. That's usually one box of whatever. Oh, yeah. and, it, and it allows you to allows you to buy your army slowly and paint it slowly and, you know, uh, build up your force that way. And it doesn't put a lot of stress on you all at once to get everything all done at once. And it's a great way to build up. Like if there's a number of you guys jumping in at one time, it's a, it's a great way to motivate each other to build up because you have set goals and set dates for those goals. And it's it's a quick way to get everybody, you know, on the same page and built up. And, of course, you know, you play, you're, you're reintroduced, you know, one unit at a time. So you learn the game that much better because, you know, you, you – solely play with you know one unit or two units the first game you know four units the second game and you just build up and you learn it from the ground up right so yeah it's a really good way to get started so i think that pretty much covers all the i mean there, there are a tons of other different ways to play but those are the main ones you're going to hear about absolutely and points values ryan um i think it's safe to say 2500 points is what the 2500 3000 yeah, if you want to play, so I would say um, Zone Mortalis for Heresy, um, you can play anywhere between 500 and 1500. It's probably standard. I'd say most people play about 1,000 points for Zone. I'd say that's the average Zone game. Um, Centurion, uh, you can, is most people play that between 1,000 and 2,000. 
and I'd say the average Centurion game is about 1,500 points. And then Age of Darkness, which is the full-blown, you know, open warfare game, um, I would say, I mean, you can play it once again. There's no hard and fast rule. I mean, you can play a normal Age of Darkness game at 500 points if you want, but I would say the vast majority of people uh, start playing that type of game at 2,000 points and then play it all the way up to, I mean, you can once again, you can go, you can play 12,000 points if you want, but I'd say the 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 spectrum is roughly 2,000 to 3,500 points with the standard size game that most people are looking for, um, 2,500 or 3,000 points, depending on your, you know, low preference. I know here it's 2,500, but every once in a while people get the bug up their butt to want to do 3,000. But I know like, uh, powerful Vincent and um, Chase, uh, they always play together and they like to play games. So they're, every time I see a battle report for them or pictures or I write one of those guys a list, it's always 3,000 or 3,500. So that's what they play in their local meta. So it's really just kind of, you know, dependent on what other people are doing in your area. But I, I think 2,500 is a good goal for if you're if you're looking at an eight, a full-blown Age of Darkness army and you want to set a goal, I would start looking at 2,500-point list and build to that. Absolutely. So next thing was how to recruit new people and to start a good local group. Um, pulling from everything we've already talked about in this podcast, I mean, you're already we've already discussed starting a Facebook group, getting involved in the Facebook groups that do exist if there isn't already one. Uh, in the last section, we talked about the Escalation League. That's absolutely a strong, strong way uh, to get a get a group going. Um, touching back on Facebook, starting a Facebook chat with everybody in it is probably one of the best things that you could do. I mean, hands down, just constantly communicating with each other, finding games with amongst each other, getting inspiration from each other, getting uh, getting everybody motivated to put their stuff together, you know, posting up their work in progresses and things like that. I mean, that it's hands down probably the, some of the easiest ways to get your group up and going. I mean, even if it's like you're just going from an escalation league and you everybody's starting out by playing tactical strike. I mean, building something up from the ground up is is always difficult, uh, but but the tools are there to make it to where you can set goals and you can make sure that everybody's motivated to keep going. Um, hardest and another thing to look at is look at existing groups to help you. Um, if there's you know if you're a brand new local group and you're kind of you know intimidated by some of the guys that are running around with, you know, 5,000, 6,000 point armies and you don't think they'll start a campaign with you or anything like that or escalation league. I mean, just approach them and ask, you know, like, Hey man, uh, you know, we're going to start this escalation league. Do you have any advice for us? And I guarantee this community is so tight and this community is so willing for new players to come in that they're going to help you and assist you any way you need. I mean, there's not been anybody that's reached out to us that we have not helped. I mean, anybody starting a new club, anybody starting an escalation league, you know, and whether it's whether it's prize support or whether they're looking for a shout out. I mean, everybody's willing to help out everybody. I mean, that's just how this how this works. So use technology to your advantage on that one. You have anything you want to add to that, Ryan, as far as like how to get how to get new people, recruit new people and start a local good local group? Well, I, I always tell people you really need to paint your shit. Like to me, that's number one, because people, when they see 
beautifully painted models, it gets them pumped, and they're like, I want shit that looks like that. That's cool. If your shit doesn't look cool, people, like, if it's just gray plastic, it's not going to catch anybody's attention or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's fine if you're just, like, hanging out in your basement with your buddies and you're already had like say you already had like four people that are all getting in at the same time and you want to you know put your shit together and start banging out games just to learn the rules as you paint and your stuff you know when you're playing these games your shit's half painted whatever that's all well and good you know nobody's you know that everybody's on the understanding that's going on that said if you're going out in public and you're going to go to a local game store and play or you're going to shoot a battle report or you're going to post pictures on facebook of games paint your shit man I mean, you got to like play on some halfway decent terrain and paint your models and you're going to get so much higher of a response. Um, and people are going to be way more drawn to that than they are just bare gray plastic on a bullshit, you know, picnic table with some videotape set up for terrain. Like you just can't, cannot do that. That will not win anyone over. It's fair enough, man. Nicely said. So, I mean, and, and like I said, you once you get some things painted and, and you, you know, you got, uh, got a little force going, find local stores, you know, call them and say, hey, do you care if we come in and play 30K? Um, what nights can we come in and play? And start going in and playing it. And as people walk by, they're going to ask you about your stuff. I mean, I can't, I mean, when we go to Adepticon every year and people walk by and they see all those tables, and I mean, in my opinion, the 30K tables, Always have the nicest models and terrain at Adepticon, uh, as far as miniature war games go. Uh, and it people that walk by, they see that and they start asking questions. What game is this? Did you paint this? How long does this take? Oh my god, this is amazing! You know, and, and then you can start going, "Oh yeah, it's really cool. I like this game because whatever." And you you start pumping it up, and, and um, you know, you, you show them pictures of your stuff. You you know, you introduce yourself. You say, "Hey, I'm from here." We do this, and you know, you get talking, and you start networking, and it and it grows. So, it's just something you you definitely have to put effort into. You can't just, you know, once again have a table in your garage or your basement, play games on it, uh, not ever post pics on Facebook, not try you know to do anything on social media, only paint half your shit, not go out to game stores, not go to events, and then sit around and wonder why. Well, my, I don't have a good local community. Well, you you have to put effort in. Um, you have to, you know, take the lead and put that effort in to get that shit going. And then it just grows exponentially. You'll find other people that are as passionate about it as you, if you put the passion in and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. hundred percent, dude. hundred percent. All right. So the next topic that we have is what goals should you set for your collection and what are the do's and don'ts? Well, this is a tough one, man. This is <laughs> well. It's it's tough to stick. It's not tough. It's like it's kind of like the it's the obvious thing you should do, but human nature doesn't allow a lot of people to do it because it's not how we're wired. And people get the new shiny syndrome and don't fucking stick to the task at hand, and then you end up all over the place and overwhelmed and not painting your shit and whatever. So, what I mean by this question is. You know, set your goal of what, like, I want it, like, if you're brand new, you're like, well, I want to play Heresy, um, and I want to play Standard Age of Darkness games. Like I said, I would highly recommend set the goal on a 2,000 or 2,500 point army, 
get whatever army painted you want and find a list that you like that gives you a decent variety of stuff. I would not start, if you're starting out, I would not just start with a super highly specialized army that's like all jet bikes and two planes or something. Because going forward, if you want to expand that, it, you're, it's just so hard. You're basically starting over. Like if, if you don't like that army or later on you decide, I don't like really the way this plays, you're going to have to take out like 75% of it and replace it with other stuff to get it to play any different. So you're way better off picking a more uh, well-rounded army that gives you a mix of stuff that's still fluffy and cohesive that still all plays well together. Plays well together, so you get a kaleidoscope of stuff that teaches you different skills of the game. It'll teach you what phases of the game you like better, what kind of tactics you like better, what units work, what units don't, what type of armor you like. Uh, you like things that move fast. Do you like things that sit and shoot? Um, you like things that assault, you like things that shoot more, like stuff like that. And then also, like I said, if you want to grow that into another list, because you're going to have a wider variety of stuff to pull from, it's going to be way easier to adapt that and use stuff that you already have going forward to make your army bigger and expand your collection. So I always tell people, start with a good 2,000, 2,500 point list with a, a good mix of stuff, you know, fairly you know, standard generic stuff. If you have a Legion, you know, maybe mix in one of your Legion specific units or maybe one of each. Cause most, most armies have two Legion specific units. Um, don't get too crazy. Uh, um, and get that painted and done before you buy anything else. The biggest mistake people make is they're like, Oh, I like this model and I like this model and I like this model. And they buy, they have like a Derrideo and these fucking planes and all this stuff. And then they end up with one troop choice and seven heavy support and a fast mm. attack. And it's not even a legal army. And it's like, well, shit, I'm $800 in and I can't even play a game. I don't have a legal list because I put no thought into this. Or, you know, you're, you're painting your, you know, veteran tactical squad or whatever and you quit halfway through because you bought this new fire raptor kit and now you're putting together and painting a fire raptor and then you're like oh now i like this sakaran and like whatever it's like just stick you know write the list it's not that hard to build and paint a 2000 point list you can you can get through that fairly quickly if you concentrate on it and it's just best to do it that way um the absolute best case scenario is to to get that 2000 or 2500 point list done and then buy, follow me here, one new thing at a time or a couple new things at a time. Get that painted and done before you allow yourself to buy anything else. I know that's impossible for most gamers, but what ends up happening is if you just buy everything that you want all the time and you end up with this gigantic fucking backlog, which is me, I'm not saying do do as I say, not as I do, because <laughs> I have the <laughs> same problem. But, but, I mean, I can get away. I mean, I have what, five or six, like, 4,000-plus size painted armies. So, I mean, if I want to fuck around and buy three Derrideos and never get around to fucking painting them, I'm allowed to do that. If you don't have a single painted army yet, you know, let's be real here. Like, they, maybe you need to set some hobby goals to get that paint. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, it just, it there's so many people that get overwhelmed. 
they're like, fuck, I only got this one squad painted and I have all these models. I'll never get this done. So the way to not be overwhelmed is to buy a little at a time, get it painted, and, and once that's painted, then buy new stuff. Don't just run out and buy a slew of shit and, and not have a plan for it. And we get a lot of emails all the time where people are like, here's my unit list. And they just have like, it's such a random thing. And I'm like, man, you have like nine heavy support. You realize that, right? And you have no fast attack and only like three troops. And they're like, yeah, I just bought a bunch of shit that looks cool. I'm like, well, I mean, it's good that you have all this, but you know, like you could have built a way more useful list and got way more use out of if you bought some fast attack that you actually can play with as opposed to having nine things that you can only play with three of and the other six sit on a shelf. Yeah, I know. So it's like, I don't know, just kind of plan your purchases as good as you can. I mean, any miniature war game is expensive and painting it, uh, you know, takes time and, and dedication to do it. So you want to make sure you get the most out of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and, and one thing you'll see a lot of guys do, and it, it, we get a ton and ton of emails from people who set their goals based on an event they're going to. And so it kind of gives yep. them a hard deadline of when they need to have it done. And one of the best things about that is they'll build the list, send it to us and say, I want to have this list done by this event. And a lot of times, you know, Ryan will get those lists. He'll get make them a, a, a playable list that'll do good in an event or, you know, be able to hold its own, make it legal and all that stuff. And then they can just go post that on their wall that says, I need to have these models done by X day. And that is like primarily, I would say that's probably 60% of the heresy players are probably doing that now. I know it's probably, you know, 90% of just our, you know, Patreon group. I mean, most of our guys that are in there, it's safe to say that they're the ones that are going, I need to have this army painted by this day. And that, that that's pretty common. I mean, it just once you find an event that you want to go to, guys, just uh, just get it ready, you know. Pick 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 the point level you want to be at and then get going. Super easy. Yep. And don't go buy a Stormbird first off. Hang hang back. Hang back. Don't go buy Yeah, your- stay stay <laughs> Stay away from super heavies uh, to start with. Um, you don't like uh, Lords of War. They're pretty. They're fairly, you know, hard to fit in uh, to a lot of the list. If you really, really want a Lord of War, um, I, I still think your Primarch's your best option. Um, it's it's relatively cheap compared to other Lords of Wars in real life money, um, and you can. Uh, fit them in lists a lot easier and then they you know they fit in other vehicles and can join units and stuff like that um so they're that's kind of the way to go for a beginner um the other way would be like a everybody can take like a a bane blade slash shadow sword or whatever that's a standard gw plastic kit i think they're retail at like 150 and that's a quick way to add like a big five or six hundred point chunk to an army and it's a it's a plastic kit you can get at any games workshop store (gasps) yeah you're absolutely right man so next point we got on the list here is what are some good ways to improve my hobby skills oh man there's so many there's so many in this day and age so uh my biggest one here is take some classes what i mean by that is classes all the 
all the big conventions typically have hobby class. So like Adepticon, Gen Con, um, I'm sure there's other ones. Those are just in my area. I'm sure there's other ones uh, around this country and other countries where you know people will come and you can take a hobby class. I know in the U.S. there's a painting studio called uh, CK Studios. And um, I've taken a couple of their classes at conventions, and I'm actually signed up for like their airbrushing one-on-one class, which is a two-day class, and they're going to have it in Michigan, but it travels around the U.S. Uh, they're based out of uh, Arizona, I believe, and it's Kat and Caleb. Kat's uh, the woman who invented Hobby Hangout, does the Hobby Hangout stuff, yep. or was one of the people that invented it. Um, so... Um, both really cool people. Um, they do a really good job. Like I said, I've, I've taken some of their just like couple hour classes at conventions and really enjoyed it. I know a lot of our patrons is taking their full class and they love it. It will, it will let you, when I talked about earlier about MKA taking that MKA course in it, like I basically cut in line. Um, it's just silly not to take one of these classes. Like if it's something you're really serious about the hobby, it may seem expensive. It may be like, you know, two, three hundred dollars, whatever, for a two day class. It is well worth the money. I mean, it will put you years ahead of where you would be if you just started on your own. I mean, you, you will be painting at a level that it took me years to reach in a week after you take that class. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. Because a lot of the things they teach you are not hard to duplicate it's actually rather easy when you learn it it's just actually learning the techniques yeah absolutely that that's hands down going to be the best way to i mean hands-on you know with the the painters being hands-on with you teaching you how to paint and everything like that that's the absolute best way to improve your hobby game um and i mean it, it just on top of painting i mean there's other classes out there as well that can improve your hobby. I mean, there's classes out there for cleaning mold lines. I mean, there's classes out there for basing. There's classes out there for terrain making. I mean, hands-on classes at different events. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they do get overlooked. They're not these ones that are selling out immediately. Uh, but to bump your hobby game up, guys, I mean, definitely look into that. Especially, like Ryan said, it's, it's basically cutting in line. You're advancing your, your hobby and skills you know, three or four years and just like, you know, a few hours. Yep. And then I always say attack what you're weak at, like whatever you're most scared of, most intimidated by and think, man, I can't do that. Or that looks hard, whether it's freehand, uh, weathering line, highlighting, whatever, pick a project that forces you to do that in abundance and do that project. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but that's the only way you get better. Um, I, I wasn't very good at freehand. So I picked, to do a word bearers army and literally made sure I put free hand on every model in that army. Scott's seen that army several times. He can, yep. um, tell you about that. Um, by the end of it, I got really good at it. I got, and, and I'm not like pat myself on the back. It's just, I've had people, I mean, it's just the truth. I've had people come up cause it's a real bright white over a real dark red. And they've said, Hey, or like they, they looked at it from a tabletop distance and thought they were, you know, decals or whatever. And it's not. Exactly. I just painted it with a little. I just painted it with a uh, really small brush, and it was just something. I did it on every model, and by the time I got to the end, the last model I did was the Charybdis, and I put shit all over it. I mean, it's got white, you know, 
runes and everything all over it and it uh it really turned out nice um i uh wanted to learn weathering so i chose to take that mka course to learn as much weathering as possible and chose death guard because they're like you know probably the most weathered army in 30k and i also wanted to get really good at doing decals because i hadn't done decals before so it's the first army i didn't buy like you know, Legion-specific pads or anything like that for. I just made sure to use decals on every model. So this army, every model's weathered. Every every model has decals. So by the end of it, you know, I plan on being an expert. At, and then, I don't know, something else. I've always been scared of yellow, so I might do an Imperial Fist army at some point simply to do yellow, just because, you know, it's one of those things I've never been that great at. Absolutely. Just tackle what you're weak at. And, uh, you know, classes are a way, I mean, like hands down, I think Ryan's hitting the nail on the head when he says classes are the best way to improve your hobby game. Uh, there are other ways to improve your hobby game. Uh, I know here down at our local store, they have a, uh, go in and all paint together. If you can get yourself a painting group, a lot of the times you can, you know, learn amongst your peers, you know, start a, start a hobby group like that. Kind of like the book reading club, but you know, a hobby club, all of these guys at my local shop, they'll go down there on Saturdays and they'll all paint together. And, you know, it's just they learn from each other. They can ask questions and things like that. I mean, that's a real quick way to get your, your hobby skills up and running, especially if you're brand new to the game. There's so many, like, just, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had somebody brand new come to the game, had none of the paints. And you'd be surprised at what seems, like, obvious to us because we've been in the game so long. You know, we know how how to base models. We know how to you know, the steps that you should take for assembling everything. All this stuff that comes second nature to us because we've done it for so long uh, doesn't come second nature to the new players and the stuff that you'll learn just by standing around and being with these guys who are modeling in front of you is just, I mean, it's just, it's it's ten. I mean, it's just, it's paramount. It's just paramount of how much you can learn off that stuff. So, I mean, I I know it sounds like every, every topic we talk about, we're trying to push you into to your local game store and trying to push you into your Facebook page to, to get the community help. But this community, this whole game is very community driven. You got to have it uh, to make these things work. Yeah. It's, it's definitely your biggest asset. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are readily available to people as well, as far as, you know, learning to paint and getting better with hobby. If you're someone who, you know, mitigating circumstances whatever you just can't seem to make it to one of these courses you live in alaska there's bears there you can just leave your family alone because you don't want them to get eaten things like that you can always go on youtube there's a lot of great painters out there miles at little legend does streaming services so you can pay like a stipend a month one-on-one he'll exactly what we are doing right now skype with you and show you how to paint and that is even that is going to make a huge difference and i'm sure he's more than willing to accommodate all different skill levels on the free side of things there's a lot of great painters out there i mean really too many to mention but ben comments is a really good one i wanted to learn how to paint non-metallic metal and he had free videos online on youtube painting uh gold non-metallic metal gold so i started watching them that's how I learned. Um, Kenny Boucher, an excellent painting, great painter. That's another really good one. And I mean, any. Sam- any Samson's of- doing it now, too, Scott. Yep. Samson black over at Black Little. And then uh, the K- the CK Studio people I just mentioned, that hobby hangout, they do it all the time, too. 
Yep, there you go. So there's a lot of options out there if you're if you're a Twitch subscriber or something like that. I think there's you know an abundance of options to to find them. Find good Twitch streams as far as painting goes. I think some of the guys over at the Long War Network have a different day set up throughout the week as far as uh, painting, you know, stuff goes. They do different types of models and techniques based on a weekly schedule. So uh, a lot of assets out there to, you know, just don't don't be scared. It's okay not to be great right out the bat. But like Ryan said, you can really start in a different place in this race if you take one of those classes in person because. His wife took one, Emily took one with you, and she's not like an avid miniatures painter. She, you know, she's painted, she, it was her third miniature she painted, and she'd never done any form of weathering or anything that was like military realistic, and we yeah. painted that Conflict 47 model after taking a two-and-a-half-hour two CK Studios class, and it came out better than mine. Yeah, it looked fantastic. So, I mean, so that's the perfect example of like, hey, I'm new to this. I don't know how to paint, but where do I need to start? I just can't learn all this in one shot. Well, you can. Go to one of those classes, and they're going to really put you where you need to be to put great great stuff together that you'll be proud of at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't... I mean, it, it's so weird to me. It's almost like... It's, it's almost... It's, it's the dark arts, man. It's black. Magic. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, it's literally weird. <laughs> it's almost like those bullshit commercials you see on TV. Like, take this pill, you'll lose 80 pounds or whatever. But it's fucking true. Like, you can take... Like, I took that, you know, essentially 16-hour MKA course. And I could have had very low painting knowledge. Like, I'd only been painting for a year. And then went and literally won a painting competition the next day. I really feel that way. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I mean, that's... It's like bigger definitely. dick pills, but they weren't, man. Yes. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. They're like the gas station ones with the rhinos on the front, like that yeah. Red Band likes. Pod piss hot for fucking East German steroids after yeah. those. That John Jones shit. <laughs> what that John Jones fucking erectile dysfunction, man. <laughs> <laughs> All of it is going to come down to just... Just manning up and accepting that you're going to have to get some hands-on training from somebody. Even if it's from, you know, the, the your local painter. I mean, I can't ima- I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me, hey, man, just come over. I'll show you how to do it. And I haven't taken them up on it, knowing they're a better painter than I am, knowing that they could show me techniques, and you just, you just don't ever find the time to do it, and you just try and do it on your own. Just man up and just go say, I need help with this. And then accept that help whenever they give it to you. Yep. It's just that easy. Improve your hobby game. Get your hobby game up. I guarantee if you like somebody else's models that look better than yours and you ask them, hey, how'd you do that? And you tell them, hey, do you think you teach me that? I'm pretty sure they'll say, yeah, sure. Bring it on. Come on over. They like, I mean, everybody likes company when they're hobbying. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely do. Yeah, case in point, this. So <laughs> Scott's over there painting right now. All right. He also got a new haircut, it looks like, and he looks like a Hitler youth. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> so it looks like a beautiful <laughs> young Aryan boy right now. So. He's on a fucking poster from 1943. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the youth, so next thing, next hobby point, that we're, or next topic that we're going to bring up, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a threefer. It says, 
what are some good ways to improve my hot? I'm, I'm sorry. What should I wait? Why should I go to heresy events? And what should I expect if I go? What are some of the larger popular events? How do I find events to go to? So okay. you want to start this one off, Scott? Yep. Well, number one, you know, we 2017 here, so it shouldn't come as a surprise. Really great way of public 18. source advertising. <laughs> yeah, is is uh, Facebook. I mean, there's all kinds of groups. Yeah, the Radio Free Is fan group. We shout out events. We just shouted out David Sampson's bit, the Music City Heresy in Nashville. That's May 18th, as a matter of fact. So fucking mark that down in your calendar books. That'll be a great first event for someone to go to. Um, it's just there's that. There's South Texas Heresy. There's Indiana 30K. There's Michigan Horace Heresy, Horace Heresy, Michigan. You know, there are a plethora of large facebook groups where people are constantly sharing hobby progress event shout outs so that's one avenue certainly another good avenue is this podcast okay us i have horus age of darkness listeners write in and we'll say hey you know will you shout this out for me and we i mean we're never not going to do that get that as long as we fucking remember we don't get too far off yeah. the rail well and and just real quick, Scott, so if you and other people, like if you have an event or want to start an event and run your own event, all you need to do is email email it to all the podcasts and they'll, they'll read it out. Yep, yep. So let us know, and uh, you can always listen to these. I know I, of course, is really good at the end of their episodes about shouting out events. So always listen to those and try to find, uh, find one near you or within, you know, a, a reasonable travel distance or distance you're willing to go um so those are your two great resources i think you guys got any other ideas man that's pretty much it that's how you're going to find out about them is yeah. through facebook groups everybody always makes a facebook post and then just you know word of mouth on facebook look at your friend's timeline and, and you know visit the different heresy pages and see what events there are and then like scott said listen to uh, podcasts and a, a lot of podcasts i know like i have Horus. i think they put the links to the events in their show notes and shit yeah, um, if, you, if you have like a fucking telegraph phone or some shit, I don't know what to tell you. Like, life must be pretty goddamn difficult at this <laughs> point. But yeah, <laughs> and then obviously like the bigger conventions, like uh, you know Adepticon, Nova, things like that. And then we're running Heresy Camp at the end of the year. Those are going to be like your premier, premier events where there's Large you events, know several events. Yeah. So the the big the real big events that I'm aware of because that was part of the question like I said it's Adepticon uh this is all this is in the US so you got Adepticon Nova LVO and what used to be South Texas in Flames but now it's rolling over into Heresy Camp I'd say those are the four biggest any argument no there? I have no argument there yeah, nope. sounds good to me oh uh, and then I can only speak to in our area like within you know, like within a reasonable drive distance uh, for like me and Scott, uh, the Michigan GT is a good one. Um, I run events here about four times a year. Um, they're, they're usually upwards of, you know, 25 people. Um, and then Scott just shouted out Music City Heresy. This is the second year for that. It's pretty good. Um, I know Sean over at the Drop Podcast, he runs uh, an event. Then they have like the Bug Eater GT. Uh, yeah. David. Our buddy David, his event sold out. The uh, damn it, I'm drawing a blank. The Firex 
Which convention is that? It's sold out. Uh, I don't know. Sold the, out in the a day. Taking, taking a Firex. Yep, that's it. Um, so that's a new one. It just sold out. But it, I mean, I've seen the terrain that he's working on, and we share hobby progress on probably every other day at least. And his shit is mind blowing. I mean, he's gonna have maybe the nicest terrain. It's like Warhammer World quality. Um, I know if you're overseas, like if you're in, uh, you know, if you're you live in the the mecca of 30k there around Warhammer World. Obviously, Warhammer R- World runs you know, the Weekender and all that stuff where you can always get in some heresy on those Forge World tables. Um, and then if you live in uh, mainland Europe, the Swedes, they put on tons of events. You got Scandus and you got, uh, what's the other one? Tarsus. Scandus and... Uh, well, Tarsus is in the UK. That's by Geno 5.2, I believe. Oh, okay. Right? Um, there's two big... Sweden events. One is Scandus, and they're ones at the beginning of the year, and ones near the end of the year. I, I can't I just, remember. I just remember Scandus. And then obviously in Australia, you got the Loaded Dice podcast. They kind of run a bunch of events, um, and then you got that the new uh, Tom and Michael John and Ed Nihilator, and those guys are running their own little event series. And then you got the Eye of Horus guys running their event series, and then you got guys over in Wasteland, Australia, Alpaca. Uh, Ryan Cross, those guys um, out there, they they get together and run events. So I mean, you got to staving off Castleberry attacks and running heresy events. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I think you got a uh, James over in New Zealand. I think he said something about they they hosted their first 30k event. You know, like six months back or whatever. So that you know, normally they had to fly, you know, across the little. Uh, waterway there. I think they call it the Dutch. Across the Dutch. I don't really know that. I'm just copying Ivor's guys. I've Sounds probably totally fucked that up. Um, they're probably laughing at me. But anyway, they used to fly to mainland Australia to do those events, but I think they're hosting their own there now. So, I mean, there's big events all over the world. You just have to do research in your area and definitely go to them. I mean, that's where I mean, that's where this podcast came from. I mean, I I you know, met Michael at Adepticon and they had only, what you'd done like three or four episodes of this. Yep. And I met him and it just kind of went from there. Uh, and like the stiff camp came out of this podcast. Like it's basically without me going to events, like so much of my life would be different right now. I wouldn't be near where I'm at in the hobby. That's basically what started. It was, going to events and meeting a bunch of new people, new cool people, become friends with tons of people online and just, you know, really participating in the community. That's what makes the hobby so good. I'd say it's safe to say without you going to events, you'd be like that guy who died when a giant stack of porn collapsed on him in his face and it killed him. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be mixed with That's resin. Porn yeah. resin. <laughs> porn resin. <laughs> That's America, man. That's what I'm fucking really support that death. And tenderloins. Porn resin tenderloins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the questions that was... One of the, the points on here was, uh, what should I expect if I go to an event? Um, so, if you're coming in brand new to the, to the hobby, you're brand new into the game, uh, really, you should expect... To have, I guess, to have what is expected of you from especially heresy events 
is 90% of the time is going to be that you bring your fully painted army to the event and you know you 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 have an army that's fully ready to play you have some some idea of the rules you have your list printed for your opponents to to see but as far as the way people will treat you and what you should expect from other people you're just going to get treated as a, a brother in the hobby i mean <laughs> it's just how it is uh expect hugs i guess expect some sort of like you know camaraderie amongst your boys i mean there's not really like you're just gonna have a good time i, I have never been to a heresy event that i have not enjoyed 100 percent, and that's with you know you can get your ass whooped all day with your army and you'll still have a good time going and you'll still have a good time there just because you're amongst people who you know share the same uh the shit the same uh the same mindset you do and they say share the the same things that you like it's expect a good time i mean yeah that's i mean that's the main thing is it's way more laid back than um when i used to go to 40k events 40k events were very hit and miss for me i probably disliked more than i liked it was one of those i went I would say I dislike 66% of the time I went and like 33% of the time. And it was just like, I liked the 33% that I liked. I liked a lot um, that aspect of it, like the social aspect and all that, because you'd run into guys kind of like the 30K community. But a lot of the time you would go and it was just a bunch of, you know, unpainted shit, G.I. Joe toys, plastic sharks glued on seashells, people running in Screamer Star, people only caring about winning rules arguments all that and like i've never run into any of that at a 30k event um so it's it's just a different mindset and attitude it's it's very casual uh everybody always has a good time everybody's always laughing when you go to adepticon i mean it's it's really telling when you walk around and everybody has you know they're buying each other beers everybody's laughing having a good time everybody goes out to dinner afterwards um, I meet new people every year. We exchange, you know, phone numbers or, you know, f- become friends on Facebook and talk every weekend and, you know, look forward to seeing each other the next year. Um, and I, I love, like, when people are like, I don't really know what I'm doing. This is only my third game. That's totally fine with me. I mean, I've played hundreds of games of Heresy, and I have no problem playing somebody that's like, you know, it's only their second game. I, I don't get frustrated or any of that. You know, I'll, I'm definitely willing to, you know, sit and help them, you know, work through stuff and tell them, you know, warn them. You, you want to stay away from these guys. You definitely don't want to assault these guys. You want to shoot them, stuff like that. Just try to help them out. Because, um, I mean, that's going to get people, you know, being nice like that and, and um, you know, just being a cool person. For one, it's just, I mean, you should just do that anyway. It's fucking rewarding <laughs> on its own. But it also keeps people, you know, coming back to events and grows the community which you know if you just look at it for pure selfish reasons is good for you as well because it gives you more people to play with and hang out with and more cool people in the hobby that may go on to invent something new find a new product maybe make a new product maybe start a new podcast and it gives you more things to listen to look at check out copy imitate you know whatever i mean the the bigger that it gets as long as people are doing it the correct way the the better it makes the community and the the richer the community becomes Absolutely, man. That's that's a hundred percent. I mean, just the things of the different community. I mean, it 
you'd be surprised how quickly you go from an event attendee to an event organizer and all the different ideas you pull from these events, uh, you will definitely push into your own events. And that's, that's just something you can expect. I'm, I'm so sure on that one. Scott went, when did you, you went to Adepticon? Was it the first, your first Adepticon last year? Yes. Yeah. what do you think? Describe your experience since it was your first time last year. Well, it was really awesome, man. And it, if, if anything you have listened to on this podcast has inspired you to try to like pursue an army so you can go to these events that sound too good to be true, that's what you're going to experience there. I mean, they really do put a lot of work and effort. And I met people from, I met, gosh, Sam, Sam here from Wisconsin. Uh, I met Stephen Hillman, a lot of listeners of the show, and these are people that I relatively keep up with throughout the year, so it's not like I just met temporary friends for that event. You know, I met people that I now know and can share hobby progress with and I share community with, and that's a, you know, that's something that's, that's kind of worth the price of admission in itself. Oh, absolutely, dude. All the new friendships you make. Like Ryan said, man, this, this podcast, Ryan wouldn't be here if I hadn't met him. And we didn't hang up, hang out at the end. You're gonna have a good time at events, people. Um, we just had a guy uh, Facebook message us asking us about Heresy Camp and if it would be a good event for a beginning person. And I was like, ho ho ho, are you in luck? Because he was all <laughs> worried about people not wanting to hang out with a new player or whatever. And I'm like, hey man, this will be. I mean, everything we've talked about on this show, you could do there. You could take your pole cold a painting class jump fucking light years ahead in line of everyone else um you could network with you know the all the people that'll be there all the podcasts that'll be there all the cool dudes in the community that'll be there and immediately get fucking have that main lined right into your fucking veins and then you can you know learn how to play games from people who have played all kinds of shit and see all kinds of cool hobby ideas all in one event i mean it's like that's all that it is a senator heresy that's right. I might even mainline something else into your veins, but don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Just hang out. Just hang out. Dude, I couldn't imagine like being a new player going to Heresy Camp and then like coming out like a completely different person. It'd be like like Lorgar transfiguring you. Like you like it's like going in the eye of terror coming out like a Galvorback. Like you're just <laughs> you're you're a completely separate person after you come out. It'd be like those it'd be like those people that play those games where it takes like nine trillion years to earn experience points, like the people that play on the phone, or you can spend like sixty real life dollars and become like level eighty seven in a day or whatever. That's that's <laughs> yep. what it'd be like. <laughs> I'm gonna make a meme that's like before heresy <laughs> camp it is after heresy camp. It's gonna be well. We already incredible. did the MKA one with the Conor McGregor. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. I love that meme. I save that in my phone. I look at it like every week and chuckle. <laughs> It's gonna be great. So that's what you just should expect, guys, when you go to events. Um, the next question, next point on here: What should you do for terrain? What are some good places to get terrain? Um, I mean, really, this one's this one's pretty up in the air. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of different places to get terrain. I mean, Games Workshop, they do offer their line of terrain. They do offer, you know, tables that you can get on that are pretty uh, quick and easy ways to get into the terrain game uh, as far as, you know, um, 
not having to put a lot of work into it. I mean, but there, there's absolutely third party companies that offer uh, places you could purchase terrain. Um, Ryan, what was that? It was Blue 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 Forge? Oh, Blue Forge. They're in Australia. They ship worldwide, though. Luke is the guy who runs it. Um, he makes fully. His terrain's fucking mind blowing. If you've not seen it, go to just Google uh, Blue Forge terrain. Um, and he's got pictures of all that. He's actually doing. I ordered a whole bunch of new stuff for Adepticon, and you can get it where it's just primed black, or you can get it um, fully painted and ready to go out of the box. If you go with the fully painted option, it will look just like on the website. So if you like the way it looks like on the website, it that's not bullshit. It's not like something that he spent, you know, way more time on to make it look good to sell you something that's substandard. It's not like when you see a Wendy's commercial and you see the really nice burger and then you go to the restaurant and the patty's half-sized with a fucking bite out of it with no lettuce on it. It's not like that. Like you literally get what's advertised. Um also uh like if you if you're just getting in and you want a fairly cheap table that looks excellent uh, that's portable, I highly recommend going to a place like Game Mat EU. Game yep. Mat EU, you can buy a battle mat, which is like you know between sixty and eighty dollars. They even make double sided ones now, which are pretty rad. They're only like twenty dollars more, but it gives you two totally different looks, and it's portable and light. And then they also sell pre painted terrain kits, and you get quite a bit of terrain for the money. So, for example, you could get, like, uh, two of the ruins kit and then, like, a city-looking board. Uh, the map, the map. I think the, the terrain kits are, like, $130 U.S. Uh, the desert one I know is 110 and the, uh, the um, battle mats are 62 the single-sided. I may or may not be buying these pretty soon. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think the ruins are maybe just a tick more, and so are the industrial ones, but they're great. So, like... You could get either two of the industrial kit or two of the ruins kit. So let's say you got two of the ruins and say they're 125. So that's 250. And then you're getting a mat for like 75. So you got, you know, $325 in it and that's a table and it's done. You don't have to do like you literally, you get it, you open the box, you roll the mat out, throw the ruins on it and you're ready to go. And that's going to be lots of nice, high quality terrain that's portable and ready to go for a fairly cheap price. Um, I know that, I mean, then for an actual table, the way I do it, I just go to Walmart and get those like $50 like wall plastic folding tables that are like three three feet wide and six feet long that fold. And then I go get a piece of uh, four by eight plywood and I cut two feet off the end. So it's six by four, which is a regulation size 40K board. And then I take that and rip it in two. Well, not with my bare hands, rip it with a saw, cut it in two. <laughs> um yeah, carpentry. I use carpentry terms, and I know there's some people going, rip it, he rips it. Anyway, uh, <sighs> cut it in two so that you have two uh, pieces that are each three by four feet, and then you buy you some piano, it's called piano hinge, or whatever. It doesn't really matter what kind of hinges, and you hinge it so it folds in the middle, so you can store it easy, and it's about the same size as your white table. That will literally fit in a closet. You can put it away if your wife pitches at you, whatever, you know, about taking up space that way that folds up you can stick it in the closet uh roll your battle mat up put it in there and have a little box with your ruins in it that will easily keep in a bedroom closet nobody has to see it and then whenever you want to play a game drag your table out unfold it put your top on there roll your mat out stick your ruins on it boom good to go you could do all that for you know less than 
you know, 400 bucks probably. Yeah. If you're brand new, I'd say probably hold off on the terrain until you're you're pretty established, but definitely, I mean, I guess Yeah, I was just go. saying like people people like this is more for somebody that doesn't have a local store. Like if you if you live in a place that's out in the middle of nowhere and it's just you and a couple of friends getting into it and you don't want to drive hours to a store or an hours to play whatever and you're trying to start up your own local club and you just need like a table to start playing on, that that's probably your best option there. Fuck yeah. And then, I mean, there's tons of third-party companies that make cool terrain. Uh, Mantic, I think Mantic makes the best and cheapest um, like industrial terrain. Their uh, industrial quadrant, industrial sector, you get a ton of terrain. It's enough to do like a four by four board for like a hundred dollars. I mean, and and that's pretty dense. It's and it's really nice looking stuff. It's plastic. It's easy to put together and paint. Um, Games Workshop makes those. Uh, uh, what's it? Sink the Imperialis buildings or whatever they're called. The Imperial Sector buildings, the Anakin yep. building, the the Basilica, that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's a little more money. Uh, it's it's a little heavier plastic than the Mantic stuff. It's just kind of different. It's whatever you like. The Mantic stuff is a little more customizable and it's cheaper and you get more of it. The Games Workshop stuff's a little sturdier and um depends on your opinion, but it, you know it's the detail. It's more detailed, but it's detailed in a way that some people like and some people don't like. It's got a lot of skulls and shit all over it which you know it looks pretty cool but some people don't want all that they want just like a more plain industrial look um yeah i mean i i if if you want a mega terrain breakdown go to the varangian heresy podcast and they did an episode that i was on that all we did was talk about terrain and it's like three hours long of nothing but terrain and i literally sat and wrote a list of terrain companies and we went through every one went to their web pages on the podcast and discussed it all because there's like a bunch of MDF manufacturers like, um, death ray designs. There's a uh, Sarissa. There's all kinds of them that make all kinds of badass MDF terrain. And there's new ones that seem like they come out every year, every day, man, every week you're getting a new MDF creator out there. Somebody gets a laser cutter and they go to town. And the new thing that people are doing, which I'm kind of nervous about personally, I've not, I mean, I'm not seen any of it in real life, like face to face to know, but a lot of people are doing this like thick cardboard that's already printed with whatever, where it looks painted, where you get it out of the box and glue it together. And it's supposedly really sturdy and, you know, the pictures of it look cool, but I've not seen any person to know how well it'll hold up or anything like that. Classic. Classic Games Workshop terrain. Remember that old cardboard stuff. This, the, this stuff is a lot thicker and looks a lot better than that. I mean, it is printed cardboard, but it it's like three D. It's weird. It's hard to explain. It's almost like uh, if anybody's ever built those plastic Gundam models where you, all the sprues are in different plastic and it looks like it wouldn't work, but then you put it together and the way the panels overlap, it actually looks, you know, like it's painted and looks pretty badass. That's kind of how the, they did these cardboard kits. And I know one of them, I can't remember the name of the company, they're newer, they're sponsoring the Michigan GT this year, so they're going to have a lot of that terrain, so I'm, I'm actually eager to check it out to see if it's worth a shit or not. And I'll give you guys a an honest report on it. Honest breakdown. Dig it. So, 
The last thing on the list is what are some good third-party companies for models and bits? Who wants to start this one? Because there's so many out there. Yeah, we're not gonna be able to go through all of them. But. I'll go for my I'll go for my favorite ones. I'll two out my favorite ones, and probably your guys too. My number numero uno on my list is Anvil Industries because I'm fucking. <clears throat> they gave out a bunch of prize support for the Michigan GT last year, and for once, I actually won some prize support that I fucking used, and I bought these. Uh, they're called Hyper City Base Toppers, and I really love the way they look on my world eaters. I think they're really uh add a lot more presence to those models and make them look a lot bigger and more imposing and cool. Um, that being said, they do everything from base toppers to little bionic parts you can put on your Marines to make them look like they have bionic augmentations, different close combat weapons, chain axes, power fists, stuff like that. Um, all different kinds of looks and feels. I think they have some like futuristic you know, Imperial Guardsmen looking stuff you could use for your Warp Cults Militia. That would be really neat. Um, so Anvil Industries is definitely my numero uno, my numero dos. The hand in hand, I don't like favorite one over the other. I like them both equally. That's what you say about your kids, right? That's never true. <laughs> um, Prom. Cromlech, Cromlech. I love Cromlech. Uh, they do great bases, great weapons and stuff. They have an outstanding customer service. They're in Poland. Um, I don't know those guys, obviously, but they're super fucking awesome. They do they put out fantastic, very detailed quality products. And uh, they're one of those companies that'll throw like in extra free stuff. Like I just got this cool free mace, like power mace, in with, with my with an order I put in an order for their flight stands, their urban rubble flight stands. And uh, that's always really neat. I'm actually going to use that to convert something up here soon. But I really appreciate that little attention to detail, and I think they do fantastic work. That's spelled K-R-O-M-L-E-C-H, and Anvil Industries is spelled like it sounds. Classic Cromlech, dude. Yep. Good shit. Really good shit. All right. Great, great uh, dozer blade for your fucking Spartan as well, if you haven't checked that out. So we did a show where somebody asked, and we literally went through the list. I'm just going to start naming names, and you guys can look. So we got Blood and Skulls Industries. So they're on Facebook, or on uh, eBay. That's where their store's at. They make a lot of, like, just cool conversion bits for tanks and shit. I love their stuff. Uh, me and Scott, when we talked about that Sagittarius Land Raider kit... Um, on our hobby progress, that's where that comes from. Yep. Definitely, definitely check them out. Uh, Thomas over there that runs that's fucking awesome. He always throws, usually throws free shit in with your orders too. You know, like a few little upgrades. I know I've gotten several like land speeder missile launcher conversion things and extra tank guns and stuff from him. Um, Secret weapon miniatures. They make a lot of cool stuff. They got you know bases things like that. Uh, Dragon Forge. Uh, they make resin bases, and he also has some conversion kits and things. Uh, Puppet Puppets War, um, Chapter House, uh, Zinge Industries, Max Mini, uh, Pig Iron Productions, uh, War was that War Games Exclusive. Mad Robot. Mad Robot Miniatures. Yep. Shapeways. Uh, Shapeways, we have actually have like a little, uh, what do you call that? Uh, curated 
thing for the podcast? A whole curated. It's basically just a curated line of of just a bunch of different heresy bits that we pulled together uh, for Shapeways. So you can go into our curated section and get an idea of all the different sellers on Shapeways that actually sell heresy-related bits. And that's just a small section of it. That's not even close to all the products that are on there, like not even remotely close. So just go to Shapeways, and I think you can just do a search for, like, you know, heresy, whatever. Michael was more of an expert on how you search that stuff. What's the best way to search for the heresy bits, Michael? Uh, so you go into Shapeways, you look for uh, 28 millimeter gaming, and then it, there's a whole separate section for Warhammer 40K, and you just go to town, man. I mean, you're going to have to tread through some heresy and normal 40K bits, but, I mean, there's hundreds of pages of different stuff for for uh, for Shapeways heresy bits. I mean, definitely some sellers to look out for. Uh, powerful Matt Schweitzer, aka Pop Goes the Monkey. He's gonna. Ha- he has hit all of his stuff is is uh, is is sectioned out. He's got it all, you know, separated from heresy, not heresy. And then uh, also Comrade Quiche, who's also uh, he his uh, his store is Bits Plus, I believe. Yeah, I think it's, I believe it's Bits Plus. And he's the one that sells, it's Comrade Keish. You can look up Comrade Keish on Google and find him real quick. But he makes a lot of, you know, upgradable night kits and things like that. Uh, he, he has a number of different things that can be transitioned into the heresy. Yeah. Then you got, you got tabletopart.eu. Um, they make a lot of cool conversion bits and hobby supplies. Um, there was another one. My brain just went blank. Oh, hassle-free miniatures. Uh, they got some pretty cool miniatures and things like that. Um, Mantic, like I just said, they got some things you can use for conversions. War Games Factory has some things for conversions. Um, I mean, man, there's just a ton of places. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out that I use. Oh, Spellcrow. I just got a bunch of Spellcrow bits to convert my Mortarian. Uh, they make some cool stuff. Um... I think that's it off the top of my head. Like I said, not that long ago on a show, I don't know what episode it is. Um, one of the the probably within the last four or five, we went through a a giant list of third party products. Did you ever like make a list of that? Like all the links? I thought I sent you all the links. Did you post that somewhere, Michael? In the no, show I wrote notes them or anything? All down, but no, we didn't ever post them up. Well, that's handy. Way to go, Michael. <laughs> what exactly do you do here? <laughs> curiosity. Uh, it was extra KF Studios, Blood and Skulls, Mad Robot Miniatures, Anvil Industries, Puppets War, Secret Weapon Miniatures, Zen Industries, Tabletop Art.eu, Max Mini, Victoria Miniatures, The Toughest Girls in the Galaxy, War Games Exclusive, and Dragon Forge are all the different uh or all the different yeah. things and that I we think talked about. We just made some new ones like Spellcrow and some other ones too. So, um, so yeah, check all those out. Uh, they have all kinds of cool, you know, third-party bits that you can do all kinds of crazy shit with. Yeah, extra armor, man. They they definitely do. Probably my favorite upgraded tracks to turn your uh, to turn your rhinos into 30k rhinos. Uh, There's KF's- one called Dark. 
there's one called Dark Something. Oh, Sky Skibor Miniatures. That's another one. Skibor. Oh, Skibor. Yeah. S C I B O R. K F Studios. Yeah, Kabuki. Uh, KF Studios makes uh, upgrades for Space Wolves, Dark Angels, and um, Space Wolves, Dark Angels, and Night Lords right now. And the upgrade kits they make look like they are Forge World upgrade kits. It's bonkers. It, it does not look anything like the Forge World kits, but they look like they would fit right in line with the Forge World kits. They're incredible kits. Um Blood and Skulls Industries, obviously, you know, that's uh, if you want an upgrade for your tanks, if you want uh, to upgrade your Kalth Contemptor and turn it into a uh, Cordis Contemptor or just give it posable legs, he offers a kit that can turn it into posable legs. Uh, Mad Robot Miniatures, I know we talked about them earlier in the podcast, but that is probably hands down my favorite third-party miniature maker just because of the amount of options he has available for the Imperial Guard and Imperial Militia. Yeah. Not a lot if of you're stuff a for Space Militia Marines, player. Yeah. You, yeah, you will only do yourself a service even just looking at that website. I mean, anything that you can imagine, any kind of army you can picture in your head, you can go to Mad Robot Miniatures and find the exact parts that I guarantee Nobody else has an army of all the same parts that you can put together. Like it's just you're gonna have a very unique army with that. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, Pop Goes the Monkey Man. We do a lot of work with Pop Goes the Monkey. Uh, he does a lot of giveaways with us. He gives us a lot of prize support. Super nice guy. Super awesome. Uh, he does you know custom shoulder pads. I know he got real busy at one point where he would kind of kind of put a halt to it. But I believe he's back on his game where he'll, you know, take orders for custom shoulder pads that he'll make out for you. And, uh, I mean, everything he has is unique. You're not going to find it on Forge World or you're not going to find it uh, on Games Workshop sites. It's it's designs that he's made that aren't out there and that aren't available. All these different third parties out there are making designs that you can't get. And just everyone that we labeled off is... Just another way to make your army yours. Another way to make it, make it unique. So, you guys, anything else to say about that? Or no, nope. uh, there's one more called Dark. I know it's called it's called Dark something. I can't remember the name of it. I don't know if Micro Art Studio is still out there, but they used to do really good bases. They might be. Yeah, they are. They're still out there. <laughs> Absolutely, chapter chapter house took six months to get me my model. I will never let yeah, anybody not I, know that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't. Write it. At least it. you got it though, right? It didn't <laughs> oh, totally screw you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. so that's it, guys. That's everything. That's the whole list. Boom. We did it. So, you have now completed the tutorial. You are now ready to play Heresy. Please submit one army to <laughs> local event. Darkworks. So that's it, guys. Darkworks. Huh? That's the company. Darkworks. You're welcome, Darkworks. Well, Ryan almost forgot you, but his... He... I didn't forget. I just couldn't remember the name of it. They make actually really cool shit. Like, if you go there right now, I mean, it literally is like a full, like almost like a graphic wrap for your Land Raider, oh, but yeah, it's resin. tight. Yeah, so go there. Check it out, Michael. 
after we get off the podcast or do it now, whatever you want to do. It's called Dark Works. They make several. They make them for rhinos. They make them for land raiders. They're pretty sleek, slick. I'll do it now. I'm gonna look right now. But we also got to close out this episode, guys. Uh, for all of our, all you new listeners out there that somehow made it through this entire episode, listening, hopefully writing down. I just imagine you sitting there with your notepad, going, "Wow, now I'm ready to get in the hobby." Uh, go back and listen to any of our previous episodes, guys. Uh, our previous episodes are a little bit uh, easier to digest. There's a lot less information that you're taking in at one time. It's a lot less of us uh, talking at you and trying to teach you. And it's a lot more, you know, like a lot more fun with some of the, the antics that we talk about. We, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, voicemails. There's a lot of uh, people that call in and talk to us. Uh, we have a huge, huge uh, uh, group of people that we reach and that, that talk back to us. And we really appreciate that. Um, uh, if you if you want to be a part of the community, if you want to be a part of whatever community we offer, uh, we do have our Radio Free Fan Facebook page. You can hop in there. Uh, we'll point you in the direction of some of the groups that we support. Uh, once again, the Eye of Horrors Facebook group is probably one of the best pages you can hop into if you want to be part of this awesome community that we're a part of. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, we do have a Patreon group as well. Uh, we have a Patreon support that you can support. If you support a dollar an episode, uh, it gets you into our our Facebook Patreon chat called the Crusader Host. Uh, that is full of some of the most knowledgeable people in the heresy uh, right now. And, I mean, that's constantly growing. Everybody's bouncing lists off each other. Everybody's bouncing work in progress off of each other. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great place to get some of the... Uh, best opinions on the hobby that you can and we actually rely on those guys quite a bit uh to to gauge the community and gauge how people feel about things so i mean if you want to be part of that you're more than welcome to come in i mean that's just that's how we do it um as well guys if you want to contact us in any way we do have a voicemail line uh all you have to do is call 209 rfi 30k0 we play those voicemails live on the air. If you have any questions for us or anything like that, we will play those questions live on the air and we'll answer the questions live on the air. If you want to tell us a story about your gaming experience or anything crazy, feel free to just call us and tell us a story. If you're an international listener, uh, you can record yourself on MP3, send it to us. That's going to be Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. And we also have another co-host, Derek, Derek at Warhammer30k.com. Uh, but he's been sick, so so he's been out. Uh, but you can send us that MP3 that you record, and we'll play it live on the air as well. I mean, we're pretty easy to get a hold of. We're pretty easy to contact. Uh, we have a number of ways to, to get a hold of us. So if you have any questions about this episode, don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, that's why we're here. I mean, we enjoy it. Yep. I enjoy it. I know Ryan does. Yep. I, I, I do. don't know about Scott. I haven't quite put my finger on I don't fuck you guys man this is a huge waste of my time <laughs> <laughs> well all right guys we're gonna go ahead and kick off to some music and uh <clears throat> hopefully we'll catch you on some future episodes y'all have a good one bye bye
Does growing up just change your body?